And they drank the same spiritual drink, and they drank from the rock that followed them, who was Christ. And drinking again. Church, do you know that everything that happened to man is because man ate his way into all this mess? Ah, did you hear what I said? Adam opened his big mouth. Number one. All right. And he ate everything God said not to eat. So you can say any curse you mention, any evil in this world, anything that our, the governments of the nations are, are, are worried about, are concerned for, uh, uh, economic shortage, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, trials, and God never made this earth to be like that. If God even counts death as an enemy. God hates death. God hates sin. You know what God did with sin? He put it on Jesus. God loves sinners. How much does God hate sin? As much as God loves the sinner. Ah, let me explain. You got somebody you love very much who has cancer. Do you love the cancer? No, of course not. But the cancer is in your loved one. Now, question. How much do you hate the cancer? Must be answered with another question. How much do you love your loved one? Because the more you love your loved one, to the degree you love your loved one, to the degree you hate the cancer. So God loves you, but God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is because God loves you. And sin is destroying everything that God has that's good. That is harmonious, that is peaceful, that is health, that is life for you. And for your families. God is not a a joy killer. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Pleasures forevermore. When Jesus, in the upper room, in a few hours, He knew He'll be betrayed. In fact, He just sent Judas out. Night, when Judas went out. What a poetic way of saying, it was night. Just look at His disciples and say, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you. Can you imagine a, 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 a man looking like he's baptized in laminate juice? Looking at you, these things I speak to you. <laughs> that my joy. <laughs> might remain in you. Peter will say a lot, uh, I think you need it more than us. <laughs> Alright? You need every little joy you need. Alright? I think we have our own problems. So the thing is this. It must not be a picture like that. It must be a person who is strong, smiling. Even though in a few hours' time, he knew he would lay down his life for our sins. Looking at them. Hey guys, these things I tell you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And don't let it be afraid. Amen. These things I speak to you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. Uh, Pastor Prince, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. Brother, do that. Since you brought that up, can you tell me where's the verse taken from? I don't know. I'll tell you. It's taken in Isaiah 53. All right. He became a man of sorrows. Because of his suffering. The only time he was a man of sorrows was when he, he went through 
the cross, the surging, the beating. He took, because it was a transaction. He took our sins, we take his righteousness. He took, he took our sorrows and we take his joy. He became a curse that we might be blessed. That curse part, I've still not, not recovered from it. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that reading Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The Son of God became a curse for us to redeem us from the... It's not just, you know, he took, he took some curse. He became a curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on all of us. Don't let it go to waste, people. Come on. You're listening, people? So he wants a joyful church. So they... Wow, so much just from that, that side. All right. I'm going to show you the background of the same chapter to show you it's about eating and drinking. And by the way, if you look at the rest of the remaining chapter of chapter 10, it talks about eating, whatever you eat, do all to the glory of God, about eating and drinking. And that's why the very next chapter, okay, it talks about the Apostle Paul saying, now it's 1 Corinthians 11, guys, I received from the Lord Jesus what I, I delivered to you. That the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. The Apostle Paul, in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Why was it that in chapter 11, Paul had to say, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Gone to Peter. He could have gone to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper. Yet, the Lord Jesus, the present day, glorified, ascended Christ, taught that communion is so important that He will give a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul. And Paul himself said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you the same night he was betrayed. In other words, he didn't get it from Matthew. He didn't get it from Mark, Luke, or John. He got it from the Lord. Do you think the present day Lord in heaven at the Father's right hand deem it is important that you have a revelation of it? I know, all depending, there are churches, there are denominations today that, that don't even have communion anymore. There are those who have it once in two months. There are those who have it once a month. There are those who only have the bread. But let me tell you this. I believe the devil is trying to minimize the way out. He's trying to negate. He's trying to cover your eyes from the way out. Are you listening, people? Hmm? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the context. All right. Verse 13, okay. Now the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the context is very, very clear, people. All right, it's talking, because all of a sudden it talks about communion. Doesn't make sense. And knowing the Apostle Paul, he's a very systematic right, a teacher. Okay, he's very intelligent. But when it comes to the Bible, God orchestrates everything. No verse is taken out of context. I've shown you the verses before. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Now, let's go to verse 16 on the screen. Of a blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This word communion is the word koinonia, 
which is the word for fellowship. All right? Association. It's not just fellowship. You can have fellowship with me, but I just met you yesterday. All right? In other words, it's, it's a fellowship, but it's a fellowship over tea, all right? Kind of association. But, but the word down there is actually intimate. It's intimate participation. Intimate participation. This word would be used also um, in the idea of a husband and a wife being intimate. They say things to each other, all right? There are things that they say and do that no one else is privy to. They are intimately participating. The thoughts, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's the idea of communion. Are you with me so far? Are you blessed? Amen? Now, keep that in mind, okay? What is that? Communion. Then the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Now, it's not saying that we are all partaking of each other. There are those who teach when you, when you take the bread, remember this, the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus never said, this is the mystical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But when he took the bread, when the bread is with the cup of wine, it's always his physical body. This is my body. He's not referring to the mystical body that was to come. Are you listening? And he is very precise. We though many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. In other words, we are one bread, one body now because we all partake of Jesus' body. You got it? Okay. Observe Israel after the flesh. We go back to ancient Israel. Look at Israel after the flesh. When they offer an offering, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? I want to tell you something. It is in your interest today. If your body is suffering, if there has been a prognosis, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have told you, let me just tell you this. It is in your interest to partake of the benefits of the cross. Your question is, how can I do it? Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? The altar is the cross. The altar back then in Israel's temples, there are four corners. It's a picture of the cross. That's where the, the lambs are placed. That's where the, 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 the body of the bullock is placed. That's where the sacrifice is laid. The burnt offering is laid there. It's four corners because one day, this antitype will be Jesus on the cross with the four corners to the north, south, east, and west, for God so loved the world. The benefit is efficacious to the four corners of the earth. Can I have a good amen? All right, so don't forget, the altar is, the altar is the place of the cross. Now, how do we partake? The million dollar question that church, the church of Jesus Christ have is that, I know he bore my diseases, not just my sins, but how do I partake that? How do I have access to it? How do I become a koinonia, an intimate participation, a participator, a, a, a sharer, of what happened. How can I be a sharer of the benefits of the blood and the benefits of the bread? Observe Israel are not those who eat. In other words, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, a partaker of what Jesus did at the cross. Are you listening, people? I'm going to read to you some testimonies. If I have time, maybe just one testimony, but it's going to bless you. This guy's Joshua from Kingdom. I was saved when I was nine. However, my experience of church was more about living a good Christian life rather than receiving the grace of Christ. 
I felt like a hypocrite trying to deal unsuccessfully with my feelings of guilt and shame. As a result, I spent my teen and much of my adult years away from God. Four years ago, I began to attend church once again. I met someone in a life group who introduced me to Joseph Prince Ministries. I began watching Pastor Prince's messages whenever I could. Slowly, the message of grace in Christ began its healing in my heart. The more I listened, the more my wrong beliefs were replaced with the gospel. For six months, I would tear up uncontrollably every time I heard of the grace and truth that Jesus died to give us. Even though I was safe as a child, I would rarely ever share my beliefs with anyone because I felt like a hypocrite. Now I share the grace of Christ with anyone who is willing to listen. One Sunday, I even shared a testimony with my church. For 26 years, I suffered from having painful warts on the soles of my feet. I tried every medical means, including painful laser surgery to get rid of them, but nothing helped. When I was invited to a barbecue a while ago, I asked if we could partake of the Holy Communion together as I had watched Pastor Prince's messages on the healing power of the Holy Communion and read his book on the Holy Communion, I shared my newfound beliefs about the significance of discerning the Lord's body and the communion elements with the group. After taking the communion together, we prayed and sang hymns about our Lord's sacrifice and His love. In my prayer, I cursed the warts on my feet that had also spread to my hands. Weeks later, don't forget, he's been suffering for 26 years from this condition, a laser and everything else, nothing helped. Weeks later, the warts on my hands were gone. In the weeks that followed, my feet were also healed and are now completely free from warts. All glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't come because you say that, oh, I'm going to try the communion, all right? It's not a matter of trying. It's faith. It's not, it's not a matter of that, okay, I go through it. The whole thing is empty. Empty of meaning, empty of... And, 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 and you don't watch it, you're partaking unworthily. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, singular reason, singular reason, when the body of Christ says that, you know, we need to lay hands on each other and command this, command that, and all that, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But the norm for a believer, usually they command devils to come out and people to be healed for sinners out there. Believers seems in the first century church seems to be walking in divine health. It's better to have health than healing. I said it's better to have health than healing. But if you're sick, go for healing. But don't stay there. Don't leave from healing to healing. Start to walk in health. So the believers will break bread house daily. I repeat, you didn't get that. They'll break bread from house to house daily. And we think we are, you know, some people think we are extreme. We have it once a week. Well, the early church in the book of Acts, upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Who was the guest speaker for that one? The Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul was a speaker. Doesn't say upon the first day of the week, they came together to hear Paul. They came together to break bread. Acts 20. You have time, you read it. And while Paul was long preaching, <laughs> while Paul was long preaching, a young man was sitting on a window. All right? There were three floors. Everything is symbolic as well. Three floors, the third heaven. All believers are seated with Christ in the third heaven. 
So the young boy's name is given. Why? There is a meaning for the church. His name is Eutychus. Any EU means good in, in, in Greek. Eutychus means good fortune. He fell asleep. He didn't listen to Paul's preaching and he fell three floors and died. Now, why is the church, how come the church has been robbed of good fortune? Eutychus, Paul's preaching. Just like the, another, another story in Acts, the ship of Christendom had Paul on it, but they refused to listen to Paul. When they, had, they faced shipwreck, Paul said, you should have listened to me. We need to listen to Pauline revelation, especially of grace. God gave it to Paul. Amen. All scriptures are inspired. All scriptures are important. But not everything is written to us for the church. Some are written to the Jew and some are written to us. And Paul is the one that said, I received from the Lord about the communion. Come on. Are you listening, people? All right. So here we go. All right. After he fell, by the way, it's good news. They came together to what? Break bread. Not to hear Paul preach. So the guy fell and Paul went down and Paul hugged him. You know, we're going to embrace this young generation with the Pauline revelation of grace, the gospel of grace. Are you listening? We need to embrace them. Amen. Even they are dead. We're going to embrace them. We're going to make them feel warm with the gospel of grace. And guess what? Paul says, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. His life is in him. He raised him from the dead. Now, if something like this happened in church, we will say, hallelujah, praise God. Amen. Have a time of praise and then send everybody back. Not, not Paul. Paul went back up, brought everybody, plus the guy who raised from the dead, brought good fortune back to the third heavens, amen, where the church is. And guess what? They broke bread. Priorities. First things first. Even though someone raised from the dead, still go back, break bread. Don't forget where the power comes from. That's the early church. Look it up when you have time, when you're sitting on your own white throne, all right? Read Acts 20. It's always good to have a Bible near your white throne or pink throne or green throne, whatever it is. <laughs> okay, there are different colors nowadays. What are you talking about, Pastor Prince? He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. For this reason, singular reason, only one reason in the church, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep, sleep death, die. Behold, I, pick, I speak plainly. In those days, they sleep. For a believer, death holds no more terror. There's no more sting. Jesus conquered death. So for a believer, they say they fall asleep. A sinner dies. A believer sleeps. Until Jesus raised his body from the dead. All right? But look at this. One reason, for one reason, not reasons. I check it out in the Greek. The word reason is singular. Many, kind of wish he said few. Many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. What's the reason? What's the reason? He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the key's unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if I tell you and you're suffering from malaria and I say, I got quinine tablets, take this quinine tablets. You say, I, I refuse to. I'll put it in the water, all right? Okay, now drink it, drink it. I say, I don't need a quinine business. No, you are drinking damnation to yourself by not drinking the solution. The world as it is, is dying as if, oh, you have sinned, you take the Lord's Supper, then you die. No, no, no. The world is dying. That's why the same chapter says that God doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. There's a condemnation in, in this world that was released, a divine sentence that was released ever since Adam sinned. Divine sentence includes sickness. 
Communion is the way out. It's the ekbasis. Are you listening, people? Amen? So, not discerning the Lord's body. So the promise that they knew the cup, majority of denominations that practice church denomination, and I speak this with a heavy heart, they have communion. But many a times, they lump the bread and the cup as one. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. You died for our sins. Hardly mention disease. They're not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning, diacrino, to make a separation between the bread and the cup. Why was he scourged? Why, why didn't God just, God, God arrange everything. Why didn't God just send him straight to the cross? Why didn't Pilate just send him to the cross? Why must he go via the scourging and then the cross? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Are you listening? God loves you. God wants you well. Amen. God wants you well. Amen. Pastor Prince, I took communion before. I thought, take again. The disciples took it from house to house in one day. You know how many times that is? You know how many houses there were? Every time they come to a new house, there's somebody sick. So they take again and they got the benefit. They broke bread daily, not only daily, from house to house. And knowing these disciples, they can cross miles like Jesus. They, they, Jesus would, would walk without any, uh, uh, any uh, transportation. Walk with feet. Across rough terrains. That's his exercise. Running is an animal that's invented later on. Walking is, is Jesus' style of exercise. Long distance. Amen. Don't write to me again. All right. For this reason, many. So if you reverse the thing, if you discern the Lord's body, yes, his body was broken that my body might be put together. Amen. I see my, my high blood pressure carried away by Jesus' body. I see his body judged. His healthy body was judged that my body might be healed. You are discerning. Now you are eating worthily. God is not saying an unworthy person cannot eat. It's not an unworthy man. It's an unworthy manner. The adverb, okay? An adverb means an action that modifies, it's the way, modifies the verb. It's how you eat. You're not eating with discernment. In fact, those people were partying in the First Corinthians church. They were, they were drinking and they were gluttons. There's gluttony going on at the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, it's very hard for gluttony to happen <laughs> and, and drunkenness because this is our elements. It's hard to partake unworthily. So our promise, we partake without revelation. And that's why I'm preaching this. So that people who are going through something, they can listen to this again and again and again and again. And those of you who are well off, you might not think, right, there's no need for me and all that. Trust me, you will need this. Amen? So for this reason, we can reverse it. If you discern the Lord's body, for this reason, many are strong Many are healthy and many live long. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. Isaiah 53 is the Magna Carta of the entire Old Testament. It's the culmination. Everything is, this is the greatest chapter of the, of the book of Isaiah. It talks about our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. Aren't you glad He loves you? It, look up here. I want to address this because this is very important. Jesus did not, wasn't murdered. Jesus says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. No man takes this power from me. And that's why more than one time they tried to stone him. They could not. 
He walked right in their midst. More than one time, they tried to heal Jesus. They could not. My hour is not yet come. He has power. When they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, soldiers brandishing staves and swords, strong soldiers, they came, a legion of them came to arrest him. And, and he asked, whom do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he stepped forward and spoke the awesome, the august name of God that God revealed to Moses, I am. When they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, he stepped forward, I am. Moses asked God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am that I am. And now the I am said, I am. You know what happened to all those soldiers? They fell backwards. That's power, okay? He was not arrested because he can't help it. He allowed himself. Then he says, you have found me. Let these disciples go. Are you listening, people? Amen? He laid down. I believe he laid down on the cross. That's one of the things that convinced one of the thieves that this is a different man. That's what caused even the hardcore, hardened uh, centurion, Roman centurion at the cross said when he died, certainly this is the Son of God. I'm telling you, church, he didn't have to die. He loved you. I say he loved you. You know, he cares for your, your pain right now. It's not just for the, you know, for the eternal and, and while the sweet and by, by you know, it's like uh, uh, one day, you know, all these sufferings will stop, you know. Uh, no, he wants you to be healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Are you there, Pastor Prince? I don't see Christians there and all that. Let me explain to you, okay, about something about God. We have received so many testimonies of people who begin to discover. One of the biggest testimonies we receive is that People are delivered from drug addictions, pornography, all right, by confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it became a revelation that Jesus took their sin and they take Jesus as their righteousness, the divine exchange. So the more they confess that, how many know that many a times your feeling says, no, you're, you're a porn addict. But who you are before God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your thoughts will say, no, you, 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 you need this drink. You need this drink, all right? You can never break it, all right? But God looks at you and God says, you are my righteousness in Christ. Now, what happened is that even though while and we have received so many testimonies, go to josephprince.com and go to the testimonial section. You can read for yourself. The, peop, the number of people that confess, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, even while they're in their sin. And how one day the desire for porn, the desire for drinking, the desire for drugs just fell off. Depression just leaves. Are you listening? So what I'm saying is that even though you still have symptoms of sin in your life, do not identify yourself with sin. That's not who you are. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the more you identify with who you are, it does not mean you don't sin anymore. You may sin, all right? But you will sin less and less. Are you listening, people? All right? The more you identify yourself uh, with the truth, and this is the truth, we're not trying, pretend you are, Pastor Prince, you know, I feel dirty, I feel unclean, I feel I want this wrong thing. How can you say I'm the righteousness of God? Are you born again? Yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Like one guy told the pastor just after he got married, the pastor pronounced them husband and wife, and he brought the pastor one side, and said, Pastor, I don't feel married. The pastor shook him. You are married! <laughs> if I'm that pastor, I won't be shaking him. 
I'll be shaking him, exclamation point. Amen? So, same thing as in sin, the more you identify, even though there's sin in you, the more you identify the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't mean you don't sin. You sin less and less and less. Now watch this. The more you identify with the fact that Jesus took your diseases and start to do that, it's the truth. The more you do that, the more you take communion, doesn't mean you won't fall sick. But you'll fall sick less and less and less. My advice, start now. Start to identify with the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth. Why? If you believe a lie, like for example, the devil says, you you're dirty, you are unclean, and you go to God. Oh God, I, I just sinned again when I promised you last time I will not. I, I'm so unclean, I, I'm useless and all that. The Holy Spirit is just in abeyance. It's like he folds his, his hands. There's nothing for him to bear witness. You're, you're telling lies. Telling lies, you're telling lies. Nothing but lies. You're just telling lies, Nacho. It's all lies. And you know who's the father of lies, right? So, the more you utter lies, but I feel it. Go ahead. Say what you feel. What God said. Viewpoint, the paradigm for all of us to look through is the eyes of the one who is the truth. Many a child have died looking at a swimming pool with their eyes thinking it's shallow. It looks shallow. It feels shallow. It's killed many. You gotta go by God's word. A famous man, very famous, a few years ago, famous family, but all the family sort of experienced one tragedy after another, many of the people in the family. And uh, finally, uh, he was with his wife and a friend on his, one of his first flights. But because he went through a storm, it was dark. And I watched this on, on Net Geo. They were trying to find the root cause for the, the crash. His plane crash. Very handsome man. And they said that they, the conclusion was this. Right? That because he didn't have much experience, when you fly in the dark, you can't tell you're going up, you're going down. You feel like you're going straight when actually you're going down. In other words, the feeling, they call it fly by the seat of your pants. You go by your feeling instead of trusting your instrument. But your instrument is saying you're going down, but your feeling is saying you're going straight. Friend, this is God's instrument. This is God's instrument. God says, he bore our diseases. With his stripes, we are healed. But your body says, no, I don't feel it. Start taking. I, don't, I didn't say, the more you identify, all right, you have no more sickness from now on, but start somewhere and you'll find as you sin less and less, when you identify with your new identity in Christ, the more you identify yourself with the, with the fact that you are healed by his stripes, you will be sick, but less and less. Okay. All right, so Isaiah says, surely he has borne our grace and carried our sorrows. Now, this is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Grace and sorrows are the Hebrew word koli and makov. All right, koli is diseases, makov is pains. I remember sharing with one of the uh, Messianic Jewish men who is a, a pastor in Jerusalem, a very dignified man. Today, he's with the Lord. Many years ago, I sat down with him and I shared with him, and, and you know he's from the persuasion, he don't believe that uh, uh, healing is for today. All right? And I shared with him Isaiah 53. And I said, is this, uh, Mar- is this uh, Koli and Markov? He, re- he read it. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. 
very dignified el- elderly man. And I said, is holy diseases? Or is it spiritual diseases like some scholars try to tell us? He said, no, it's always physical diseases. What about pains? Physical pains. Then he read the whole thing. Hmm, he said. Hmm. He was very interested. All right, look at Young's, who is a Young's translation of the Bible. Or Young is an amazing scholar. Young's concordance, strong and Young's. You must have three concordance in your life. Strong concordance, Young's concordance, and crudence. So you become Young, strong, and crude. All right, so look at Young's translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne and our pains he has carried them. Is there another quotation of this? Yes. Thank God for Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8. Matthew 8. That it might be fulfilled, this New Testament, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And here refers to physical infirmities and weaknesses and infirmities and diseases and pains. Very, very clear. Uh, Pastor Prince, uh, are you sure? Okay, since you're not convinced, uh, your little voice of unbelief, let me show you verse 16, the context. Don't take the verse out of context. The context, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. So there's deliverance from demons, and healed all. I'm so glad he healed all. I wonder if people read their Bibles. I say, I wonder if people read their Bibles. He didn't heal everybody in Israel. He healed all who came to him. Keep that in mind. Heal all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, took our infirmities. So it's very clear the context refers to physical diseases, physical healing. Bible, interpret Bible. Amen. Okay, go back to Isaiah 53. Go to verse 5 now. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed, by the way. Crushed is the correct word. Not bruised. It's not as if you got a bruise, blue and black. All right? He was crushed for our wickedness. Jesus was crushed for our weakness. The, now watch this, watch this. The punishment required for our well-being fell on Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. The punishment required in the Hebrew, the well-being is the word shalom. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. The punishment with a view to your well-being. When Jesus took the punishment, he got up again and again. I believe he fell. Then he got up again. So that all those of you with late troubles, you will stand. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So those of you who cannot walk, he fell down as he carried the cross so that you will walk. Amen. The lacerations cut off all the important nerves for you to walk. And yet he walked again. No wonder he fell and fell until they had called Simon to help him. Because he bore all this for you and I. And by his stripe, and by the, by the way, the word stripe in the Greek, First, first Peter 2.24, by His stripe, we are healed. It's singular, singular, stripe. T.J. Necrosson, a Greek scholar, said this many years ago. Necrosson is an amazing Greek scholar. And T.J. Necrosson says, if Jesus was beaten, the stripes on His back, left slivers of flesh, the word in the Greek should be plural, stripes. 
But if they beat Jesus until there's no more skin left, which the Bible says in Psalms, I look and I can see my bones. What happened to Jesus? There's no more skin left. Then the singular should be used by his entire stripe. We are healed. I told you he loves you. He didn't have to go through that. He loved you. With the first strike, your cancer died. Your blood pressure is gone. Your disease in your heart cleared out. Every artery softened and cleared out. Thank God for science. Thank thank God for medicine. But they cannot do what the stripes can. Sometimes they they, they give you this medicine, but then they tell you 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 have another problem because of this medicine. So you must take this medicine to counter this problem that this medicine does. Now you got to have this medicine to counter this problem that's medicine. And then they tell about all the contraindications. Are you listening, people? The punishment for our well-being fell on him. The punishment for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, go back to uh, our New King James. By his stripes, we are healed. Let me just tell you this. The word stripes is kavura. Kavura. Say kavura. Kavura. Okay. Now, kavura means stripe and wound. Of years, I found out because I love Hebrew. I've been studying Hebrew as much as I can. Make some tea and coffee. <laughs> so my wife can say, he knows Hebrew. Oh, Pastor Brain, that's so corny. I know. I know. But when I was studying Hebrew, I found out that the word stripes, kavura, not only means the stripes on his back, but also is a word for fellowship. Association. Which kavura are you from? So I check it out with those in Israel. Until today, they will tell you, which kavura are you from? Which association? Which fellowship are you from? Until today, kavura. Kavura has two meanings. Why did God, who invented, created Hebrew? All right? Why did God put kavura as stripe as well as fellowship? Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the intimate participation? This is the Greek koinonia. In Hebrew, it is, now I found. But so for years, now, since I know, go back to, uh, go back to, uh, yeah, Isaiah. Since I know by his stripes we are healed. Please understand, his stripes were real. The stripes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, that's the primary interpretation, but hidden in it, God tells us how to partake of it. God says, it's by fellowship with those stripes. For years, my part is I went home from Israel, scratched my head and said, Kavura, by his association. What do I do? I worship and just fellowship with him. What, what, what? Can God just give me a verse in the Bible that says this is fellowship with him? Guess what? I found it in 1 Corinthians, all right, where it says, last thing is communion with the blood of Christ. You take the bread, it is communion with the body of Christ. Wow! This is how I fellowship with the body of Christ. There was strife for my healing. Mm. 
I tell you, if you're sick, you should have a big piece of bread at home. You should have a, a glass of, uh, I don't even recommend wine if you take a lot in, in a day. You know, darling, I'm sorry, but Pastor Prince says, you know, I got to take a lot in one day. So, I bought this wine. You must understand, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Now, don't, don't give me that nonsense, okay? It's a bad testimony to be drunk, okay? It's a bad testimony. So, let me just tell you this. Have a piece of bread. You don't need our cups, okay? You don't need our cups. Uh, but Pastor Prince, your, your, why, why you all designed that way? Must it be that way? Forget the cups. It's for convenience purpose. But even a crumb can drive the devil out of that woman's daughter. So, it, it's not how big, how small, okay? It is, it is your revelation of it. So, it's not a matter of like, and by the way, if you're not safe, do not partake of the Lord's Supper. In a while's time, we'll have the Lord's Supper. I thought that today we'll have it at the end. Because your faith, your revelation, when you take it with revelation, something happens. It's not an empty heart, an empty mind partaking. The whole thing becomes empty. It's just a ritual. Okay? I'm bringing this to a close. Are you blessed? Yes. We're coming to a close right now. Then I want to read to, to you another testimony. I suffered severe postal depression after giving birth to a wonderful baby, Margaret from United Kingdom said. I felt as if the whole world was upon my shoulders and the depression got so bad that I wanted to end my life. How many know there are people with depression who want to end their life? However, the glorious smile of my baby kept me going. One day, my brother introduced me to Pastor Joseph Prince's television program. Even though I was a Christian, I had never heard anyone preach the gospel like Pastor Prince. His messages helped me understand my wonderful identity in Christ and how much God loves me. Wow, this turned my life around. I started to watch his programs daily and recorded all of them. I also began confessing my righteousness in Christ and partaking of the Holy Communion, remembering whose I am. Since then, my life has never been the same. I no longer suffer from postnatal depression. Light in my marriage, my children's lives, and in my family. My household is now blessed daily with God's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Prince, what about for those loved ones in the hospital? Can you take communion for them? The next one I'm going to read to you. All right, listen to the story because one day you, you'll find this might really help with some relative or whatever, okay? This is Colin from India. In October 2015, Rama, the mother-in-law of my wife's sister, was admitted to the hospital after suffering a stroke that paralyzed the right side of her body. She also had an extremely high blood sugar level, which can aggravate strokes. Her attending doctor also found that her esophagus was twisted and inserted a feeding tube to pre prevent her from choking on her food or drink. My wife and I had shared Pastor Prince's DVD sermons on the Holy Communion and anointing oil with Dipesh, Rama's son. When he arrived at the hospital, he prayed for Rama with the anointing oil. Within five minutes, she moved her right hand. The family also partook of the Holy Communion. Despite being another city, we partook in faith with them. You can do that. All right? The Lord can heal from a distance. No problem. Amen. That, that, that night, Rama regained full mobility in her right arm that night, but could not stand as her balance was off. The next day, she walked around the ward twice on her own without any loss of balance. Stroke, you know. 
with uh, high blood sugar. However, she started coughing out the milk given to her. The doctor wanted to reinsert the feeding tube, which was a painful procedure. But Rama managed to avoid it as she was able to eat normally after the tube was removed. Her esophagus was also no longer twisted. On the fourth day, Rama was discharged. Another patient with the same condition as Rama and admitted on the same day and had not even opened his eyes. Admitted the same day, the person on the fourth day, the eyes is still closed. My wife's brother, who is a doctor, told us that Rama's recovery was medically impossible. Blood sugar level was unstable for the week that followed. We shared with her what we had learned from Pastor Prince about letting go and letting God take care of her. That night, Rama and her daughter partook. Now Rama herself partook, all right? What, when your, your loved one is unconscious or in a hospital, what you can partake on behalf of your loved one. But once the person is awake, now she's participating. That night, Rama and her daughter partook of the Holy Communion and told the Lord that they cannot, but He can. Her blood sugar level stabilized after that. Rama is now a committed believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. Amen. The final part is something that I think uh, will be very interesting, interesting for those of you who feel that, like uh, your age is advancing. All right? When I was 12 years old, I thought 30 was very old. <laughs> and then I hit 30. Then I thought being 40 was very, very old. I remember when, when my mom was 40, when my mom was 30s, you know, I thought she was very old. You know, you all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> all right? But whatever age you put down there as the age of growing old, I just want to let you know something, okay? The Bible says this in Psalms 92. Look up here. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon is a very famous cedar. By the way, let me show you cedar, a picture of a cedar. It's a majestic tree beautiful tree. And the cedars of Lebanon is the cedars that's used for the temple of Solomon, the most expensive building ever built as a house of God. It's majestic. All right? Now, Psalms 92 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree, even 100 years old, can still produce oil. Isn't it amazing? A palm tree is so fruitful, you see all kinds of seeds everywhere. Yeah, oh, come on, come on, come on. Old age, still fruitful. It shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen? The cedar uh, wood, by the way, the cedar, I learned this when I was in the Rockies uh, uh, many years ago with Wendy for a holiday. We passed by cedars and I stopped because it's interesting in the Bible, you know, I want to learn as much as I can. And the little, uh, uh, all the cedars that were there, there was, there was a write-up and they said that the cedar wood is practically incorruptible. No insect can successfully destroy it. In fact, the beautiful perfume smell of the cedar drives away all these parasites. That's why they have cedar blocks that you can put in among your clothes. Amen? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Don't just come to church. Be planted. Don't just come to church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, you know where? outside in your workplace, outside in your family. Amen? Those who are planted here will flourish in the courts. The courts is outside, okay? Next verse. 
They shall still bear fruit in old age. Old age, the age is old, but the person is not because the person is still bearing fruit. Grandpa, grandma, this is for you. Your age can be an old age. You tell people your age and they say, what? All right, but you are still bearing fruit. They say that when you come to a certain age, they use the word dry up, right? <laughs> Abraham considered not his own body now dead, dried up. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We don't consider the natural things. Consider God's word. So, so far, has Pastor Prince taken pains to show you scripture? Have I? Yeah. Okay, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Wow, fresh and flourishing. I wish I can show you the Hebrew. Fresh there is the word dashen, which is the word for stalwart, vigorous. This man in his old age is vigorous. You know what's vigorous or not? Solid, lah, brother. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says that even the youth shall faint. Youth shall faint. And the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the secret? They that wait upon the Lord. Write this down somewhere. The word for, listen, the word for they that wait upon the Lord is the word join together, fellowship. Kava. The word is kava in Hebrew. Kava means like a rope intertwined. You and the Lord intertwine and you will run and not be weary. You will mount up with wings as eagles. God will renew your youth like Caleb at the age of 85. He told, Moses, he told Joshua, give me this mountain. Like Moses at the age of 120 when he died, the Bible says his eyesight was not dim, neither his natural force abated. God did it for them. And Moses was under law. Caleb was under law. How much more? We have a better covenant. Their law was based, their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Our covenant is based on the imperishable, beautiful, precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are you listening, people? So what's the key, Pastor Prince? What's the key? They shall be fresh, is vigorous. Flourishing is Rahanan in Hebrew, which means green. Literally, today, when they say green, they use this word Rahanan. You will be vigorous and evergreen. Are you like that? When you look at a tree, the tree is 100 over years old, but it's all green. Yes, 30, 40, already brown. Evergreen. You can be evergreen. Why does God want this? Why does God want this in His people? All right? It's not just for you, you know, to declare, to testify that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in Him. So the people around will, will see God is being declared. God is a good God. He's an upright God. When He sees, when they look at God's people and they see this, whoa, amen. But it doesn't tell you 
How, right? The first part. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So a key there is cedar in Lebanon. Okay? So these people, in their old age, they still bear fruit. They are still green. They are still vigorous. Doesn't tell you what they did, right? Yeah, for that, you must come back next week. <laughs> Would you like to know now? Yes. But it's about time. Yes. Huh? You want it now? Yes. Only one verse, okay? Look at this. Look at this. Say, see in Lebanon. When God gave me this, I know this passage for a long time already. When God gave me this in my room, I nearly went to the rooftop. Because for years, I, I, I salivated over this. <sighs> Did a breast stroke in my saliva. It was like, it's like, man, bring fruit in old age, evergreen, vigorous, bearing fruit flourishing out there in the courts. Man, ah, like the cedar of Lebanon, like a palm tree, I salivate. And then, bang, during one of my studies, God says, see the key? He will grow like not just a palm tree, but a cedar in Lebanon. Interpret Bible. Let me show you this verse in Psalms 104. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. When you are, just now that, that, that passage also full of sap, right? Evergreen, full of sap. Bring forth fruit in old age, full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon which he planted. Aha, that's our key. If you think he's referring just to trees, think again. Like God says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, do you think God cares for oxen? Of course, God cares for animals. But do you think when God says, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the wheat, let him eat. Don't cover his mouth. Don't be like a Singaporean. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. All right? And uh, so God says, let, let, let him eat. And then he's like, do you think God cares for the oxen? No. Paul says, God is caring for the minister who trash out the word of God. Let him be blessed. Amen. Let him be blessed. It is his Amen. job. Amen. Let him get paid. It's his job. All right? Paul talked about that in Corinthians. You can read about it. That's not my message today. Okay? What I'm trying to say, when God gives an illustration about not muzzling the ox, God is thinking of full-time ministers. Ministers that depend on the people's free will giving. All right? God says, don't forget. Allow him to eat. Watch this. When God talks about the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon. He's talking about cedars of Lebanon. It's people. They shall still bring forth fruit. It's illustration, how you can be incorruptible, how you can be full of sap, how you can be green, how you can be, be uh, strong. Would you like that? Yes. Context. Bible, interpret Bible, and context is important. Look at the verse before this. God gives wine that makes glad the heart of man. God gives oil, the Holy Spirit, to make his face shine. And God gives bread, which strengthens man's heart. And I'm telling you, the only bread that can strengthen man's physical heart is the bread of communion. Because by his stripes, we are healed. I'm here to tell you, church, the wine, the bread is the communion that makes you like the cedars of Lebanon, full of sap. And when I saw this, I tell you, I said, whoa! Like, wow! 
Wow, do you know why I'm preaching this? I'm preaching this so that when your loved one or someone has been given a bad diagnosis, don't just run and take communion with an empty heart, an empty revelation, empty mind. Wait, listen to the sermon. Partake. Something. Some, something will happen because everything about God's things right, must work with faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. Are you listening, people? Amen? You know, everything happened because of man's sin. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Everything happened because of man's sin. Man ate from the tree he shouldn't. Guess what? God says, eat your way back into the blessings. Eat your way back into the blessings. Are you listening? Amen. But it's the body of Jesus. Amen. It might be the body of Jesus. Amen. Remember the, the disciples in Luke 24? I told you, right? Did I give you Luke 24? I did? I didn't give you Luke 24? Real fast, okay? Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead. Same day, real fast, okay? I cannot afford to give you this and then give another service. All right, y'all will come back. Look, look at 24, real quick. Now it came to pass that Jesus sat at the table with them. He took bread. Now this is after he rose from the dead. The same evening, the same evening after he rose from the dead. He's at the place called Emmaus with the two disciples. I believe husband and wife. All right, and he, he took the place of the divine host. He played host. He took the bread. He blessed, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. When did they, their eyes open? When did they know him? When? The whole seven miles, they didn't see him until he broke bread. There's something here, people. There's something here. I believe, I have a whole message on Emmaus Road. I have a whole message on it where God showed me it is actually a replica or rather a picture of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden when man fell, man ate. It's a picture. There are two men and women. There's a couple there. So here there's a couple walking back to Emmaus. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. And then you have, you have uh, the Lord walking with them in the cool of the day. Then you have the Lord Jesus coming here. It's a restoration. Understand, what was lost here was restored here. And then the Bible says, now because of time, their eyes were close to see Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. Their eyes were restrained. He wanted them to see him in the word, not physically, but then right at the end, over here. What happened? Seduce the woman who seduced the husband to eat the fruit. The eyes were open, but to the wrong place, not to God, to themselves. How sinful, how dirty, how, un how naked you are. But over here, the restoration, the eyes were open. They didn't see themselves, they saw him. So can I submit to you, looking at the types, the two stories, can I submit to you? Adam and Eve partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What they didn't partake is the tree of life. Can I submit to you? Communion is the tree of life. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? You know, this is the restoration part. And then you know what happened? He disappeared. By the way, he disappeared. That doesn't mean he left them. He vanished out of their sight. He was still there. He'll never leave them. They walked back seven miles. They just walked seven miles. But after communion, they can walk seven miles again. They went back to find the other disciples and say, Hey, hey, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. Let's follow the story there. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He told the rest. Now watch this. Now, as they said these things about the breaking of bread, 
Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Shalom! When they were talking about the breaking of bread, the Lord loves it. That's why he's showing up even now. Amen. As they spoke about the breaking of bread, Jesus appeared. Do you think he just came from heaven at the time? No, he was there all the time. He never left them. In other words, from bread to bread. He disappeared, he reappeared. Take this to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Primarily till he comes means when he comes in the clouds to get all of us in the rapture. But till he comes, keep on taking till he comes can also mean till he comes to manifest himself to you. I don't know about you. I'm blessed. I think you are, you are really ready right now to take the communion. Are you ready? All right, pass the communion elements. You have it, right? In your hands? Are you ready, people? Now remember, it's not about being conscious of your own disease. It's being conscious of Jesus. Amen? Being conscious of Him. I'm going to say this again. Surely. Are you going to say it? Right? Don't. When you come to church, uh, I want to tell the pastors also. It, it's as if the pastors must lead you word for word. I think we have to stop doing that. You are big enough, all right, and old enough. It's your own prayer to God. Once in a while, we'll lead you, okay? But make it your own prayer. Don't let Pastor Lawrence kiss the girl for you. Amen. You know the word worship is kiss to kiss the Lord. You gotta kiss the Lord yourself. Amen. You know what to say. But the principle is this: be conscious of the Lord. He says, do this in remembrance of me, not yourself, not your problems, not your disease. Stop thinking about yourself. It's about Him. Look at Him, how beautiful He is, like the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Look at how majestic He is, how full of mercy, kindness, tender mercy, goodness. How loving He is. How compassionate. He didn't have to, but He chose to come down to die on the cross for our sins. But before He hung on the cross, He chose to go to the whipping post, the scourging, and they beat Him, and they beat Him again, and they beat Him again. And by His stripes, we are healed. By His wound, by His stripe, the back was so lacerated. See that right now in the spirit. See that? When that stripe fell on his back, your cancer died. Your tumor disappeared. When that stripe fell on his back, your blood pressure was normalized. When that stripe fell on his back, your sleeplessness and insomnia disappeared. By that stripe, whatever your condition is, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. By your stripe, I am healed of Tell him right now, by your stripe, I'm healed of. Might be more than one thing, but just tell him, by your stripe, I thank you, Lord. It's a time of thanksgiving, not pleading. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe. It has been done. You're not going to ask him to do it again. You are thanking him. It's a time of eulogia, thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe, I am healed. In my heart, by your stripe, I am healed from forgetfulness. By your stripe, I am healed in my brain. By your stripe, I'm healed in my memory faculties. By your stripe, I am healed in my ankle joints. 
by your stripe I am healed in my knees, whatever it is. But see it. Don't just repeat like a parrot. See it. See it. See him bearing the stripes. When you're ready, partake. lift up the cup in the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of all your sins you are not partaking remember this to be forgiven you are drinking because you are forgiven if you're not safe you haven't believed in Christ yet this is not for you put down the elements it's only for believers and you are forgiven of all your sins because his blood was shed now when you drink, drink in the consciousness that all your sins have been forgiven. There's no unforgiven sin in your life because of the blood of Jesus. And know that through the blood of Jesus, there is no curse in your life, no curse in your family. Christ has redeemed you through His blood from every curse. Let me drink. Amen. If you're here, friend, and you've never put your trust in Christ, God will not force salvation into your life. He waits to be invited. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. If that is you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead as my shepherd, as my savior, as my high priest. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. If you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God. From this day forth, you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Look at you. I don't know about you, but there's a glory cloud like all over this place. You know, throughout the entire preaching, there's been like a glory cloud. He shows up. He, so, he shows up. Lift your hands. The Lord bless you this coming week. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord keep you and your loved ones throughout this week from all infection, from all terror, from all fear, from dangers, accidents, from tragedies. The Lord keep you and your loved ones in your families from all the harmful effects of the haze. The Lord keep you and your loved ones from all danger, from all evil. The Lord favors you. He smiles on you. This coming week, see the favor of God all over you. See God smiling on you. Amen. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. He's pleased with you. You are in Jesus' place. Amen. He treats you like Jesus. Amen. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you great well-being, shalom, because the punishment for that shalom has been paid. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But don't go just yet. If you'd like to receive prayer, 
share your testimony, or find out more about Gospel Partner, just click the link on this screen. If not, I'll see you in the next episode. And they drank the same spiritual drink, and they drank from the rock that followed them, who was Christ. And drinking again. Church, do you know that everything that happened to man is because man ate his way into all this mess? Ah, did you hear what I said? Adam opened his big mouth. Number one. All right. And he ate everything God said not to eat. So you can say any curse you mentioned, any evil in this world, anything that our, the governments of the nations are, are, are worried about, are concerned for, uh, uh, economic shortage, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, trials, and God never made this earth to be like that. If God even counts death as an enemy. God hates death. God hates sin. You know what God did with sin? He put it on Jesus. God loves sinners. How much does God hate sin? As much as God loves the sinner. Ah, let me explain. You got somebody you love very much who has cancer. Do you love the cancer? No, of course not. But the cancer is in your loved one. Now, question. How much do you hate the cancer? Must be answered with another question. How much do you love your loved one? Because the more you love your loved one, to the degree you love your loved one, to the degree you hate the cancer. So God loves you, but God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is because God loves you. And sin is destroying everything that God has that's good that is harmonious, that is peaceful, that is health, that is life for you and for your families. God is not a, a joy killer. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Pleasures forevermore. When Jesus in the upper room, in a few hours, He knew He'll be betrayed. In fact, He just sent Judas out. Night. When Judas went out, what a poetic way of saying, it was night. Just look at his disciples and say, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you. Can you imagine a, 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 a man looking like he's baptized in laminate juice, looking at you, these things I speak to you. <sighs> that my joy remain in you. Peter will say a lot, uh, I think you need it more than us. <laughs> Alright? You need every little joy you need. Alright? I think we have our own problems. So the thing is this, it must not be a picture like that. It must be a person who is strong, smiling, even though in a few hours time he knew he would lay down his life for our sins. Looking at them, hey guys, these things I tell you, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Amen. These things I speak to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. A pastor prays. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows. Brother, do that. Since you brought that up, can you tell me where's the verse taken from? I don't know. I'll tell you. It's taken in Isaiah 53. 
All right, he became a man of sorrows because of his suffering. The only time he was a man of sorrows was when he, he went through the cross, the scourging, the beating. He took, because it was a transaction. He took our sins, we take his righteousness. He took, he took our sorrows and we take his joy. He became a curse that we might be blessed. That curse part, I've still not, not recovered from it. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that reading Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The Son of God became a curse for us to redeem us from the... It's not just, you know, he took, he took some curse. He became a curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on all of us. Don't let it go to waste, people. Come on. You're listening, people? So, he wants a joyful church, so they... Wow, so much just from that, that side. All right, I want to show you the background of the same chapter to show you about eating and drinking. And by the way, if you look at the rest of the remaining chapter of chapter 10, it talks about eating, whatever you eat, do all to the glory of God, about eating and drinking. And that's why the very next chapter, okay, it talks about the Apostle Paul saying, now it's 1 Corinthians 11, guys, I received from the Lord Jesus what I, I delivered to you. That the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. The Apostle Paul, in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Why was it that in chapter 11, Paul had to say, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Gone to Peter. He could have gone to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper. Yet, the Lord Jesus, the present day, glorified, ascended Christ, thought that communion is so important that he would give a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul. And Paul himself said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you the same night he was betrayed. In other words, he didn't get it from Matthew. He didn't get it from Mark, Luke, or John. He got it from the Lord. Do you think the present day Lord in heaven at the Father's right hand deem it is important that you have a revelation of it? I know, all depending, there are churches, there are denominations today that, that don't even have communion anymore. There are those who have it once in two months. There are those who have it once a month. There are those who only have the bread. But let me tell you this. I believe the devil is trying to minimize the way out. He's trying to negate. He's trying to cover your eyes from the way out. Are you listening, people? Hmm? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the context. All right? Verse 13, okay. Now the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the context is very, very clear, people. All right, it's talking, because all of a sudden it talks about communion. Doesn't make sense. And knowing the Apostle Paul, he, he's a very systematic right, uh, teacher. Okay, he's very intelligent. But when it comes to the Bible, God orchestrates everything. No verse is taken out of context. I've shown you the verses before. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Now, let's go to verse 16 on the screen. 
have a blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This word communion is the word koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. All right? Association. It's not just fellowship. You can have fellowship with me, but I just met you yesterday. All right? In other words, it's, it's a fellowship, but it's a fellowship over tea, all right? Kind of association. But, but the word down there is actually intimate. It's intimate participation. Intimate participation. This word would be used also um, in the idea of a husband and a wife being intimate. They say things to each other, all right? There are things that they say and do that no one else is privy to. They're intimately participating. The thoughts, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's the idea of communion. Are you with me so far? Are you blessed? Amen? Now, keep that in mind, okay? What is that? Communion. Then the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Now, it's not saying that we are all partaking of each other. There are those who teach when you, when you take the bread, remember this, the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus never said, this is the mystical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But when he took the bread, when the bread is with the cup of wine, it's always his physical body. This is my body. He's not referring to the mystical body that was to come. Are you listening? And he is very precise. We though many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. In other words, we are one bread, one body now because we all partake of Jesus' body. You got it? Okay. Observe Israel after the flesh. We go back to ancient Israel. Look at Israel after the flesh. When they offer an offering, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? I want to tell you something. It is in your interest today. If your body is suffering, if there has been a prognosis, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have told you, let me just tell you this. It is in your interest to partake of the benefits of the cross. Your question is, how can I do it? Observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. The altar is the cross. The altar back then in Israel's temples, there are four corners. It's a picture of the cross. That's where the the lambs are placed. That's where the, 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 the body of the bullock is placed. That's where the sacrifice is laid. The burnt offering is laid there. It's four corners. Because one day, this antitype will be Jesus on the cross with the four corners to the north, south, east, and west, for God so loved the world. The benefit is efficacious to the four corners of the earth. Can I have a good amen? All right, so don't forget, the altar is, the altar is the place of the cross. Now, how do we partake? The million dollar question that church, the church of Jesus Christ have is that, I know he bore my diseases, not just my sins, but how do I partake that? How do I have access to it? How do I become a koinonia, an intimate participation, a participator, a, a, a sharer, of what happened. How can I be a sharer of the benefits of the blood and the benefits of the bread? Observe Israel are not those who eat. In other words, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, a partaker of what Jesus did at the cross. Are you listening, people? I'm going to read to you some testimonies. If I have time, maybe just one testimony, but it's going to bless you. This guy's Joshua from Kingdom. I was safe when I was nine. 
However, my experience of church was more about living a good Christian life rather than receiving the grace of Christ. I felt like a hypocrite trying to deal unsuccessfully with my feelings of guilt and shame. As a result, I spent my teen and much of my adult years away from God. Four years ago, I began to attend church once again. I met someone in a life group who introduced me to Joseph Prince Ministries. I began watching Pastor Prince's messages whenever I could. Slowly, the message of grace in Christ began its healing in my heart. The more I listened, the more my wrong beliefs were replaced with the gospel. For six months, I would tear up uncontrollably every time I heard of the grace and truth that Jesus died to give us. Even though I was safe as a child, I would rarely ever share my beliefs with anyone because I felt like a hypocrite. Now I share the grace of Christ with anyone who is willing to listen. One Sunday, I even shared a testimony with my church. For 26 years, I suffered from having painful warts on the soles of my feet. I tried every medical means, including painful laser surgery to get rid of them, but nothing helped. When I was invited to a barbecue a while ago, I asked if we could partake of the Holy Communion together. As I had watched Pastor Prince's messages on the healing power of the Holy Communion and read his book on the Holy Communion, I shared my newfound beliefs about the significance of discerning the Lord's body and the communion elements with the group. After taking the communion together, we prayed and sang hymns about our Lord's sacrifice and His love. In my prayer, I cursed the warts on my feet that had also spread to my hands. Weeks later, don't forget, he's been suffering for 26 years from this condition. A laser and everything else, nothing helped. Weeks later, the warts on my hands were gone. In the weeks that followed, my feet were also healed and are now completely free from warts. All glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't come because you say that, oh, I'm, I'm going to try the communion, all right? It's not a matter of trying. It's faith. Think. It's, not, it's not a matter of that, okay, I go through it. The whole thing is empty. Empty of meaning, empty of... And, 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 and if you don't watch it, you're partaking unworthily. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, singular reason, singular reason, when the body of Christ says that, you know, we need to lay hands on each other and command this, command that, and all that. There's a place for that. There's a place for that. But the norm for a believer, usually they command devils to come out and people to be healed for sinners out there. Believers seems, in the first century church, seems to be walking in divine health. It's better to have health than healing. I said it's better to have health than healing. But if you're sick, go for healing. But don't stay there. Don't leave from healing to healing. Start to walk in health. So the believers will break bread. House. Daily. I repeat, you didn't get that. They'll break bread from house to house daily. And we think we are, you know, some people think we are extreme. We have it once a week. Well, the early church in the book of Acts, upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Who was the guest speaker for that one? The Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul was a speaker. Doesn't say upon the first day of the week, they came together to hear Paul. They came together to break bread. Acts 20. You have time, you read it. And while Paul was long preaching, <laughs> while Paul was long preaching, a young man was sitting on a window. All right? There were three floors. 
Everything is symbolic as well. Three floors, the third heaven. All believers are seated with Christ in the third heaven. So the young boy's name is given. Why? There is a meaning for the church. His name is Eutychus. Any EU means good in, in, in Greek. Eutychus means good fortune. He fell asleep. He didn't listen to Paul's preaching. And he fell three floors and died. Now, why is the church, come the church has been robbed of good fortune? Eutychus. Paul's preaching. Just like the sh another, another story in Acts, the ship of Christendom had Paul on it, but they refused to listen to Paul. When they, had, they faced shipwreck, Paul said, you should have listened to me. We need to listen to Paul in Revelation, especially of grace. God gave it to Paul. Amen. All scriptures are inspired. All scriptures are important. But not everything is written to us for the church. Some are written to the Jew, and some are written to us. And Paul is the one that said, I received from the Lord about the communion. Come on. Are you listening, people? All right? So here we go. All right? After he fell, by the way, it's good news. They came together to what? Break bread. Not to hear Paul preach. So the guy fell. And Paul went down. And Paul hugged him. You know, we got to embrace this young generation with the Pauline revelation of grace, the gospel of grace. Are you listening? We need to embrace them. Amen. Even they are dead. We got to embrace them. We got to make them feel warm with the gospel of grace. And guess what? Paul says, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. His life is in him. He raised him from the dead. Now, if something like this happened in church, we will say, hallelujah, praise God, amen? Have a time of praise and then send everybody back. But not Paul. Paul went back up, brought everybody, plus the guy who raised from the dead, brought good fortune back to the third heavens, amen? Where the church is. And guess what? They broke bread. Priorities. First things first. Even though someone raised from the dead, still go back, break bread. Don't forget where the power comes from. That's the early church. Look it up when you have time, when you're sitting on your own white throne, all right? Read Acts 20. It's always good to have a Bible near your white throne or pink throne or green throne, whatever it is. Okay, there are different colors nowadays. What are you talking about, Pastor Prince? He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. For this reason, singular reason, only one reason in the church, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Sleep there, die. Behold, I, I speak plainly. In those days, they sleep. For a believer, death holds no more terror. There's no more sting. Jesus conquered death. So for a believer, they say they fall asleep. A sinner dies. A believer sleeps. Until Jesus raised his body from the dead. All right? But look at this. One reason for one reason, not reasons. I check it out in the Greek. The word reason is singular. Many, kind of wish he said few. Many are weak, sick among you and many sleep. What's the reason? What's the reason? There. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the key is unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if I tell you and you're suffering from malaria and I say, I got quinine tablets, take this quinine tablets. You say, I, I refuse to. I'll put it in the water, all right? Okay, now drink it, drink it. I say, I don't need a quinine business. And all. You are drinking damnation to yourself by not drinking the solution. The world as it is, is dying. As if, oh, you have sinned, you take the Lord's Supper, then you die. No, no, no. The world is dying. That's why the same chapter says, that God doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. 
There's a condemnation in, in this world that was released, a divine sentence that was released ever since Adam sinned. Divine sentence includes sickness. Communion is the way out. It's the ekbasis. Are you listening, people? Amen? So, not discerning the Lord's body. So the promise that they knew the cup, majority of denominations that practice church denomination, and I speak this with a heavy heart, they have communion. But many a times, they lump the bread and the cup as one. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. You died for our sins. Hardly mention disease. They're not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning, diacrino, to make a separation between the bread and the cup. Why was he scourged? Why, why didn't God just, God, God arranged everything. Why didn't God just send him straight to the cross? Why didn't Pilate just send him to the cross? Why must he go via the scourging and then the cross? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Are you listening? God loves you. God wants you well. Amen. God wants you well. Amen. Pastor Prince, I took communion before. I tell you, take again. The disciples took it from house to house in one day. You know how many times that is? You know how many houses there were? Every time they come to a new house, there's somebody sick. So they take again and they got the benefit. They broke bread daily, not only daily, from house to house. And knowing these disciples, they can cross miles like Jesus. They, they, Jesus would, would walk without any, uh, uh, any uh, transportation. Walk with feet. Across rough terrains, that's his exercise. Running is an animal that's invented later on. Walking is, is Jesus' style of exercise. Long distance. Amen. Don't write to me again. All right. For this reason, many. So if you reverse the thing, if you discern the Lord's body, yes, his body was broken that my body might be put together. Amen. I see my, my high blood pressure carried away by Jesus' body. I see his body judged. His healthy body was judged that my body might be healed. You are discerning. Now you are eating worthily. God is not saying an unworthy person cannot eat. It's not an unworthy man. It's an unworthy manner. The adverb, okay? An adverb means an action that modifies, is the way modifies the verb. It's how you eat. You're not eating with discernment. In fact, those people were partying. In the First Corinthians church, they were, they were drinking and they were gluttons. There's gluttony going on at the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, it's very hard for gluttony to happen <laughs> and, and drunkenness because this is our elements. It's hard to partake unworthily. So our promise, we partake without revelation. And that's why I'm preaching this. So that people who are going through something, they can listen to this again and again and again and again. And those of you who are well off, you might not think, right, there's no need for me and all that. Trust me, you will need this. Amen? So for this reason, we can reverse it. If you discern the Lord's body, for this reason, many are strong Many are healthy and many live long. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. Isaiah 53 is the Magna Carta of the entire Old Testament. It's the culmination. Everything is, this is the greatest chapter of the, of the book of Isaiah. It talks about our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. Aren't you glad he loves you? It, look up here. I want to address this because this is very important. Jesus did not, wasn't murdered. 
Jesus says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. No man takes this power from me. And that's why more than one time they tried to stone him. They could not. He walked right in their midst. More than one time they tried to kill Jesus. They could not. My hour is not yet come. He has power. When they came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane, soldiers brandishing staves and swords, strong soldiers, they came, a legion of them came to arrest him. And, and he asked, whom do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he stepped forward and spoke the awesome, the august name of God that God revealed to Moses. I am. When they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, he stepped forward. I am. Moses asked God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am that I am. And now the I am said, I am. You know what happened to all those soldiers? They fell backwards. That's power, okay? He was not arrested because he can't help it. He allowed himself. Then he says, you have found me. Let these disciples go. Are you listening, people? Amen? He laid down. I believe he laid down on the cross. That's one of the things that convinced one of the thieves that this is a different man. That's what caused even the hardcore, hardened uh, centurion, Roman centurion at the cross said when he died, certainly this is the Son of God. I'm telling you, church, he didn't have to die. He loved you. I say he loved you. You know, he cares for your, your pain right now. It's not just for the, you know, for the eternal and, and while the sweet and by, by, you know, it's like uh, uh, one day, you know, all these sufferings will stop, you know. Uh, no, he wants you to be healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Are you there, Pastor Prince? I don't see Christians there and all that. Let me explain to you, okay, about something about God. We have received so many testimonies of people who begin to discover. One of the biggest testimonies we receive is that people are delivered from drug addictions, pornography, addiction. All right, by confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it became a revelation that Jesus took their sin and they take Jesus as their righteousness, the divine exchange. So the more they confess that, how many know that many a times your feeling says, no, you're, you're a porn addict. But who you are before God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your thoughts will say, no, you, 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 you need this drink. You need this drink. All right, you can never break it. All right, but... God looks at you and God says, you are my righteousness in Christ. Now, what happened is that even though while we have received so many testimonies, go to josephprince.com and go to the testimonial section. You can read for yourself. The, peop the number of people that confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, even while they're in their sin. And how one day the desire for porn, the desire for drinking, the desire for drugs just fell off. Depression just leaves. Are you listening? So what I'm saying is that even though you still have symptoms of sin in your life, do not identify yourself with sin. That's not who you are. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So the more you identify with who you are, it does not mean you don't sin anymore. You may sin, all right? But you will sin less and less. Amen. Are you listening, people? All right? The more you identify yourself uh, with the truth, and this is the truth. We're not trying to pretend you are, Pastor Prince, you know, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. I feel I want this wrong thing. How can you say I'm the righteousness of God? Are you born again? Yes. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
That one guy told the pastor just after he got married, the pastor pronounced them husband and wife, and he brought the pastor one side and said, Pastor, I don't feel married. The pastor shook him. You are married! <laughs> if I'm that pastor, I won't be shaking him. I'll be shaking him! Exclamation point. Amen? So, same thing as in sin, the more you identify, even though there's sin in you, the more you identify the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't mean you don't sin. You sin less and less and less. Now watch this. The more you identify with the fact that Jesus took your diseases and start to do that, it's the truth. The more you do that, the more you take communion, doesn't mean you won't fall sick. But you'll fall sick less and less and less. My advice, start now. Start to identify with the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth. Why? If you believe a lie, like for example, the devil says, you are you're dirty, you are unclean, and you go to God. Oh God, I, I just sinned again when I promised you last time I will not. I, I'm so unclean, I, I'm useless and all that. The Holy Spirit is just in abeyance. It's like He folds His, his hands. There's nothing for Him to bear witness. You're, you're telling lies. Telling lies, you're telling lies. Nothing but lies. You're just telling lies, Nacho. It's all lies. And you know who's the father of lies, right? So, the more you utter lies, but I feel it! Go ahead. Say what you feel. What God said. Viewpoint, the paradigm for all of us to look through is the eyes of the one who is the truth. Many a child have died looking at a swimming pool with their eyes, thinking it's shallow. It looks shallow, it feels shallow, it's killed many. You gotta go by God's word. A famous man, very famous, a few years ago, famous family, but all the family sort of experienced one tragedy after another, many of the people in the family. And uh, finally, uh, he was with his wife and a friend on his, one of his first flights. But because he went through a storm, it was dark. And I watched this on, on Net Geo. They were trying to find the root cause for the, the crash. His plane crash. Very handsome man. And they said that they, the conclusion was this, right? That because he didn't have much experience, when you fly in the dark, you can't tell you're going up, you're going down. You feel like you're going straight when actually you're going down. In other words, the feeling, they call it fly by the seat of your pants. You go by your feeling instead of trusting your instrument. But your instrument is saying you're going down, but your feeling is saying you're going straight. Friend, this is God's instrument. This is God's instrument. God says He bore our diseases. With His stripes, we are healed. But your body says, no, I don't feel it. Start taking. I, don't, I didn't say, the more you identify, all right, you have no more sickness from now on, but start somewhere and you'll find as you sin less and less when you identify with your new identity in Christ, the more you identify yourself with the, with the fact that you are healed by His stripes, you will be sick, but less and less. Okay? All right. So Isaiah says, surely He has borne our grace and carried our sorrows. Now, this is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Grace and sorrows are the Hebrew word koli and makov. All right? Koli is diseases. Makov is pains. I remember sharing with one of the uh, uh, Messianic Jewish men who is a, a pastor in Jerusalem. 
a very dignified man. Today, he's with the Lord. Many years ago, I sat down with him and I shared with him, and, and you know, he's from the persuasion. He don't believe that uh, uh, healing is for today. All right. And I shared with him Isaiah 53. And I said, is this uh, Koli uh, and Markov? He, re he read it. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Very dignified el elderly man. And I said, is Koli diseases? Or is it spiritual diseases like some scholars try to tell us? He said, no, it's always physical diseases. What about pains? Physical pains. Then he read it. Whole thing. Mm, he said, hmm. He was very interested. All right. Look at Young's, who is a Young's translation of the Bible. Or Young is an amazing scholar. Young's concordance, strong and Young's. You must have three concordance in your life. Strong concordance, Young's concordance, and crudence. So you become Young, strong, and crude. All right. So look at Young's translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne and our pains he has carried them. Is there another quotation of this? Yes. Thank God for Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8. Matthew 8. That it might be fulfilled, this New Testament, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And here refers to physical infirmities and weaknesses and infirmities and diseases and pains. Very, very clear. Uh, Pastor Prince, uh, are you sure? Okay, since you're not convinced, uh, your little voice of unbelief. Let me show you verse 16, the context. Don't take the verse out of context. The context, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. So there's deliverance from demons. And heal all. I'm so glad he healed all. I wonder if people read their Bibles. I say, I wonder if people read their Bibles. He didn't heal everybody in Israel. He healed all who came to him. Keep that in mind. Heal all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself took our infirmities. So it's very clear the context refers to physical diseases, physical healing. Bible, interpret Bible. Amen. Okay, go back to Isaiah 53. Go to verse 5 now. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed, by the way. Crushed is the correct word. Not bruised. It's not as if you got a bruise, blue and black. All right? He was crushed for our wickedness. Jesus was crushed for our wickedness. The, now watch this, watch this. The punishment required for our well-being fell on Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. The punishment required in the Hebrew, the well-being is the word shalom. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. The punishment with a view to your well-being. When Jesus took the punishment, he got up again and again. I believe he fell. Then he got up again. So that all those of you with late troubles, you will stand. Hallelujah. Amen. So those of you who cannot walk, he fell down as he carried the cross so that you will walk. Amen. The lacerations cut off all the important nerves for you to walk. And yet he walked again. No wonder he fell and fell until they had called Simon to help him. Because he bore all this for you and I. And by his stripe, and by the, by the way, the word stripe in the Greek, 1 Peter 2.24, by His stripe, we are healed. It's singular, singular, stripe. T.J. Macrosson, a Greek scholar, said this. 
many years ago. Crossan is an amazing Greek scholar. And T.J. McCrossan says, if Jesus was beaten, the stripes on his back left sleevers of flesh, the word in the Greek should be plural, stripes. But if they beat Jesus until there's no more skin left, which the Bible says in Psalms, I look and I can see my bones. What happened to Jesus? There's no more skin left. Then the singular should be used by his entire stripe. We are healed. I told you he loves you. He didn't have to go through that. He loved you. With the first strike, your cancer died. Your blood pressure is gone. Your disease in your heart cleared out. Every artery softened and cleared out. Thank God for science, thank thank God for medicine, but they cannot do what the stripes can. Sometimes they they, they give you this medicine, but then they tell you 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 have another problem because of this medicine. So you must take this medicine to counter this problem that this medicine does. Now you gotta have this medicine to counter this problem that's medicine. And then they tell about all the contraindications. Are you listening, people? The punishment for our well-being fell on him. The punishment for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, go back to uh, New King James. By his stripes, we are healed. Let me just tell you this. The word stripes is kavura. Kavura. Say kavura. Kavura. Okay. Now, kavura means strike and wound. Of years, I found out because I love Hebrew. I've been studying Hebrew as much as I can. Make some tea and coffee, so my wife can say he knows Hebrew. Oh, Pastor Prince, that's so corny. I know, I know. But when I'm studying Hebrew, I found out that the word stripes kavura not only means the stripes on his back, but also is a word for fellowship. Association. Which kavura are you from? So I check it out with those in Israel. Until today, they will tell you, which kavura are you from? Which association? Which fellowship are you from? Until today, kavura. Kavura has two meanings. Why did God, who invented, created Hebrew? All right? Why did God put kavura as stripe as well as fellowship? Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the intimate participation? This is the Greek koinonia. In Hebrew, it is, now i found. But so for years, now, since I know, go back to, uh, go back to, uh, yeah, Isaiah. Since I know by his stripes we are healed. Please understand, his stripes were real. The stripes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, that's the primary interpretation, but hidden in it, God tells us how to partake of it. God says, it's by fellowship with those stripes. For years, my part is I went home from Israel, scratched my head and said, Kavura, by his association, 
What do I do? I worship and just fellowship with him? What do I, what, can God just give me a verse in the Bible that says this is fellowship with him? Guess what? I found it in 1 Corinthians, all right? Where it says, last thing is communion with the blood of Christ. You take the bread, it is communion with the body of Christ. Wow! This is how I fellowship with the body of Christ. There was strike for my healing. Mm. I tell you, if you're sick, you should have a big piece of bread at home. You should have a, a glass of, uh, I don't even recommend wine if you take a lot in, in a day. You know, darling, I'm sorry, but Pastor Prince says, you know, I got to take a lot in one day. So I bought this wine. You must understand, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Now, don't, don't give me that nonsense, okay? It's a bad testimony to be drunk, okay? It's a bad testimony. So let me just tell you this. Have a piece of bread. You don't need our cups. Okay, you don't need our cups. Uh, but Pastor Prince, your, your, why, why are you all designed that way? Must it be that way? Forget the cups. It's for convenience purpose. But even a crumb can drive the devil out of that woman's daughter. So it, it's not how big, how small, okay? It is, it is your revelation of it. So it's not a matter of like, and by the way, if you're not safe, do not partake of the Lord's Supper. In a while's time, we'll have the Lord's Supper. I thought that today we'll have it at the end. Because your faith, your revelation, when you take it with revelation, Something happens. It's not an empty heart, an empty mind partaking. The whole thing becomes empty. It's just a ritual. Okay? I'm bringing this to a close. Are you blessed? Yes. We're coming to a close right now. Then I want to read to you another testimony. I suffered severe postal depression after giving birth to a wonderful baby. Margaret from United Kingdom said, I felt as if the whole world was upon my shoulders and the depression got so bad that I wanted to end my life. How many know there are people with depression who want to end their life? However, the glorious smile of my baby kept me going. One day, my brother introduced me to Pastor Joseph Prince's television program. Even though I was a Christian, I had never heard anyone preach the gospel like Pastor Prince. His messages helped me understand my wonderful identity in Christ and how much God loves me. Wow, this turned my life around. I started to watch his programs daily and recorded all of them. I also began confessing my righteousness in Christ and partaking of the Holy Communion, remembering whose I am. Since then, my life has never been the same. I no longer suffer from postnatal depression. Light in my marriage, my children's lives, and in my family. My household is now blessed daily with God's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Prince, what about for those loved ones in the hospital? Can you take communion for them? The next one I'm going to read to you. All right, listen to the story because one day you, you'll find this might really help with some relative or whatever, okay? This is Colin from India. In October 2015, Rama, the mother-in-law of my wife's sister, was admitted to the hospital after suffering a stroke that paralyzed the right side of her body. She also had an extremely high blood sugar level, which can aggravate strokes. Her attending doctor also found that her esophagus was twisted and inserted a feeding tube to pre prevent her from choking on her food or drink. My wife and I had shared Pastor Prince's DVD sermons on the Holy Communion and anointing oil with Dipesh, Rama's son. When he arrived at the hospital, he prayed for Rama with the anointing oil. Within five minutes, she moved her right hand. The family also partook of the Holy Communion. Despite being in another city, we partook in faith with them. You can do that. All right? The Lord can heal from a distance. No problem. Amen. 
That's, that, that night, Rama regained full mobility in her right arm. That night. But could not stand as the balance was off. The next day, she walked around the ward twice on her own without any loss of balance. Stroke, you know, with uh, high blood sugar. However, she started coughing out the milk given to her. The doctor wanted to reinsert the feeding tube, which was a painful procedure. But Rama managed to avoid it as she was able to eat normally after the tube was removed. Her esophagus was also no longer twisted. On the fourth day, Rama was discharged. Another patient with the same condition as Rama and admitted on the same day and had not even opened his eyes. Admitted the same day, the person on the fourth day, the eyes are still closed. My wife's brother, who is a doctor, told us that Rama's recovery was medically impossible. Blood sugar level was unstable for the week that followed. We shared with her what we had learned from Pastor Prince about letting go and letting God take care of her. That night, Rama and her daughter partook. Now Rama herself partook, all right? What, when your, your loved one is unconscious or in the hospital, what you can partake on behalf of your loved one. But once the person is awake, now she's participating. That night, Rama and her daughter partook of the Holy Communion and told the Lord that they cannot, but He can. Her blood sugar level stabilized after that. Rama is now a committed believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. Amen. The final part is something that I think uh, will be very interesting, interesting for those of you who feel like, like uh, your age is advancing. All right? When I was 12 years old, I thought 30 was very old. <laughs> and then I hit 30. Then I thought being 40 was very, very old. I remember when, when my mom was 40, when my mom was 30s, you know, I thought she was very old. You know, you all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> all right? But whatever age you put down there as the age of growing old, I just want to let you know something, okay? The Bible says this in Psalms 92. Look up here. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon is a very famous cedar. By the way, let me show you a cedar, a picture of a cedar. It's a majestic tree, beautiful tree. And the cedars of Lebanon is the cedars that's used for the Temple of Solomon, the most expensive building ever built as a house of God. It's majestic. All right? Now, Psalms 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree, even 100 years old, can still produce oil. Isn't it amazing? A palm tree is so fruitful, you see all kinds of seeds everywhere. Yeah, oh, come on, come on, come on. Old age, still fruitful. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen? The cedar uh, wood, by the way, the seed, I learned this when I was in the Rockies uh, uh, many years ago with Wendy. For a holiday, we passed by cedars and I stopped because interesting in the Bible, you know, I want to learn as much as I can. And the little, uh, uh, all the cedars that were there, there was, there was a write-up and they said that the cedar wood is practically incorruptible. No insect can successfully destroy it. In fact, the beautiful perfume smell of the cedar drives away all these parasites. That's why they have cedar blocks that you can put in among your clothes. Amen. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Don't just come to church. Be planted. 
don't just come to church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, you know where? Outside in your workplace, outside in your family. Amen? Those who are planted here will flourish in the courts. The courts is outside, okay? Next verse. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Old age, the age is old, but the person is not because the person is still bearing fruit. Grandpa, grandma, this is for you. Your age can be an old age. You tell people your age and they say, what? All right, but you are still bearing fruit. They say that when you come to a certain age, they use the word dry up, right? <laughs> Abraham considered not his own body now dead, dried up. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We don't consider the natural things. Consider God's word. So, so far, has Pastor Prince taken pains to show you scripture? Have I? Yeah. Okay, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Wow, fresh and flourishing. I wish I can show you the Hebrew. Fresh there is the word dashen, which is the word for stalwart, vigorous. This man in his old age is vigorous. You know what's vigorous or not? Solid, lah, brother. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says that even the youth shall faint. Youth shall faint. And the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the secret? They that wait upon the Lord. Write this down somewhere. The word for, listen, the word for they that wait upon the Lord is the word joined together, fellowship. Kava. The word is kava in Hebrew. Kava means like a rope intertwined. You and the Lord intertwine and you will run and not be weary. You are mounted with wings as eagles. God will renew your youth like Caleb at the age of 85. He told, Moses, he told Joshua, give me this mountain. Like Moses at the age of 120 when he died, the Bible says his eyesight was not dimmed, neither his natural force abated. God did it for them. And Moses was under law. Caleb was under law. How much more? We have a better covenant. Their law was based, their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Our covenant is based on the imperishable, beautiful, precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are you listening, people? So what's the key, Pastor Prince? What's the key? They shall be fresh, is vigorous. Flourishing is Rahanan in Hebrew, which means green. Literally, today, when they say green, they use this word Rahanan. You will be vigorous and evergreen. Are you like that? When you look at a tree, the tree is 100 over years old, but it's all green. Yes, 30, 40, already brown. Evergreen. You can be evergreen. Why does God want this? Why does God want this in His people? All right? It's not just for you, you know, to declare, to testify that the Lord is upright. 
He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in Him. So the people around will, will see God is being declared. God is a good God. He's an upright God. When He sees, when they look at God's people and they see this, whoa, amen. But it doesn't tell you how, right? The first part, He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So the, a key there is cedar in Lebanon, okay? So these people, in their old age, they still bear fruit. They are still green. They are still vigorous. doesn't tell you what they did, right? Yeah, for that, you must come back next week. <laughs> Would you like to know now? Yes. But it's about time. Yes. Huh? You want it now? Yes. Only one verse, okay? Look at this. Look at this. Say Cedar in Lebanon. Lebanon. When God gave me this, I know this passage for a long time already. When God gave me this in my room, I nearly went to the rooftop. Because for years, I, 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 I salivate over this. <laughs> Did a breaststroke in my saliva. He was like, <sighs> it's like, man, bring fruit in old age, evergreen, vigorous, bearing fruit, flourishing out there in the courts. Man, <sighs> like the seed of Lebanon, like a palm tree, I salivate. And then, Bang! In, during one, one of my studies, God says, the, see the key? He'll grow like, not just a palm tree, but a cedar in Lebanon. Interpret Bible. Let me show you this verse in Psalms 104. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. When you are, just now that, that, that passage also full of sap, right? Evergreen, full of sap. Bring forth fruit in old age, full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon which he planted. Aha! That's our key. If you think he's referring just to trees, think again. Like God says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, do you think God cares for oxen? Of course, God cares for animals. But do you think when God says, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the wheat, let him eat. Don't cover his mouth. Don't be like a Singaporean. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. All right? And uh, so God says, let, let, let him eat. And then he says, do you think God cares for the oxen? No. Paul says, God is caring for the minister who trash out the word of God. Let him be blessed. Let him be blessed. It is his job. Let him get paid. It's his job. All right? Paul talked about that in Corinthians. You can read about it. That's not my message today. Okay, what I'm trying to say, when God gives an illustration about not muzzling the ox, God is thinking of full-time ministers. Yep. Ministers that depend on the people's free will giving. Yep. All right, God says, don't forget, allow him to eat. Yep. Watch this. When God talks about the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, he's talking about cedars of Lebanon, it's people, they shall still bring forth fruit. It's illustration, how you can be incorruptible, how you can be full of sap, how you can be green, how you can be, be uh, strong. Would you like that? Yes. Context. Bible, interpret Bible, and context is important. Look at the verse before this. God gives wine that makes glad the heart of man. God gives oil, the Holy Spirit, to make his face shine. And God gives bread, which strengthens man's heart. And I'm telling you, the only bread that can strengthen man's physical heart is the bread of communion. Because by His stripes, we are healed. I'm here to tell you, church, the wine, the bread, 
is the communion that makes you like the cedars of Lebanon, full of sap. And when I saw this, I'll tell you, I said, whoa! Like, wow! Wow, do you know why I'm preaching this? I'm preaching this so that when your loved one or someone has been given a bad diagnosis, don't just run and take communion with an empty heart, an empty revelation, empty mind. Wait, listen to the sermon. Partake. Something. Some, something will happen because everything about God's things right, must work with faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. Are you listening, people? Amen? You know, everything happened because of man's sin. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Everything happened because of man's sin. Man ate from the tree he shouldn't. Guess what? God says, eat your way back into the blessings. Eat your way back into the blessings. Are you listening? By the body of Jesus. It might be the body of Jesus. Remember the, the disciples in Luke 24? I told you, right? Did I give you Luke 24? I did? I didn't give you Luke 24? Real fast, okay? Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead. Same day, real fast, okay? I cannot afford to give you this and then give another service. All right, y'all come back. Look, look at 24, real quick. Now it came to pass as Jesus sat at the table with them, he took bread. Now this is after he rose from the dead. The same evening, the same evening after he rose from the dead. He's at the place called Emmaus with the two disciples, I believe husband and wife. All right, and he, he took the place of the divine host. He played host. He took the bread. He blessed, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. When did they, their eyes open? When did they know him? When? The whole seven miles, they didn't see him until he broke bread. There's something here, people. There's something here. I believe, I have a whole message on Emmaus Road. I have a whole message on it where God showed me it is actually a replica or rather a picture of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden when man fell, man ate. It's a picture. There are two men and women. There's a couple there. So here there's a couple walking back to Emmaus. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. And then you have, you have uh, the Lord walking with them in the cool of the day. Then you have the Lord Jesus coming here. It's a restoration. Understand, what was lost here was restored here. And then the Bible says, now because of time, their eyes were close to see Jesus. They didn't know it's Jesus. Their eyes were restrained. He wanted them to see him in the word, not physically. But then, right at the end, over here, what happened? Seduce the woman who seduced the husband to eat the fruit. The eyes were open, but to the wrong place. Not to God, to themselves. How sinful, how dirty, how, un how naked you are. But over here, the restoration. The eyes were open. They didn't see themselves, they saw him. So can I submit to you, looking at the types, the two stories, can I submit to you? Adam and Eve partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What they didn't partake is the tree of life. Can I submit to you? Communion is the tree of life. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? You know, this is the restoration part. And then you know what happened? He disappeared. By the way, he disappeared. That doesn't mean he left them. He vanished out of their sight. He was still there. He'll never leave them. They walked back seven miles. They just walked seven miles. But after communion, they can walk seven miles again. 
They went back to find the other disciples and say, Hey, hey, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. Let's follow the story there. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He told the rest. Now watch this. Now as they said these things about the breaking of bread, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Shalom. When they were talking about the breaking of bread, the Lord loves it. That's why he's showing up even now. Amen. Amen. As they spoke about the breaking of bread, Jesus appeared. Do you think he just came from heaven at the time? No, he was there all the time. He never left them. In other words, from bread to bread. He disappeared, he reappeared. Take this to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Primarily till he comes means when he comes in the clouds to get all of us in the rapture. But till he comes, keep on taking till he comes can also mean till he comes to manifest himself to you. I don't know about you. I'm blessed. I think you are, you are really ready right now to take the communion. Are you ready? All right, pass the communion elements. You have it, right? In your hands. Are you ready, people? Now remember... It's not about being conscious of your own disease. It's being conscious of Jesus. Amen? Being conscious of Him. I'm going to say this again. Surely. Are you going to say it? Right? Don't. When you come to church, uh, I want to tell the pastors also. It, it, it's as, as if the pastors must lead you word for word. I think we're going to stop doing that. You're big enough. Alright? And old enough. It's your own prayer to God. Once in a while, we'll lead you, okay? But make it your own prayer. Don't let Pastor Lawrence kiss the girl for you. Amen? You know the word worship is kiss, to kiss the Lord. You got to kiss the Lord yourself. Amen? You know what to say. But the principle is this, be conscious of the Lord. He says, do this in remembrance of me, not yourself, not your problems, not your disease. Stop thinking about yourself. It's about Him. Look at him, how beautiful he is. Like the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Look at how majestic he is, how full of mercy, kindness, tender mercy, goodness. How loving he is, how compassionate. He didn't have to, but he chose to come down, to die on the cross for our sins. But before he hung on the cross, he chose to go to the whipping post, the scourging, and they beat him, and they beat him again, and they beat him again, and by his stripes, we are healed. By his wound, by his stripe, the back was so lacerated. See that right now in the spirit. See that? When that stripe fell on his back, your cancer died. Your tumor disappeared. When that stripe fell on his back, your blood pressure was normalized. When that stripe fell on his back, your sleeplessness and insomnia disappeared. By that stripe, whatever your condition is, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. By your stripe, I am healed of. Tell him right now, by your stripe, I'm healed of. It might be more than one thing, but just tell him, by your stripe, I thank you, Lord. It's a time of thanksgiving, not pleading. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe. It has been done. You're not going to ask Him to do it again. You are thanking Him. It's a time of eulogia, thanksgiving. 
Thank you, Lord. By your stripe, I am healed in my heart. By your stripe, I am healed from forgetfulness. By your stripe, I am healed in my brain. By your stripe, I am healed in my memory faculties. By your stripe, I am healed in my ankle joints. By your stripe, I am healed in my knees. Whatever it is, but see it. Don't just repeat like a parrot. See it. See it. See him bearing the stripes. When you're ready, partake. Lift up the cup. In the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of all your sins. You are not partaking. Remember this. To be forgiven. You are drinking because you are forgiven. If you're not safe, you haven't believed in Christ yet, this is not for you. Put down the elements. It's only for believers. And you are forgiven of all your sins because His blood was shed. Now when you drink, drink in the consciousness that all your sins have been forgiven. There's no unforgiven sin in your life because of the blood of Jesus. And know that through the blood of Jesus, there is no curse in your life, no curse in your family. Christ has redeemed you through His blood from every curse. Let me drink. Amen. If you are here, friend, and you've never put your trust in Christ, God will not force salvation into your life. He waits to be invited. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. If that is you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead as my shepherd, as my savior, as my high priest. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. If you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God. From this day forth, you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Look at you. I don't know about you, but there's a glory cloud like all over this place. You know, throughout the entire preaching, there's been like a glory cloud. He shows up. He, so, he shows up. Lift your hands. The Lord bless you this coming week. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord keep you and your loved ones throughout this week from all infection, from all terror, from all fear, from dangers, accidents, from tragedies. The Lord keep you and your loved ones and your families from all the harmful effects of the haze. The Lord keep you and your loved ones from all danger, from all evil. The Lord favors you. He smiles on you. This coming week, see the favor of God all over you. See God smiling on you. Amen. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. He's pleased with you. You are in Jesus' place. Amen. He treats you like Jesus. Amen. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you great well-being. Shalom. Because the punishment for that shalom has been paid. 
take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But don't go just yet. If you'd like to receive prayer, share your testimony, or find out more about Gospel Partner, just click the link on this screen. If not, I'll see you in the next episode. And they drank the same spiritual drink, and they drank from the rock that followed them, who was Christ. And drinking again. Church, do you know that everything that happened to man is because man ate his way into all this mess? Ah, did you hear what I said? Adam opened his big mouth. Number one. All right? And he ate everything God said not to eat. So you can say any curse you mentioned, any evil in this world, anything that our, the governments of the nations are, are, are worried about, are concerned for, uh, uh, economic shortage, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, trials, and God never made this earth to be like that. If God even counts death as an enemy. God hates death. God hates sin. You know what God did with sin? He put it on Jesus. God loves sinners. How much does God hate sin? As much as God loves the sinner. Ah, let me explain. You got somebody you love very much who has cancer. Do you love the cancer? No, of course not. But the cancer is in your loved one. Now, question. How much do you hate the cancer? Must be answered with another question. How much do you love your loved one? Because the more you love your loved one, to the degree you love your loved one, to the degree you hate the cancer. So God loves you, but God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is because God loves you. And sin is destroying everything that God has that's good. That is harmonious, that is peaceful, that is health, that is life for you. And for your families. God is not a, a joy killer. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Pleasures forevermore. When Jesus in the upper room, in a few hours, He knew He will be betrayed. In fact, He just sent Judas out. Night when Judas went out. What a poetic way of saying. It was night. Just look at his disciples and say, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you. Can you imagine a, 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 a man looking like he's baptized in lemonade juice, looking at you, these things I speak to you. <sighs> that my joy <laughs> might remain in you. Peter will say a lot, uh, I think you need it more than us. <laughs> All right? You need every little joy you need. All right? I think we have our own problems. So the thing is this. It must not be a picture like that. It must be a person who is strong, smiling. Even though in a few hours' time, he knew he would lay down his life for our sins. Looking at them. Hey, guys, these things I tell you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And don't let it be afraid. Amen. These things I speak to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Amen. Our pastor prays, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. 
Brother Dudat, since you brought that up, can you tell me where's the verse taken from? I don't know. I'll tell you. It's taken in Isaiah 53. All right, he became a man of sorrows because of his suffering. The only time he was a man of sorrows was when he, he went through the cross, the surging, the beating. He took, because it was a transaction. He took our sins, we take his righteousness. He took, he took our sorrows and we take his joy. Amen. He became a curse that we might be blessed. Amen. That curse part, I, I've still not, not recovered from it. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that reading Galatians 3.13, Christ redeem us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The Son of God became a curse for us to redeem us from the... It's not just, you know, he took, he took some curse. He became a curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on all of us. Don't let it go to waste, people. Come on. You listening, people? So, he wants a joyful church, so they... Wow, so much just from that, that side. All right, I'm going to show you the background of the same chapter to show you about eating and drinking. And by the way, if you look at the rest of the remaining chapter of chapter 10, it talks about eating, whatever you eat, do all to the glory of God, about eating and drinking. And that's why the very next chapter, okay, it talks about the Apostle Paul saying, now it's 1 Corinthians 11, guys, I received from the Lord Jesus what I, I delivered to you. That the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. The Apostle Paul, in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Why was it that in chapter 11, Paul had to say, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Gone to Peter. He could have gone to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper. Yet, the Lord Jesus, the present day, glorified, ascended Christ, thought that communion is so important that He would give a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul. And Paul himself said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you the same night he was betrayed. In other words, he didn't get it from Matthew. He didn't get it from Mark, Luke, or John. He got it from the Lord. Do you think the present day Lord in heaven at the Father's right hand deem it is important that you have a revelation of it? I know, all, depending on their churches, there are denominations today that, that don't even have communion anymore. There are those who have it once in two months. There are those who have it once a month. There are those who only have the bread. But let me tell you this. I believe the devil is trying to minimize the way out. He's trying to negate. He's trying to cover your eyes from the way out. Are you listening, people? Hmm? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the context. All right. Verse 13, okay. Now the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the context is very, very clear, people. All right, it's talking, because all of a sudden it talks about communion. Doesn't make sense. And knowing the Apostle Paul, he is a very systematic right, a teacher. Okay, he's very intelligent. But when it comes to the Bible, 
God orchestrates everything. No verse is taken out of context. I've shown you the verses before. They sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Now, let's go to verse 16 on the screen. Have a blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This word communion is the word koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. All right? Association. It's not just fellowship. You can have fellowship with me, but I just met you yesterday. All right? In other words, it's, it's a fellowship, but it's a fellowship over tea, all right, kind of association. But, but the word down there is actually intimate. It's intimate participation. Intimate participation. This word would be used also um, in the idea of a husband and a wife being intimate. They say things to each other, all right? There are things that they say and do that no one else is privy to. They're intimately participating. The thought, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's the idea of communion. Are you with me so far? Are you blessed? Amen? Amen? Now, keep that in mind, okay? What is that? Communion. Then the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Now, it's not saying that we are all partaking of each other. There are those who teach when you, when you take the bread, remember this, the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus never said, this is the mystical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But we, when you took the bread, when the bread is with the cup of wine, it's always his physical body. This is my body. He's not referring to the mystical body that was to come. Are you listening? And here is very precise. We though many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. In other words, we are one bread, one body now because we all partake of Jesus' body. You got it? Okay. Observe Israel after the flesh. We go back to ancient Israel. Look at Israel after the flesh. When they offer an offering, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? I want to tell you something. It is in your interest today. If your body is suffering, if there has been a prognosis, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have told you, let me just tell you this. It is in your interest to partake of the benefits of the cross. Your question is, how can I do it? Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? The altar is the cross. The altar back then in Israel's temples, there are four corners. It's a picture of the cross. That's where the the lambs are placed. That's where the, 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 the body of the bullock is placed. That's where the sacrifice is laid. The burnt offering is laid there. It's four corners because one day, this antitype will be Jesus on the cross with the four corners to the north, south, east, and west for God so loved the world. The benefit is efficacious to the four corners of the earth. Can I have a good amen? All right. So don't forget the altar is, the altar is the place of the cross. Now, how do we partake the million-dollar question that church, the Church of Jesus Christ have is that I know He bore my diseases, not just my sins, but how do I partake that? How do I have access to it? How do I become a koinonia, an intimate participation, a participator, a, a, a sharer of what happened? How can I be a sharer of the benefits of the blood and the benefits of the bread? Observe Israel are not those who eat In other words, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, a partaker of what Jesus did at the cross. 
Are you listening, people? I'm going to read to you some testimonies. If I have time, maybe just one testimony, but it's going to bless you. This guy's Joshua from Kingdom. I was safe when I was nine. However, my experience of church was more about living a good Christian life rather than receiving the grace of Christ. I felt like a hypocrite trying to deal unsuccessfully with my feelings of guilt and shame. As a result, I spent my teen and much of my adult years away from God. Four years ago, I began to attend church once again. I met someone in a life group who introduced me to Joseph Prince Ministries. I began watching Pastor Prince's messages whenever I could. Slowly, the message of grace in Christ began its healing in my heart. The more I listened, the more my wrong beliefs were replaced with the gospel. For six months, I would tear up uncontrollably every time I heard of the grace and truth that Jesus died to give us. Even though I was safe as a child, I would rarely ever share my beliefs with anyone because I felt like a hypocrite. Now I share the grace of Christ with anyone who is willing to listen. One Sunday, I even shared a testimony with my church. For 26 years, I suffered from having painful warts on the soles of my feet. I tried every medical means, including painful laser surgery to get rid of them, but nothing helped. When I was invited to a barbecue a while ago, I asked if we could partake of the Holy Communion together. As I had watched Pastor Prince's messages on the healing power of the Holy Communion and read his book on the Holy Communion, I shared my newfound beliefs about the significance of discerning the Lord's body and the communion elements with the group. After taking the communion together, we prayed and sang hymns about our Lord's sacrifice and His love. In my prayer, I cursed the warts on my feet that had also spread to my hands. Weeks later, don't forget, he's been suffering for 26 years from this condition. A laser and everything else, nothing helped. Weeks later, the warts on my hands were gone. In the weeks that followed, my feet were also healed and are now completely free from warts. All glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't come because you say that, oh, I'm going to try the communion, all right? It's not a matter of trying. It's faith. Think. It's, not, it's not a matter of that, okay, I go through it. The whole thing is empty. Empty of meaning, empty of... And, 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 and if you don't watch it, you're partaking unworthily. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, singular reason, singular reason, when the body of Christ says that, you know, we need to lay hands on each other and command this, command that, and all that, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But the norm for a believer, usually they command devils to come out and people to be healed for sinners out there. Believers seems, in the first century church, seems to be walking in divine health. It's better to have health than healing. I said it's better to have health than healing. But if you're sick, go for healing. But don't stay there. Don't leave from healing to healing. Start to walk in health. So the believers would break bread. House. Daily. I repeat, you didn't get that. They'll break bread from house to house daily. And we think we are, you know, some people think we are extreme. We have it once a week. Well, the early church in the book of Acts, upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Who was the guest speaker for that one? The Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul was a speaker. Doesn't say upon the first day of the week, they came together to hear Paul. They came together to break bread. Acts 20. You have time, you read it. 
And while Paul was long preaching, <laughs> while Paul was long preaching, a young man was sitting on a window. All right, there were three floors. Everything is symbolic as well. Three floors, the third heaven. All believers are seated with Christ in the third heaven. So the young boy's name is given. Why? There is a meaning for the church. His name is Eutychus. Any E-U means good in, in, in Greek. Eutychus means good fortune. He fell asleep. He didn't listen to Paul's preaching. And he fell three floors and died. Now, why is the church... Come, the church has been robbed of good fortune. Eutychus. Paul's preaching. Just like the sh another, another story in Acts, the ship of Christendom had Paul on it, but they refused to listen to Paul. When they, had, they faced shipwreck, Paul said, you should have listened to me. We need to listen to Paul in Revelation, especially of grace. God gave it to Paul. Amen. All scriptures are inspired. All scriptures are important. But not everything is written to us for the church. Some are written to the Jew and some are written to us. And Paul is the one that said, I receive from the Lord about the communion. Come on. Are you listening, people? All right. So here we go. All right. After he fell, by the way, it's good news. They came together to what? Break bread. Not to hear Paul preach. So the guy fell and Paul went down and Paul hugged him. You know, we got to embrace this young generation with the Pauline revelation of grace, the gospel of grace. Are you listening? We need to embrace them. Amen. Even they are dead. We gotta embrace them. We gotta make them feel warm with the gospel of grace. And guess what? Paul says, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. His life is in him. He raised him from the dead. Now, if something like this happened in church, we will say, hallelujah, praise God, amen? Have a time of praise and then send everybody back. Not, not Paul. Paul went back up, brought everybody, plus the guy who raised from the dead, brought good fortune back to the third heavens, amen? Where the church is. And guess what? They broke bread. Priorities. First things first. Even though someone raised from the dead, still go back, break bread. Don't forget where the power comes from. That's the early church. Look it up when you have time, when you're sitting on your own white throne, all right? Read Acts 20. It's always good to have a Bible near your white throne or pink throne or green throne, whatever it is. Okay, there are different colors nowadays. What are you talking about, Pastor Prince? He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. For this reason, singular reason, only one reason in the church, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Sleep death, die. Behold, I, pick, I speak plainly. In those days, they sleep. For a believer, death holds no more terror. There's no more sting. Jesus conquered death. So for a believer, they say they fall asleep. A sinner dies. A believer sleeps. Until Jesus raised his body from the dead. All right? But look at this. One reason, for one reason, not reasons. I check it out in the Greek. The word reason is singular. Many, kind of wish he said few. Many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. What's the reason? What's the reason? There. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the key is unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if I tell you and you're suffering from malaria and I say, I got quinine tablets, take this quinine tablets. You say, I, I refuse to. I'll put it in the water, all right? Okay, now drink it, drink it. And you say, I, I don't need a quinine business. And all. You are drinking damnation to yourself by not drinking the solution. The world as it is, is dying. 
as if, oh, you have sinned, you take the Lord's Supper, then you die. No, no, no. The world is dying. That's why the same chapter says that God doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. There's a condemnation in, in this world that was released, a divine sentence that was released ever since Adam sinned. Divine sentence includes sickness. Communion is the way out. It's the ekbasis. Are you listening, people? Amen? So, not discerning the Lord's body. So the problem is that they knew the cup. Majority of denominations that practice church denomination, and I speak this with a heavy heart, they have communion. But many a times, they lump the bread and the cup as one. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. You died for our sins. Hardly mention disease. They're not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning, diacrino, to make a separation between the bread and the cup. Why was he scourged? Why, why didn't God just, God, God arrange everything? Why didn't God just send him straight to the cross? Why didn't Pilate just send him to the cross? Why must he go via the scourging and then the cross? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Are you listening? God loves you. God wants you well. God wants you well. Pastor Prince, I took communion before. I thought, take again. The disciples took it from house to house in one day. You know how many times that is? You know how many houses there were? Every time they come to a new house, there's somebody sick. So they take again and they got the benefit. They broke bread daily, not only daily, from house to house. And knowing these disciples, they can cross miles like Jesus. They, they, Jesus would, would walk without any, uh, uh, any uh, transportation. Walk with feet. Across rough terrains. That's his exercise. Running is an animal that's invented later on. Walking is, is Jesus' style of exercise. Long distance. Amen. Don't write to me again. All right. For this reason, many. So if you reverse the thing, if you discern the Lord's body, yes, his body was broken that my body might be put together. Amen. I see my, my high blood pressure carried away by Jesus' body. I see his body judged. His healthy body was judged that my body might be healed. You are discerning. Now you are eating worthily. God is not saying an unworthy person cannot eat. It's not an unworthy man. It's an unworthy manner. The adverb, okay? An adverb means an action that modifies, is the way modifies the verb. It's how you eat. You're not eating with discernment. In fact, those people were partying. In the First Corinthians church, they were, they were drinking and they were gluttons. There's gluttony going on at the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, it's very hard for gluttony to happen <laughs> and, and drunkenness because this is our elements. It's hard to partake unworthily. So our promise, we partake without revelation. And that's why I'm preaching this. So that people who are going through something, they can listen to this again and again and again and again. And those of you who are well off, you might not think, right, there's no need for me and all that. Trust me, you will need this. Amen? So for this reason, we can reverse it. If you discern the Lord's body, for this reason, many are strong Many are healthy and many live long. Amen. 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 Praise God. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. Isaiah 53 is the Magna Carta of the entire Old Testament. It's the culmination. Everything is, this is the greatest chapter of the, of the book of Isaiah. It talks about our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. Aren't you glad He loves you? Amen. Look up here. 
I want to address this because this is very important. Jesus did not, wasn't murdered. Jesus says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. No man takes this power from me. And that's why more than one time they tried to stone him, they could not. He walked right in their midst. More than one time they tried to kill Jesus, they could not. My hour is not yet come. He has power. When they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, soldiers brandishing staves and swords, strong soldiers, they came, a legion of them came to arrest him. And, and he asked, whom do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he stepped forward and spoke the awesome, the august name of God that God revealed to Moses, I am. When they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, he stepped forward, I am. Moses asked God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am that I am. And now the I am said, I am. You know what happened to all those soldiers? They fell backwards. That's power, okay? He was not arrested because he can't help it. He allowed himself. Then he says, you have found me. Let these disciples go. Are you listening, people? Amen? He laid down. I believe he laid down on the cross. That's one of the things that convinced one of the thieves that this is a different man. That's what caused even the hardcore, hardened uh, centurion, Roman centurion at the cross said when he died, certainly this is the Son of God. I'm telling you, church, he didn't have to die. He loved you. I say he loved you. You know, he cares for your, your pain right now. It's not just for the, you know, for the eternal and, and while the sweet and by, by, you know, it's like uh, uh, one day, you know, all these sufferings will stop, you know. Uh, no, he wants you to be healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Are you there, Pastor Prince? I don't see Christians there and all that. Let me explain to you, okay, but something about God. We have received so many testimonies of people who begin to discover. One of the biggest testimonies we receive is that People are delivered from drug addictions, pornography, all right, by confessing I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it became a revelation that Jesus took their sin and they take Jesus as their righteousness. The divine exchange. So the more they confess that, how many know that many a times your feeling says, no, you're, you're a porn addict. But who you are before God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your thoughts will say, no, you, 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 you need this drink. You need this drink. All right? You can never break it. All right? But God looks at you and God says, you are my righteousness in Christ. Now, what happened is that even though while we have received so many testimonies, go to josephprince.com and go to the testimonial section. You can read for yourself. The, peop the number of people that confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, even while they are in their sin. And how one day the desire for porn, the desire for drinking, the desire for drugs just fell off. Depression just leaves. Are you listening? So what I'm saying is that even though you still have symptoms of sin in your life, do not identify yourself with sin. That's not who you are. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the more you identify with who you are, it does not mean you don't sin anymore. You may sin, all right? But you will sin less and less. Are you listening, people? All right? The more you identify yourself uh, with the truth, and this is the truth, we're not trying, pretend you are, 
Pastor Prince, you know, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. I feel I want this wrong thing. How can you say I'm the righteousness of God? Are you born again? Yes. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That one guy told the pastor just after he got married, the pastor pronounced them husband and wife and he brought the pastor one side and said, Pastor, I don't feel married. The pastor shook him. You are married! <laughs> if I'm that pastor, I won't be shaking him. I'll be shaking him! Exclamation point. Amen? So, same thing as in sin, the more you identify, even though there's sin in you, the more you identify the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't mean you don't sin. You sin less and less and less. Now watch this. The more you identify with the fact that Jesus took your diseases and start to do that, it's the truth. The more you do that, the more you take communion, doesn't mean you won't fall sick. But you'll fall sick less and less and less. My advice Start now. Start to identify with the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth. Why? If you believe a lie, like for example, the devil say, you are you're dirty, you are unclean, and you go to God. Oh God, I, I just sinned again when I promised you last time I will not. I, I'm so unclean, I, I'm useless and all that. The Holy Spirit is just in abeyance. It's like He folds His, his hands. There's nothing for Him to bear witness. You're, you're telling lies. Telling lies, you're telling lies. Nothing but lies. You're just telling lies, Nacho. It's all lies. And you know who's the father of lies, right? So, the more you utter lies, but I feel it! Go ahead. Say what you feel. What God said. Viewpoint, the paradigm for all of us to look through is the eyes of the one who is the truth. Many a child have died looking at a swimming pool with their eyes, thinking it's shallow. It looks shallow, it feels shallow, it's killed many. It'll go by God's word. A famous man, very famous, a few years ago, famous family, but all the family sort of experienced one tragedy after another, many of the people in the family. And uh, finally, uh, he was with his wife and a friend on his, one of his first flights. But because he went through a storm, it was dark. And I watched this on, on NetGeo. They were trying to find the root cause for the, the crash. His plane crash. Very handsome man. And they said that they, the conclusion was this, right? That because he didn't have much experience, when you fly in the dark, you can't tell you're going up, you're going down. You feel like you're going straight when actually you're going down. In other words, the feeling, they call it fly by the seat of your pants. You go by your feeling instead of trusting your instrument. But your instrument is saying you're going down. But your feeling is saying you're going straight. Friend, this is God's instrument. This is God's instrument. God says He bore our diseases. With His stripes, we are healed. But your body says, no, I don't feel it. Start taking. I, don't, I didn't say the more you identify, all right, you have no more sickness from now on. But start somewhere and you'll find as you sin less and less, when you identify with your new identity in Christ, the more you identify yourself with the, with the fact that you are healed by His stripes, you will be sick, but less and less. Okay? All right. So Isaiah says, Surely He has borne our grace and carried our sorrows. Now, this is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Grace and sorrows are the Hebrew word koli and makov. 
All right? Colleagues, diseases, mark off his pains. I remember sharing with one of the uh, uh, Messianic Jewish men who is a, a pastor in Jerusalem, a very dignified man. Today, he's with the Lord. Many years ago, I sat down with him and I shared with him, and, and you know, he's from the persuasion. He don't believe that uh, uh, healing is for today. All right? And I shared with him Isaiah 53. And I said, is this, uh, Mark, is this uh, Koli and Markov? He read, he read it. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Very dignified el elderly man. And I said, is Koli diseases? Or is it spiritual diseases like some scholars try to tell us? He said, no, it's always physical diseases. What about pains? Physical pains. Then he read it. Whole thing. Mm, he said, hmm. He was very interested. All right, look at Young's, who is a Young's translation of the Bible. Or Young is an amazing scholar, Young's Concordance, strong and Young's. You must have three concordance in your life. Strong concordance, Young's Concordance, and Crudence. So you become Young, strong, and crude. All right, so look at Young's translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. Is there another quotation of this? Yes. Thank God for Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8. Matthew 8 that it might be fulfilled, this New Testament, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And here refers to physical infirmities and weaknesses and infirmities and diseases and pains. Very, very clear. Uh, Pastor Prince, uh, are you sure? Okay, since you're not convinced, uh, your little voice of unbelief. Let me show you verse 16, the context. Don't take the verse out of context. The context, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. So there's deliverance from demons. And healed all. I'm so glad he healed all. I wonder if people read their Bibles. I say, I wonder if people read their Bibles. He didn't heal everybody in Israel. He healed all who came to him. Keep that in mind. Heal all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself to our infirmities. So it's very clear the context refers to physical diseases, physical healing. Bible, interpret Bible. Amen. Okay, go back to Isaiah 53. Go to verse 5 now. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed, by the way. Crushed is the correct word. Not bruised. It's not as if you got a bruise, blue and black. All right? He was crushed for our wickedness. Jesus was crushed for our wickedness. The, now watch this, watch this. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The punishment required in the Hebrew, the well-being is the word shalom. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The punishment with a view to your well-being. When Jesus took the punishment, he got up again and again. I believe he fell. Then he got up again. So that all those of you with late troubles, you will stand. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So those of you who cannot walk, he fell down as he carried the cross so that you will walk. Amen. The lacerations cut off all the important nerves for you to walk. And yet he walked again. No wonder he fell and fell until they had called Simon to help him. Because he bore all this for you and I. And by his stripe, and by the, by the way, the word stripe in the Greek 
First, first Peter 2.24, by his stripe, we are healed. It's singular, singular, stripe. T.J. Necrosson, a Greek scholar, said this many years ago. Crosson is an amazing Greek scholar. And T.J. Necrosson says, if Jesus was beaten, the stripes on his back left sleevers of flesh. The word in the Greek should be plural, stripes. But if they beat Jesus until there's no more skin left, which the Bible says in Psalms, I look and I can see my bones. What happened to Jesus? There's no more skin left. Then the singular should be used by his entire stripe. We are healed. I told you he loves you. He didn't have to go through that. He loved you. With the first strike, pow, your cancer died. Pow, your blood pressure is gone. Pow, your disease in your heart cleared out. Every artery softened and cleared out. Medicine, thank God for science, thank, thank God for med medicine, but they cannot do what the stripes can. Sometimes they, they, they give you this medicine, but then they tell you you, got, you have another problem because of this medicine. So you must take this medicine to counter this problem that this medicine does. Now you gotta have this medicine to counter this problem that's medicine. And then they tell about all the contraindications. Are you listening, people? The punishment for our well-being fell on him. The punishment for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, go back to uh, our New King James. By his stripes, we are healed. Let me just tell you this. The word stripes is kavura. Kavura. Say kavura. Kavura. Okay. Now, kavura means stripe and wound. Of years, I found out because I love Hebrew. I've been studying Hebrew as much as I can. Make some tea and coffee. <laughs> so my wife can say, he knows Hebrew. Oh, Pastor Brain, that's so corny. I know. I know. But when I was studying Hebrew, I found out that the word stripes, kavura, not only means the stripes on his back, but also is a word for fellowship. Association. Which kavura are you from? So I check it out with those in Israel. Until today, they will tell you, which kavura are you from? Which association? Which fellowship are you from? Until today, kavura. Kavura has two meanings. Why did God, who invented, created Hebrew? All right? Why did God put kavura as stripe as well as fellowship? Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the intimate participation? This is the Greek koinonia. In Hebrew, it is, now I've found. But so for years, now, since I know, go back to, uh, go back to, uh, yeah, Isaiah. Since I know by his stripes we are healed, please understand, his stripes were real. The stripes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, that's the primary interpretation, but hidden in it, God tells us how to partake of it. God says, it's by fellowship with those stripes. 
For years, my part is I went home from Israel, scratched my head and said, Kavura, by his association. What do I do? I worship and just fellowship with him. What do I, what, can God just give me a verse in the Bible that says this is fellowship with him? Guess what? I found it in 1 Corinthians, all right? Where it says, last thing is communion with the blood of Christ. You take the bread, it is communion with the body of Christ. Wow! This is how I fellowship with the body of Christ. There was strife for my healing. Mm. I tell you, if you're sick, you should have a big piece of bread at home. You should have a, a glass of, uh, I don't even recommend wine if you take a lot in, in a day. You know, darling, I'm sorry, but Pastor Prince says, you know, I got to take a lot in one day. So, I bought this wine. You must understand, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Now, don't, don't give me that nonsense, okay? It's a bad testimony to be drunk, okay? It's a bad testimony. So, let me just tell you this. Have a piece of bread. You don't need our cups. Okay, you don't need our cups. Uh, but Pastor Prince, your, your, why, why you all designed that way? Must it be that way? Forget the cups. It's for convenience purpose. But even a crumb can drive the devil out of that woman's daughter. So it, it's not how big, how small, okay? It is, it is your revelation of it. So it's not a matter of like, and by the way, if you're not safe, do not partake of the Lord's Supper. In a while's time, we'll have the Lord's Supper. I thought that today we'll have it at the end. Because your faith, your revelation, when you take it with revelation, Something happens. It's not an empty heart, an empty mind partaking. The whole thing becomes empty. It's just a ritual. Okay? I'm bringing this to a close. Are you blessed? Yes. We're coming to a close right now. Then I want to read to, to you another testimony. I suffered severe postal depression after giving birth to a wonderful baby. Margaret from United Kingdom said, I felt as if the whole world was upon my shoulders and the depression got so bad that I wanted to end my life. How many know there are people with depression who want to end their life? However, the glorious smile of my baby kept me going. One day, my brother introduced me to Pastor Joseph Prince's television program. Even though I was a Christian, I had never heard anyone preach the gospel like Pastor Prince. His messages helped me understand my wonderful identity in Christ and how much God loves me. Wow, this turned my life around. I started to watch his programs daily and recorded all of them. I also began confessing my righteousness in Christ and partaking of the Holy Communion, remembering whose I am. Since then, my life has never been the same. I no longer suffer from postnatal depression. Light in my marriage, my children's lives, and in my family. My household is now blessed daily with God's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Prince, what about for those loved ones in the hospital? Can you take communion for them? The next one I'm going to read to you. All right, listen to the story because one day you, you'll find this might really help with some relative or whatever, okay? This is Colin from India. In October 2015, Rama, the mother-in-law of my wife's sister, was admitted to the hospital after suffering a stroke that paralyzed the right side of her body. She also had an extremely high blood sugar level, which can aggravate strokes. Her attending doctor also found that her esophagus was twisted and inserted a feeding tube to pre prevent her from choking on her food or drink. My wife and I had shared Pastor Prince's DVD sermons on the Holy Communion and anointing oil with Dipesh, Rama's son. When he arrived at the hospital, he prayed for Rama with the anointing oil. Within five minutes, she moved her right hand. The family also partook of the Holy Communion. 
Despite being another city, we partook in faith with them. You can do that. All right, the Lord can heal from a distance, no problem. Amen. That, that, that night, Rama regained full mobility in her right arm. That night. But could not stand as the balance was off. The next day, she walked around the ward twice on her own without any loss of balance. Stroke, you know, with uh, high blood sugar. However, she started coughing out the milk given to her. The doctor wanted to reins reinsert the feeding tube, which was a painful procedure. But Rama managed to avoid it as she was able to eat normally after the tube was removed. Her esophagus was also no longer twisted. On the fourth day, Rama was discharged. Another patient with the same condition as Rama and admitted on the same day and had not even opened his eyes. Patient admitted the same day, the person on the fourth day, the eyes is still closed. My wife's brother, who is a doctor, told us that Rama's recovery was medically impossible. Blood sugar level was unstable for the week that followed. We shared with her what we had learned from Pastor Prince about letting go and letting God take care of her. That night, Rama and her daughter partook. Now Rama herself partook, all right? What, when your, your loved one is unconscious or in the hospital, what you can partake on behalf of your loved one. But once the person is awake, now she's participating. That night, Rama and her daughter partook of the Holy Communion and told the Lord that they cannot, but He can. Her blood sugar level stabilized after that. Rama is now a committed believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. Amen. The final part is something that I think uh, will be very interesting, interesting for those of you who feel like, like uh, your age is advancing. All right? When I was 12 years old, I thought 30 was very old. <laughs> and then I hit 30. Then I thought being 40 was very, very old. I remember when, when my mom was 40, when my mom was 30s, you know, I thought she was very old. You know, you all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> all right? But whatever age you put down there as the age of growing old, I just want to let you know something, okay? The Bible says this in Psalms 92. Look up here. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon is a very famous cedar. By the way, let me show you a cedar, a picture of a cedar. It's a majestic tree, beautiful tree. And the cedars of Lebanon is the cedars that's used for the Temple of Solomon, the most expensive building ever built as a house of God. It's majestic. All right? Now, Psalms 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree, even 100 years old, can still produce oil. Isn't it amazing? A palm tree is so fruitful, you see all kinds of seeds everywhere. Yeah, oh, come on, come on, come on. Old age, still fruitful. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen? The cedar uh, wood, by the way, the I learned this when I was in the Rockies uh, uh, many years ago with Wendy for a holiday. We passed by cedars and I stopped because it's interesting in the Bible and you know, I want to learn as much as I can. And the little, uh, uh, all the cedars that were there, there was, there was a write-up and they said that the cedar wood is practically incorruptible. No insect can successfully destroy it. In fact, the beautiful perfume smell of the cedar drives away all these parasites. That's why they have cedar blocks that you can put in among your clothes. Amen? 
Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Don't just come to church. Be planted. Don't just come to church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, you know where? Outside in your workplace. Outside in your family. Amen? Those who are planted here will flourish in the courts. The courts is outside. Okay, next verse. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Old age, the age is old. But the person is not. Because the person is still bearing fruit. Grandpa, grandma, this is for you. Your age can be an old age. You tell people your age and they say, what? Alright? But you are still bearing fruit. They say that when you come to a certain age, they use the word dry up, right? <laughs> Abraham considered not his own body now dead, dried up. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We don't consider the natural things. Consider God's word. So, so far, has Pastor Prince taken pains to show you scripture? Have I? Yeah. Okay, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Wow, fresh and flourishing. I wish I can show you the Hebrew. Fresh there is the word dashen, which is the word for stalwart, vigorous. This man in his old age is vigorous. You know what's vigorous or not? Solid, lah, brother. <laughs> you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says that even the youth shall faint. Youth shall faint. And the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the secret? They that wait upon the Lord. Write this down somewhere. The word for, listen, the word for they that wait upon the Lord is the word joined together, fellowship. Kava. The word is kava in Hebrew. Kava means like a rope intertwined. You and the Lord intertwine and you will run and not be weary. You will mount up with wings as eagles. God will renew your youth like Caleb at the age of 85. He told, Moses, he told Joshua, give me this mountain. Like Moses at the age of 120 when he died, the Bible says his eyesight was not dim, neither his natural force abated. God did it for them. And Moses was under law. Caleb was under law. How much more? We have a better covenant. Their law was based, their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Our covenant is based on the imperishable, beautiful, precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are you listening, people? So what's the key, Pastor Prince? What's the key? They shall be fresh, is vigorous. Flourishing is Rahanan in Hebrew, which means green. Literally, today, when they say green, they use this word Rahanan. You will be vigorous and evergreen. Are you like that? When you look at a tree, the tree is 100 over years old, but it's all green. Yes, 30, 40, already brown. Evergreen. You can be evergreen. 
why does God want this? Why does God want this in His people? All right? It's not just for you, you know, to declare, to testify that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in Him. So the people around will, will see God is being declared. God is a good God. He's an upright God. When He sees, when they look at God's people and they see this, whoa, amen. But it doesn't tell you how, right? The first part, He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So a key there is cedar in Lebanon, okay? So these people, in their old age, they still bear fruit. They are still green. They are still vigorous. It doesn't tell you what they did, right? Yeah, for that, you must come back next week. <laughs> Would you like to know now? Yes. But it's about time. Yes. Huh? You want it now? Yes. Only one verse, okay? Look at this. Look at this. Say cedar in Lebanon. Lebanon. When God gave me this, I know this passage for a long time already. When God gave me this in my room, I nearly went to the rooftop. Because for years, I, 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 I salivated over this. <sighs> Did a breast stroke in my saliva. It was like, <sighs> it's like, man, bring fruit in old age, evergreen, vigorous, bearing fruit, flourishing out there in the courts. Man, <sighs> like the cedar of Lebanon. Like a palm tree, I saliva it. And then, bang, during one of my studies, God says, see the key? He'll grow like, not just a palm tree, but a cedar in Lebanon. Interpret Bible. Let me show you this verse in Psalms 104. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. When you are, just now that, that, that passage also full of sap, right? Evergreen, full of sap. Bring forth fruit in old age, full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. Aha, that's our key. If you think he's referring just to trees, think again. Like God says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, do you think God cares for oxen? Of course, God cares for animals. But do you think when God says, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the wheat, let him eat. Don't cover his mouth. Don't be like a Singaporean. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. All right? And uh, so God says, let, let, let him eat. And then he's like, do you think God cares for the oxen? No. Paul says, God is caring for the minister who trash out the word of God. Let him be blessed. Let him be blessed. It is his job. Let him get paid. Is his job. All right? Paul talked about that in Corinthians. You can read about it. That's not my message today. Okay? What I'm trying to say, when God gives an illustration about not muzzling the ox, God is thinking of full-time ministers. Ministers that depend on the people's free will giving. All right? God says, don't forget, allow him to eat. Watch this. When God talked about the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon. He's talking about cedars of Lebanon. It's people. They shall still bring forth fruit. It's illustration, how you can be incorruptible, how you can be full of sap, how you can be green, how you can be, be uh, strong. Would you like that? Yes. Context. Bible, interpret Bible, and context is important. Look at the verse before this. God gives wine that makes glad the heart of man. God gives oil, the Holy Spirit, to make his face shine. And God gives bread, which strengthens man's heart. And I'm telling you, the only bread that can strengthen man's physical heart 
He is the bread of communion because by his stripes we are healed. I'm here to tell you, church, the wine, the bread is the communion that makes you like the cedars of Lebanon, full of sex. And when I saw this, I'll tell you, I said, whoa! Like, wow! Wow, do you know why I'm preaching this? I'm preaching this so that when your loved one or someone has been given a bad diagnosis, don't just run and take communion with an empty heart, an empty revelation, empty mind. Wait, listen to the sermon. Partake. Something. Some, something will happen because everything about God's things right, must work with faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Are you listening, people? Amen? You know, everything happened because of man's sin. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Everything happened because of man's sin. Man ate from the tree he shouldn't. Guess what? God says, eat your way back into the blessings. Eat your way back into the blessings. Are you listening? Amen. But it's the body of Jesus. It might be the body of Jesus. Remember the, the disciples in Luke 24? I told you, right? Did I give you Luke 24? I did? I didn't give you Luke 24? Real fast, okay? Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead. Same day, real fast, okay? I cannot afford to give you this and then give another service. All right, y'all will come back. Look, look at 24, real quick. Now it came to pass that Jesus sat at the table with them. He took bread. Now this is after he rose from the dead. The same evening, the same evening after he rose from the dead. He's at the place called Emmaus with the two disciples. I believe husband and wife. All right? And he, he took the place of the divine host. He played host. He took the bread. He blessed, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. When did they, their eyes open? When did they know him? When? The whole seven miles, they didn't see him until he broke bread. There's something here, people. There's something here. I believe, I have a whole message on Emmaus Road. I have a whole message on it where God showed me it is actually a replica or rather a picture of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden when man fell, man ate. It's a picture. There are two men and women. There's a couple there. So here there's a couple walking back to Emmaus. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. And then you have, you have uh, the Lord walking with them in the cool of the day. Then you have the Lord Jesus coming here. It's a restoration. Understand, what was lost here was restored here. And then the Bible says, now because of time, their eyes were close to see Jesus. They didn't know it's Jesus. Their eyes were restrained. He wanted them to see him in the word, not physically. But then, right at the end, over here, what happened? Seduce the woman who seduced the husband to eat the fruit. The eyes were open, but to the wrong place. Not to God, to themselves. How sinful, how dirty, how, un how naked you are. But over here, the restoration, their eyes were open. They didn't see themselves, they saw him. So can I submit to you, looking at the types, the two stories, can I submit to you? Adam and Eve partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What they didn't partake is the tree of life. Can I submit to you? Communion is the tree of life. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? You know, this is the restoration part. And then you know what happened? He disappeared. By the way, he disappeared. That doesn't mean he left them. He vanished out of their sight. He was still there. He'll never leave them. 
They walk back seven miles. They just walk seven miles, but after communion, they can walk seven miles again. They went back to find the other disciples and say, hey, hey, we saw the Lord, we saw the Lord. Let's follow the story there. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He told the rest. Now watch this. Now as they said these things about the breaking of bread, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Shalom! When they were talking about the breaking of bread, the Lord loves it. That's why he's showing up even now. Amen. Amen. As they spoke about the breaking of bread, Jesus appeared. Do you think he just came from heaven at the time? No, he was there all the time. He never left them. In other words, from bread to bread, he disappeared, he reappeared. Take this to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Primarily till he comes means when he comes in the clouds to get all of us in the rapture. But till he comes, keep on taking till he comes can also mean till he comes to manifest himself to you. I don't know about you. I'm blessed. I think you are, you are really ready right now to take the communion. Are you ready? All right, pass the communion elements. You have it, right? In your hands? Are you ready, people? Now remember, it's not about being conscious of your own disease. It's being conscious of Jesus. Amen? Being conscious of Him. I'm going to say this again. Surely. Are you going to say it? Right? Don't. When you come to church, uh, I want to tell the pastors also. It, it, it's as, as if the pastors must lead you word for word. I think we're going to stop doing that. You're big enough. All right? And old enough. It's your own prayer to God. Once in a while, we'll lead you, okay? But make it your own prayer. Don't let Pastor Lawrence kiss the girl for you. Amen? You know, the word worship is kiss, to kiss the Lord. You got to kiss the Lord yourself. Amen? You know what to say. But the principle is this, be conscious of the Lord. He says, do this in remembrance of me, not yourself, not your problems, not your disease. Stop thinking about yourself. It's about Him. Look at Him, how beautiful He is, like the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Look at how majestic He is, how full of mercy, kindness, tender mercy, goodness. How loving He is, how compassionate. He didn't have to, but He chose to come down, to die on the cross for our sins. But before He hung on the cross, He chose to go to the whipping post, the scourging, and they beat Him, and they beat Him again, and they beat Him again. And by His stripes, we are healed. By His wound, by His stripe, the back was so lacerated. See that right now in the Spirit. See that? When that stripe fell on His back, your cancer died. Your tumour disappeared. When that stripe fell on His back, your blood pressure was normalised. When that stripe fell on his back, your sleeplessness and insomnia disappeared. By that stripe, whatever your condition is, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. By your stripe, I am healed of. Tell him right now, by your stripe, I'm healed of. Might be more than one thing, but just tell him, by your stripe, I thank you, Lord. It's a time of thanksgiving, not pleading. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe. It has been done. 
You're not going to ask Him to do it again. You are thanking Him. It's a time of eulogia, thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. By your stripe, I am healed in my heart. By your stripe, I am healed from forgetfulness. By your stripe, I am healed in my brain. By your stripe, I am healed in my memory faculties. By your stripe, I am healed in my ankle joints. By your stripe, I am healed in my knees, whatever it is. But see it. Don't just repeat like a parrot. See it. See it. See Him bearing the stripes. When you're ready, partake. up the cup in the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of all your sins you are not partaking remember this to be forgiven you are drinking because you are forgiven if you're not safe you haven't believed in Christ yet this is not for you put down the elements it's only for believers and you are forgiven of all your sins because his blood was shed now when you drink, drink in the consciousness that all your sins have been forgiven. There's no unforgiven sin in your life because of the blood of Jesus. And know that through the blood of Jesus, there is no curse in your life, no curse in your family. Christ has redeemed you through His blood from every curse. Let me drink. Amen. If you are here, friend, and you've never put your trust in Christ, God will not force salvation into your life. He waits to be invited. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. If that is you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead as my shepherd, as my savior, as my high priest. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, stand to your feet. If you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God. From this day forth, you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Look at you. I don't know about you, but there's a glory cloud like all over this place. You know, throughout the entire preaching, there's been like a glory cloud. He shows up. He, so, he shows up. Lift your hands. The Lord bless you this coming week. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord keep you and your loved ones throughout this week from all infection, from all terror, from all fear, from dangers, accidents, from tragedies. The Lord keep you and your loved ones in your families from all the harmful effects of the haze. The Lord keep you and your loved ones from all danger, from all evil. The Lord favors you. He smiles on you this coming week. See the favor of God all over you. See God smiling on you. Amen. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. He's pleased with you. You are in Jesus' place. Amen. He treats you like Jesus. Amen. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you 
great well-being, shalom, because the punishment for that shalom has been paid. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But don't go just yet. If you'd like to receive prayer, share your testimony, or find out more about Gospel Partner, just click the link on this screen. If not, I'll see you in the next episode. And they drank the same spiritual drink, and they drank from the rock that followed them, who was Christ. And drinking again. Church, do you know that everything that happened to man is because man ate his way into all this mess? Ah, did you hear what I said? Adam opened his big mouth. Number one. All right? And he ate everything God said not to eat. So you can say any curse you mentioned, any evil in this world, anything that our, the governments of the nations are, are, are worried about, are concerned for, uh, uh, economic shortage, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, trials, and God never made this earth to be like that. God even counts death as an enemy. God hates death. God hates sin. You know what God did with sin? He put it on Jesus. God loves sinners. How much does God hate sin? As much as God loves the sinner. Ah, let me explain. You got somebody you love very much who has cancer. Do you love the cancer? No, of course not. But the cancer is in your loved one. Now, question. How much do you hate the cancer? Must be answered with another question. How much do you love your loved one? Because the more you love your loved one, to the degree you love your loved one, to the degree you hate the cancer. So God loves you, but God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is because God loves you. And sin is destroying everything that God has that's good that is harmonious, that is peaceful, that is health, that is life for you and for your families. God is not a, a joy killer. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Pleasures forevermore. When Jesus in the upper room, in a few hours, He knew He'll be betrayed. In fact, He just sent Judas out. Night. When Judas went out. What a poetic way of saying. It was night. Just look at his disciples and say, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you. Can you imagine a, 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 a man looking like he's baptized in lemonade juice? Looking at you. These things I speak to you. <sighs> that my joy remain in you. Peter will say, Lord, uh, I think you need it more than us. <laughs> Alright? You need every little joy you need. Alright? I think we have our own problems. So, the thing is this. It must not be a picture like that. It must be a person who is strong, smiling. Even though in a few hours' time, he knew he would lay down his life for our sins. Looking at them. Hey guys, these things I tell you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And don't let it be afraid. Amen. These things I speak to you that my joy might remain in you. 
and that your joy might be full. Uh, Pastor Prangs, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. Brother, do that. Since you brought that up, can you tell me where's the verse taken from? I don't know. I'll tell you. It's taken in Isaiah 53. All right, he became a man of sorrows because of his suffering. The only time he was a man of sorrows was when he, he went through the cross, the surging, the beating. He took, because it was a transaction. He took our sins, we take his righteousness. He took, he took our sorrows and we take his joy. He became a curse that we might be blessed. That curse part, I've still not, not recovered from it. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that reading Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The Son of God became a curse for us to redeem us from the... It's not just, you know, he took, he took some curse. He became a curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on all of us. Don't let it go to waste, people. Come on. You're listening, people? So, he wants a joyful church, so they... Wow, so much just from that, that side. All right, I'm gonna show you the background of the same chapter to show you it's about eating and drinking. And by the way, if you look at the rest of the remaining chapter of chapter 10, it talks about eating, whatever you eat, do all to the glory of God, about eating and drinking. And that's why the very next chapter, okay, it talks about the Apostle Paul saying, now it's 1 Corinthians 11, guys, I received from the Lord Jesus what I, I delivered to you. That the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. The Apostle Paul, in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Why was it that in chapter 11, Paul had to say, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Gone to Peter. He could have gone to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper. Yet, the Lord Jesus, the present day, glorified, ascended Christ, thought that communion is so important that He would give a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul. And Paul himself said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you the same night he was betrayed. In other words, he didn't get it from Matthew. He didn't get it from Mark, Luke, or John. He got it from the Lord. Do you think the present day Lord in heaven at the Father's right hand deem it is important that you have a revelation of it? I know, all depending on there are churches, there are denominations today that, that don't even have communion anymore. There are those who have it once in two months. There are those who have it once a month. There are those who only have the bread. But let me tell you this. I believe the devil is trying to minimize the way out. He's trying to negate. He's trying to cover your eyes from the way out. Are you listening, people? Hmm? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the context. All right? Verse 13, okay. Now the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the context is very, very clear, people. All right, it's talking, because all of a sudden it talks about communion. Doesn't make sense. 
And knowing the Apostle Paul, he is a very systematic right, a teacher. Okay, he's very intelligent. But when it comes to the Bible, God orchestrates everything. No verse is taken out of context. I've shown you the verses before. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Now, let's go to verse 16 on the screen. Have a blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This word communion is the word koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. All right? Association. It's not just fellowship. You can have fellowship with me, but I just met you yesterday. All right? In other words, it's, it's a fellowship, but it's a fellowship over tea, all right? Kind of association. But, but the word down there is actually intimate. It's intimate participation. Intimate participation. This word would be used also um, in the idea of a husband and a wife being intimate. They say things to each other, all right? There are things that they say and do that no one else is privy to. They're intimately participating. The thoughts, spirit, soul, and body, okay? That's the idea of communion. Are you with me so far? Are you blessed? Amen. Amen? Now, keep that in mind, okay? What is that? Communion. Then the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Now, it's not saying that we are all partaking of each other. There are those who teach when you, when you take the bread, remember this, the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus never said, this is the mystical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But when you took the bread, when the bread is with the cup of wine, it's always his physical body. This is my body. He's not referring to the mystical body that was to come. Are you listening? And he is very precise. We though many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. In other words, we are one bread, one body now because we all partake of Jesus' body. You got it? Okay. Observe Israel after the flesh. We go back to ancient Israel. Look at Israel after the flesh. When they offer an offering, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? I want to tell you something. It is in your interest today. If your body is suffering, if there has been a prognosis, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have told you, let me just tell you this. It is in your interest to partake of the benefits of the cross. Your question is, how can I do it? Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? The altar is the cross. The altar back then in Israel's temples, there are four corners. It's a picture of the cross. That's where the, the lambs are placed. That's where the, 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 the body of the bullock is placed. That's where the sacrifice is laid. The burnt offering is laid there. It's four corners because one day, this antitype will be Jesus on the cross with the four corners to the north, south, east, and west for God so loved the world. The benefit is efficacious to the four corners of the earth. Can I have a good amen? All right, so don't forget the altar is, the altar is the place of the cross. Now, how do we partake? The million dollar question that church, the church of Jesus Christ have is that, I know he bore my diseases, not just my sins, but how do I partake that? How do I have access to it? How do I become a koinonia, an intimate participation, a participator, a, a, a sharer of what happened? How can I be a sharer of the benefits of the blood and the benefits of the bread. Observe Israel are not those who eat. In other words, when you eat, 
the bread and drink the cup, a partaker of what Jesus did at the cross. Are you listening, people? I'm going to read to you some testimonies. If I have time, maybe just one testimony, but it's going to bless you. This guy's Joshua from Kingdom. I was safe when I was nine. However, my experience of church was more about living a good Christian life rather than receiving the grace of Christ. I felt like a hypocrite trying to deal unsuccessfully with my feelings of guilt and shame. As a result, I spent my teen and much of my adult years away from God. Four years ago, I began to attend church once again. I met someone in a life group who introduced me to Joseph Prince Ministries. I began watching Pastor Prince's messages whenever I could. Slowly, the message of grace in Christ began its healing in my heart. The more I listened, the more my wrong beliefs were replaced with the gospel. For six months, I would tear up uncontrollably every time I heard of the grace and truth that Jesus died to give us. Even though I was safe as a child, I would rarely ever share my beliefs with anyone because I felt like a hypocrite. Now I share the grace of Christ with anyone who is willing to listen. One Sunday, I even shared a testimony with my church. For 26 years, I suffered from having painful warts on the soles of my feet. I tried every medical means, including painful laser surgery to get rid of them, but nothing helped. When I was invited to a barbecue a while ago, I asked if we could partake of the Holy Communion together. As I had watched Pastor Prince's messages on the healing power of the Holy Communion and read his book on the Holy Communion, I shared my newfound beliefs about the significance of discerning the Lord's body and the communion elements with the group. After taking the communion together, we prayed and sang hymns about our Lord's sacrifice and His love. In my prayer, I cursed the words on my feet that had also spread to my hands. Weeks later, don't forget, he's been suffering for 26 years from this condition. A laser and everything else, nothing helped. Weeks later, the warts on my hands were gone. In the weeks that followed, my feet were also healed and are now completely free from warts. All glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't come because you say that, oh, I'm, I'm going to try the communion. All right? It's not a matter of trying. It's faith. Think. It's, not, it's not a matter of that, okay, I go through it. The whole thing is empty. Empty of meaning, empty of... And, 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 and if you don't watch it, you're partaking unworthily. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, singular reason, singular reason, when the body of Christ says that, you know, we need to lay hands on each other and command this, command that, and all that, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But the norm for a believer, usually they command devils to come out and people to be healed for sinners out there. Believers seems in the first century church seems to be walking in divine health. It's better to have health than healing. I said it's better to have health than healing. But if you're sick, go for healing. But don't stay there. Don't leave from healing to healing. Start to walk in health. So the believers will break bread house daily. I repeat, you didn't get that. They'll break bread from house to house daily. And we think we are, you know, some people think we are extreme. We have it once a week. Well, the early church in the book of Acts, upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Who was the guest speaker for that one? The Apostle Paul. 
Remember, Paul was a speaker. Doesn't say upon the first day of the week they came together to hear Paul. They came together to break bread. Acts 20. You have time, you read it. And while Paul was long preaching, <laughs> while Paul was long preaching, a young man was sitting on a window. All right, there were three floors. Everything is symbolic as well. Three floors, the third heaven. All believers are seated with Christ in the third heaven. So the young boy's name is given. Why? There is a meaning for the church. His name is Eutychus. Any EU means good in, in, in Greek. Eutychus means good fortune. He fell asleep. He didn't listen to Paul's preaching. And he fell three floors and died. Now, why is the church... How come the church has been robbed of good fortune? Eutychus. Paul's preaching. Just like the sh another, another story in Acts, the ship of Christendom had Paul on it, but they refused to listen to Paul. When they, had, they faced shipwreck, Paul said, you should have listened to me. We need to listen to Paul in Revelation, especially of grace. God gave it to Paul. Amen. All scriptures are inspired. All scriptures are important. But not everything is written to us for the church. Some are written to the Jew, and some are written to us. And Paul is the one that said, I received from the Lord about the communion. Come on. Are you listening, people? All right? So here we go. All right? After he fell, by the way, it's good news. They came together to what? Break bread. Not to hear Paul preach. So the guy fell. And Paul went down. And Paul hugged him. You know, we got to embrace this young generation with the Pauline revelation of grace, the gospel of grace. Are you listening? We need to embrace them. Amen. Even they are dead. We got to embrace them. We got to make them feel warm with the gospel of grace. And guess what? Paul says, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. His life is in him. He raised him from the dead. Now, if something like this happened in church, we'll say, hallelujah, praise God, amen? Have a time of praise and then send everybody back. But not Paul. Paul went back up, brought everybody, plus the guy who raised from the dead, brought good fortune back to the third heavens, amen? Where the church is. And guess what? They broke bread. Priorities. First things first. Even though someone raised from the dead, still go back, break bread. Don't forget where the power comes from. That's the early church. Look it up when you have time, when you're sitting on your own white throne, all right? Read Acts 20. It's always good to have a Bible near your white throne or pink throne or green throne, whatever it is. Okay, there are different colors now this. What are you talking about, Pastor Prince? He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. For this reason, singular reason, only one reason in the church, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Sleep death, die. Behold, I speak, I speak plainly. In those days, they sleep. For a believer, death holds no more terror. There's no more sting. Jesus conquered death. So for a believer, they say they fall asleep. A sinner dies. A believer sleeps. Until Jesus raised his body from the dead. All right? But look at this. One reason, for one reason, not reasons. I check it out in the Greek. The word reason is singular. Many, kind of wish he said few. Many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. What's the reason? What's the reason? There. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the key's unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if I tell you, and you're suffering from malaria, and I say, I got quinine tablets, take this quinine tablets. You say, I, I refuse to. I'll put it in the water, all right? Okay, now drink it. 
drink it. And you say, I don't need a quinine business. And all. You are drinking damnation to yourself by not drinking the solution. The world as it is, is dying. As if, oh, you have sinned, you take the Lord's Supper, then you die. No, no, no. The world is dying. That's why the same chapter says that God doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. There's a condemnation in this world that was released, a divine sentence that was released ever since Adam sinned. Divine sentence includes sickness. Communion is the way out. It's the ekbasis. Are you listening, people? Amen? So, not discerning the Lord's body. So the promise that they knew the cup, majority of denominations that practice church denomination, and I speak this with a heavy heart, they have communion. But many a times, they lump the bread and the cup as one. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. You died for our sins. Hardly mention disease. They're not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning, diacrino, to make a separation between the bread and the cup. Why was he scourged? Why, why didn't God just, God, God arrange everything? Why didn't God just send him straight to the cross? Why didn't Pilate just send him to the cross? Why must he go via the scourging and then the cross? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Are you listening? God loves you. God wants you well. Amen. God wants you well. Amen. Pastor Prince, I took communion before. I thought, take again. The disciples took it from house to house in one day. You know how many times that is? You know how many houses there were? Every time they come to a new house, there's somebody sick. So they take again and they got the benefit. They broke bread daily, not only daily, from house to house. And knowing these disciples, they can cross miles like Jesus. They, they, Jesus would, would walk without any, uh, uh, any uh, transportation. Walk with feet. Across rough terrains. That's his exercise. Running is an animal that's invented later on. Walking is, is Jesus' style of exercise. Long distance. Amen. Don't write to me again. All right. For this reason, many. So if you reverse the thing, if you discern the Lord's body, yes, his body was broken that my body might be put together. Amen. I see my, my high blood pressure carried away by Jesus' body. I see his body judged. His healthy body was judged that my body might be healed. You are discerning. Now you are eating worthily. God is not saying an unworthy person cannot eat. It's not an unworthy man. It's an unworthy manner. The adverb, okay? An adverb means an action that modifies, is the way, modifies the verb. It's how you eat. You're not eating with discernment. In fact, those people were partying in the First Corinthians church. They were, they were drinking and they were gluttons. There's gluttony going on at the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, it's very hard for gluttony to happen <laughs> and, and drunkenness because this is our elements. It's hard to partake unworthily. So our promise, we partake without revelation. And that's why I'm preaching this. So that people who are going through something, they can listen to this again and again and again and again. And those of you who are well off, you might not think, right, there's no need for me and all that. Trust me, you will need this. Amen? So for this reason, we can reverse it. If you discern the Lord's body, for this reason, many are strong Many are healthy and many live long. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. Isaiah 53 is the Magna Carta of the entire Old Testament. It's the culmination. Everything is, this is the greatest chapter of the, of the book of Isaiah. 
It talks about our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. Aren't you glad He loves you? you look up here. I want to address this because this is very important. Jesus did not, wasn't murdered. Jesus says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. No man takes this power from me. And that's why more than one time they tried to stone him, they could not. He walked right in their midst. More than one time they tried to kill Jesus, they could not. My hour is not yet come. He has power. When they came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane, soldiers brandishing staves and swords, strong soldiers, they came, a legion of them came to arrest him. And, and he asked, whom do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he stepped forward and spoke the awesome, the august name of God that God revealed to Moses. I am. When they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, he stepped forward. I am. Moses asked God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am that I am. And now the I am said, I am. You know what happened to all those soldiers? They fell backwards. That's power, okay? He was not arrested because he can't help it. He allowed himself. Then he says, you have found me. Let these disciples go. Are you listening, people? Amen? He laid down. I believe he laid down on the cross. That's one of the things that convinced one of the thieves that this is a different man. That's what caused even the hardcore, hardened uh, centurion, Roman centurion at the cross said when he died, certainly this is the Son of God. I'm telling you, church, he didn't have to die. He loved you. I say he loved you. You know, he cares for your, your pain right now. It's not just for the, you know, for the eternal and, and while the sweet and by, by, you know, it's like uh, uh, one day, you know, all these sufferings will stop, you know. Uh, no, he wants you to be healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Are you there, Pastor Prince? I don't see Christians there and all that. Let me explain to you, okay, about something about God. We have received so many testimonies of people who begin to discover. One of the biggest testimonies we receive is that people are delivered from drug addictions, pornography, addiction, all right, by confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it became a revelation that Jesus took their sin and they take Jesus as their righteousness, the divine exchange. So the more they confess that, how many know that many a times your feeling says, no, you're, you're a porn addict. But who you are before God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your thoughts will say, no, you, 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 you need this drink. You need this drink. All right? You can never break it. All right? But God looks at you and God says, you are my righteousness in Christ. Now, what happened is that even though while we have received so many testimonies, go to josephprince.com and go to the testimonial section. You can read for yourself. The, peop, the number of people that confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, even while they're in their sin. And how one day the desire for porn, the desire for drinking, the desire for drugs just fell off. Depression just leaves. Are you listening? So what I'm saying is that even though you still have symptoms of sin in your life, do not identify yourself with sin. That's not who you are. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the more you identify with who you are, it does not mean you don't sin anymore. You may sin, all right? But you will sin less and less. 
Are you listening, people? All right? The more you identify yourself uh, with the truth, and this is the truth. We're not trying to pretend you are, Pastor Prince, you know, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. I feel I want this wrong thing. How can you say I'm the righteousness of God? Are you born again? Yes. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That one guy told the pastor just after he got married, the pastor pronounced them husband and wife, and he brought the pastor one side and said, Pastor, I don't feel married. The pastor shook him. You are married! <laughs> if I'm that pastor, I won't be shaking him. I'll be shaking him! Exclamation point. Amen? So, same thing as in sin, the more you identify, even though there's sin in you, the more you identify the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't mean you don't sin. You sin less and less and less. Now watch this. The more you identify with the fact that Jesus took your diseases and start to do that, is the truth. The more you do that, the more you take communion, doesn't mean you won't fall sick. But you'll fall sick less and less and less. My advice Start now. Start to identify with the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth. Why? If you believe a lie, like for example, the devil says, you are you're dirty, you are unclean, and you go to God. Oh God, I, I just sinned again when I promised you last time I will not. I, I'm so unclean, I, I'm useless and all that. The Holy Spirit is just in abeyance. It's like he folds his, his hands. There's nothing for him to bear witness. You're, you're telling lies. Telling lies, you're telling lies. Nothing but lies. You're just telling lies, Nacho. It's all lies. And you know who's the father of lies, right? So, the more you utter lies, but I feel it! Go ahead. Say what you feel. What God said. Viewpoint, the paradigm for all of us to look through is the eyes of the one who is the truth. Many a child have died looking at a swimming pool with their eyes, thinking it's shallow. It looks shallow, it feels shallow, it's killed many. It'll go by God's word. A famous man, very famous, a few years ago, famous family, but all the family sort of experienced one tragedy after another, many of the people in the family. And uh, finally, uh, he was with his wife and a friend on his, one of his first flights. But because he went through a storm, it was dark. And I watched this on, on Net Geo. They were trying to find the root cause for the, the crash. His plane crash. Very handsome man. And they said that they, the conclusion was this, right? That because he didn't have much experience, when you fly in the dark, you can't tell you're going up, you're going down. You feel like you're going straight when actually you're going down. In other words, the feeling, they call it fly by the seat of your pants. You go by your feeling instead of trusting your instrument. But your instrument is saying you're going down. But your feeling is saying you're going straight. Friend, this is God's instrument. This is God's instrument. God says He bore our diseases. With His stripes, we are healed. But your body says, no, I don't feel it. Start taking. I, don't, I didn't say the more you identify, all right, you have no more sickness from now on. But start somewhere and you'll find as you sin less and less, when you identify with your new identity in Christ, the more you identify yourself with the, with the fact that you are healed by His stripes, you will be sick, but less and less. Okay? All right. So Isaiah says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, this is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Griefs and sorrows 
are the Hebrew word koli and makov. All right, koli is diseases, makov is pains. I remember sharing with one of the uh, Messianic Jewish men who is a, a pastor in Jerusalem, a very dignified man. Today he's with the Lord. Many years ago, I sat down with him and I shared with him, and, and you know he's from the persuasion, he don't believe that uh, uh, healing is for today. All right, and I shared with him Isaiah 53. And I said, is this, uh, Ma, is this uh, Koli and Markov? He read, he read it. Yeah, mm, mm, mm. Very dignified el elderly man. And I said, is Koli diseases? Or is it spiritual diseases like some scholars try to tell us? He said, no, it's always physical diseases. What about pains? Physical pains. Then he read it, whole thing. Mm, he said, hmm. He was very interested. All right, look at Young's, who is a Young's translation of the Bible. Or Young is an amazing scholar, Young's Concordance, strong and Young's. You must have three concordance in your life. Strong concordance, Young's Concordance, and Crudence. So you become Young, strong, and crude. All right, so look at Young's translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. Is there another quotation of this? Yes. Thank God for Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8. Matthew 8 that it might be fulfilled, this New Testament, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And here refers to physical infirmities and weaknesses and infirmities and diseases and pains. Very, very clear. Uh, Pastor Prince, uh, are you sure? Okay, since you're not convinced, huh, your little voice of unbelief, let me show you verse 16, the context. Don't take the verse out of context. The context, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. So there's deliverance from demons. And healed all. I'm so glad he healed all. I wonder if people read their Bibles. I say, I wonder if people read their Bibles. He didn't heal everybody in Israel. He healed all who came to him. Keep that in mind. Healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, took our infirmities. So it's very clear the context refers to physical diseases, physical healing. Bible, interpret Bible. Amen. Okay, go back to Isaiah 53. Go to verse 5 now. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed, by the way. Crushed is the correct word. Not bruised. It's not as if you got a bruise, blue and black. All right? He was crushed for our wickedness. Jesus was crushed for our wickedness. The, now watch this, watch this. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The punishment required in the Hebrew, the well-being is the word shalom. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The punishment with a view to your well-being. When Jesus took the punishment, he got up again and again. I believe he fell. Then he got up again. So that all those of you with late troubles, you will stand. Hallelujah. Amen. So those of you who cannot walk, he fell down as he carried the cross so that you will walk. 
Amen. The lacerations cut off all the important nerves for you to walk. And yet he walked again. No wonder he fell and fell until they had called Simon to help him. Because he bore all this for you and I. And by his stripe, and by the, by the way, the word stripe in the Greek, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripe, we are healed. It's singular, singular stripe. T.J. Necrosson, a Greek scholar, said this many years ago. Crossan is an amazing Greek scholar. And T.J. Necrosson says, if Jesus was beaten, the stripes on his back left sleevers of flesh, the word in the Greek should be plural, stripes. But if they beat Jesus until there's no more skin left, which the Bible says in Psalms, I look and I can see my bones. What happened to Jesus? There's no more skin left. Then the singular should be used by his entire stripe. We are healed. I told you he loves you. He didn't have to go through that. He loved you. With the first strike, your cancer died. Your blood pressure is gone. Your disease in your heart cleared out. Every artery softened and cleared out. Thank God for science. Thank thank God for medicine. But they cannot do what the stripes can. Sometimes they, they, they give you this medicine, but then they tell you, you, got, you have another problem because of this medicine. So you must take this medicine to counter this problem that this medicine does. Now you got to have this medicine to counter this problem. That's medicine. And then they tell about all the contraindications. Are you listening, people? The punishment for our well-being fell on him. The punishment for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, go back to uh, New King James. By his stripes, we are healed. Let me just tell you this. The word stripes is kavura. Kavura. Say kavura. Kavura. Okay. Now, kavura means stripe and wound. Of years, I found out, because I love Hebrew, I'm studying Hebrew as much as I can, make some tea and coffee. <laughs> so my wife can say, he knows Hebrew. Oh, Pastor Prince, that's so corny. I know, I know. But when I was studying Hebrew, I found out that the word stripes, kavura, not only mean the stripes on his back, but also is the word for fellowship, association. Which kavura are you from? So I check it out with those in Israel, until today, they will tell you, which kavura are you from? Which association? Which fellowship are you from? Until today, kavura. Kavura has two meanings. Why did God, who invented, created Hebrew, all right? Why did God put kavura as stripe as well as fellowship? Go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the intimate participation? This is the Greek, koinonia. In Hebrew, it is, now I've found. But so for years, now, since I know, go back to, uh, go back to, uh, yeah, Isaiah. Since I know by his stripes we are healed, 
Please understand, his stripes were real. The stripes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, that's the primary interpretation. But hidden in it, God tells us how to partake of it. God says, it's by fellowship with those stripes. For years, my part is I went home from Israel, scratched my head and said, Kavura, by his association. What do I do? I worship and just fellowship with him. What do I, what, can God just give me a verse in the Bible that says this is fellowship with him? Guess what? I found it in 1 Corinthians, all right? Where it says, last thing is communion with the blood of Christ. You take the bread, it is communion with the body of Christ. Wow! This is how I fellowship with the body of Christ. There was strike for my healing. Mm. I tell you, if you're sick, you should have a big piece of bread at home. You should have a, a glass of, uh, I don't even recommend wine if you take a lot in, in a day. You know, darling, I'm sorry, but Pastor Prince says, you know, I got to take a lot in one day. So I bought this wine. You must understand, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. And don't, don't give me that nonsense, okay? It's a bad testimony to be drunk, okay? It's a bad testimony. So let me just tell you this. Have a piece of bread. You don't need our cups, okay? You don't need our cups. Uh, but Pastor Prince, your, your, why, why you all designed that way? Must it be that way? Forget the cups. It's for convenience purpose. But even a crumb can drive the devil out of that woman's daughter. So it, it's not how big, how small, okay? It is, it is your revelation of it. So it's not a matter of like, and by the way, if you're not safe, do not partake of the Lord's Supper. In a while's time, we'll have the Lord's Supper. I thought that today we'll have it at the end. Because your faith, your revelation, when you take it with revelation, something happens. It's not an empty heart, an empty mind partaking. The whole thing becomes empty. It's just a ritual. Okay? I'm bringing this to a close. Are you blessed? Yes. We're coming to a close right now. Then I want to read to you another testimony. I suffered severe postal depression after giving birth to a wonderful baby, Margaret from United Kingdom said. I felt as if the whole world was upon my shoulders and the depression got so bad that I wanted to end my life. How many know there are people with depression who want to end their life? However, the glorious smile of my baby kept me going. One day, my brother introduced me to Pastor Joseph Prince's television program. Even though I was a Christian, I had never heard anyone preach the gospel like Pastor Prince. His messages helped me understand my wonderful identity in Christ and how much God loves me. Wow, this turned my life around. I started to watch his programs daily and recorded all of them. I also began confessing my righteousness in Christ and partaking of the Holy Communion, remembering whose I am. Since then, my life has never been the same. I no longer suffer from postnatal depression. Light in my marriage, my children's lives, and in my family. My household is now blessed daily with God's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Prince, what about for those loved ones in the hospital? Can you take communion for them? The next one I'm going to read to you. All right, listen to the story because one day you, you'll find this might really help with some relative or whatever, okay? This is Colin from India. In October 2015, Rama, the mother-in-law of my wife's sister, was admitted to the hospital after suffering a stroke that paralyzed the right side of her body. She also had an extremely high blood sugar level, which can aggravate strokes. Her attending doctor also found that her esophagus was twisted and inserted a feeding tube to pre prevent her from choking on her food or drink. My wife and I had shared Pastor Prince's DVD sermons on the Holy Communion and anointing oil with Depeche, 
Rama's son. When he arrived at the hospital, he prayed for Rama with the anointing oil. Within five minutes, she moved her right hand. The family also partook of the Holy Communion. Despite being another city, we partook in faith with them. You can do that. All right, the Lord can heal from a distance, no problem. Amen. That, that, that night, Rama regained full mobility in her right arm. That night. But could not stand as the balance was off. The next day, she walked around the ward twice on her own without any loss of balance. Stroke, you know, with uh, high blood sugar. However, she started coughing out the milk given to her. The doctor wanted to reinsert the feeding tube, which was a painful procedure. But Rama managed to avoid it as she was able to eat normally after the tube was removed. Her esophagus was also no longer twisted. On the fourth day, Rama was discharged. Another patient with the same condition as Rama and admitted on the same day and had not even opened his eyes. Admitted the same day, the person on the fourth day, the eyes are still closed. My wife's brother, who is a doctor, told us that Rama's recovery was medically impossible. Blood sugar level was unstable for the week that followed. We shared with her what we had learned from Pastor Prince about letting go and letting God take care of her. That night, Rama and her daughter partook. Now Rama herself partook, all right? What, when your, your loved one is unconscious or in the hospital, what you can partake on behalf of your loved one. But once the person is awake, now she's participating. That night, Rama and her daughter partook of the Holy Communion and told the Lord that they cannot, but He can. Her blood sugar level stabilized after that. Rama is now a committed believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. Amen. The final part is something that I think uh, will be very interesting, interesting for those of you who feel like, like uh, your age is advancing. All right? When I was 12 years old, I thought 30 was very old. <laughs> and then I hit 30. Then I thought being 40 was very, very old. I remember when, when my mom was 40, when my mom was 30, you know, I thought she was very old. You know, y'all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. But whatever age you put down there as the age of growing old, I just want to let you know something. Okay. The Bible says this in Psalms 92. Look up here. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon is a very famous cedar. By the way, let me show you a cedar, a picture of a cedar. It's a majestic tree, beautiful tree. And the cedars of Lebanon is the cedars that's used for the Temple of Solomon, the most expensive building ever built as a house of God. It's majestic. All right? Now, Psalms 92 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree, even 100 years old, can still produce oil. Isn't it amazing? A palm tree is so fruitful, you see all kinds of seeds everywhere. Yeah, oh, come on, come on, come on. Old age, still fruitful. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen? The cedar uh, wood, by the way, the seed, I learned this when I was in the Rockies uh, uh, many years ago with Wendy. For a holiday, we passed by cedars and I stopped because it's interesting the Bible, you know, I want to learn as much as I can. And the little, uh, uh, all the cedars that were there, there was, there was a write up and they said that the cedar wood is practically incorruptible. No insect can successfully destroy it. In fact, 
the beautiful perfume smell of the cedar drives away all these parasites. That's why they have cedar blocks that you can put in among your clothes. Amen? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the cause of our God. Don't just come to church. Be planted. Don't just come to church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, you know where? Outside in your workplace. Outside in your family. Amen? Those who are planted here will flourish in the courts. The courts is outside. Okay, next verse. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Old age, the age is old, but the person is not because the person is still bearing fruit. Grandpa, grandma, this is for you. Your age can be an old age. You tell people your age and they say, what? All right, but you are still bearing fruit. They say that when you come to a certain age, they use the word dry up, right? <laughs> Abraham considered not his own body now dead, dried up. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We don't consider the natural things. Consider God's word. So, so far, has Pastor Prince taken pains to show you scripture? Have I? Yeah. Okay, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Wow, fresh and flourishing. I wish I can show you the Hebrew. Fresh there is the word dashen, which is the word for stalwart, vigorous. This man in his old age is vigorous. You know what's vigorous or not? Solid, lah, brother. <laughs> You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says that even the youth shall faint. Youth shall faint. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the secret? They that wait upon the Lord. Write this down somewhere. The word for, listen, the word for they that wait upon the Lord is the word join together, fellowship. Kava. The word is kava in Hebrew. Kava means like a rope intertwined. You and the Lord intertwine and you will run and not be weary. You will mount up with wings as eagles. God will renew your youth like Caleb at the age of 85. He told, Moses, he told Joshua, give me this mountain. Like Moses at the age of 120 when he died, the Bible says his eyesight was not dim, neither his natural force abated. God did it for them. And Moses was under law. Caleb was under law. How much more? We have a better covenant. Their law was based, their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Our covenant is based on the imperishable, beautiful, precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are you listening, people? So what's the key, Pastor Prince? What's the key? They shall be fresh, is vigorous. Flourishing is Rahanan in Hebrew, which means green. Literally, today, when they say green, they use this word Rahanan. You will be vigorous and evergreen. Are you like that? When you look at a tree, the tree is 100 over years old, but it's all green. Yes, 30, 40, 
Already? Brown. Evergreen. You can be evergreen. Why does God want this? Why does God want this in his people? All right? It's not just for you, you know, to declare, to testify that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. So the people around will, will see God is being declared. God is a good God. He's an upright God. When he sees, when they look at God's people and they see this, whoa, amen. But it doesn't tell you how, right? The first part, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So a key there is cedar in Lebanon, okay? So these people, in their old age, they still bear fruit. They are still green. They are still vigorous. It doesn't tell you what they did, right? Yeah, for that, you must come back next week. <laughs> Would you like to know now? Yes. But it's about time. Yes. Huh? You want it now? Yes. Only one verse, okay? Look at this. Look at this. Say Cedar in Lebanon. Lebanon. When God gave me this, I know this passage for a long time already. When God gave me this in my room, I nearly went to the rooftop. Because for years, I, I, I salivate over this. <laughs> Did a breast stroke in my saliva. It was like, it's like, man, bring fruit in old age, evergreen, vigorous, bearing fruit flourishing out there in the courts. Man, ah, like the cedar of Lebanon, like a palm tree, I salivate. And then, bang, in, during one, one of my studies, God says, the, see the key? He'll grow like, not just a palm tree, but a cedar in Lebanon. Interpret Bible. Let me show you this verse in Psalms 104. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. When you are, just now that, that, that passage also full of sap, right? Evergreen, full of sap. Bring forth fruit in old age, full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon which he planted. Aha, that's our key. If you think he's referring just to trees, think again. Like God says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, do you think God cares for oxen? Of course, God cares for animals. But do you think when God says, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the wheat, let him eat. Don't cover his mouth. Don't be like a Singaporean. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. All right? And uh, so God says, let, let, let him eat. And then he's like, do you think God cares for the oxen? No. Paul says, God is caring for the minister who trash out the word of God. Let him be blessed. Amen. Let him be blessed. It is his Amen. job. Yep. Let him get paid. It's his job. Amen. All right? Paul talked about that in Corinthians. You can read about it. That's not my message today. Okay? What I'm trying to say, when God gives an illustration about not muzzling the ox, God is thinking of full-time ministers. Yep. Ministers that depend on the people's free will giving. Yep. All right? God says, don't forget, allow him to eat. Yep. Watch this. When God talks about the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, he's talking about cedars of Lebanon, it's people, they shall still bring forth fruit. It's illustration. How you can be incorruptible. How you can be full of sap. How you can be green. How you can be, be uh, strong. Would you like that? Yes. Context. Bible interpret Bible and context is important. Look at the verse before this. God gives wine that makes glad the heart of man. 
God gives oil, the Holy Spirit, to make His face shine. And God gives bread, which strengthens man's heart. And I'm telling you, the only bread that can strengthen man's physical heart is the bread of communion. Because by His stripes, we are healed. I'm here to tell you, church, the wine, the bread, is the communion that makes you like the cedars of Lebanon, full of sex. And when I saw this, I'll tell you, I said, whoa! Like, wow! Wow, do you know why I'm preaching this? I'm preaching this so that when your loved one or someone has been given a bad diagnosis, don't just run and take communion with an empty heart, an empty revelation, empty mind. Wait, listen to the sermon. Partake. Something. Some, something will happen because everything about God's things... It must work with faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Are you listening, people? Amen? You know, everything happened because of man's sin. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Everything happened because of man's sin. Man ate from the tree he shouldn't. Guess what? God says, eat your way back into the blessings. Eat your way back into the blessings. Are you listening? By the body of Jesus. It must be the body of Jesus. Remember the disciples in Luke 24? I told you, right? Did I give you Luke 24? I did? I didn't give you Luke 24? Real fast, okay? Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead, same day, real fast, okay? I cannot afford to give you this and then give another service. All right? Y'all will come back. Luke, Luke 24, real quick. Now it came to pass that Jesus sat at the table with them. He took bread. Now this is after he rose from the dead. The same evening, the same evening after he rose from the dead. He's at the place called Emmaus with the two disciples, I believe husband and wife, all right? And he, he took the place of the divine host. He played host. He took the bread. He blessed, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. When did they, their eyes open? When did they know him? When? The whole seven miles, they didn't see him until he broke bread. There's something here, people. There's something here. I believe, I have a whole message on Emmaus Road. I have a whole message on it where God showed me it is actually a replica or rather a picture of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden when man fell, man ate. It's a picture. There are two men and women. There's a couple there. So here there's a couple walking back to Emmaus. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. And then you have, you have uh, the Lord walking with them in the cool of the day. Then you have the Lord Jesus coming here. It's a restoration. Understand, what was lost here was restored here. And then the Bible says, now, because of time, their eyes were close to see Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. Their eyes were restrained. He wanted them to see Him in the Word, not physically. But then, right at the end, over here, what happened? People seduced the woman who seduced the husband to eat the fruit. Their eyes were open, but to the wrong place. Not to God, to themselves. How sinful, how dirty, how, un, how naked you are. But over here, the restoration. Their eyes were open. They didn't see themselves. They saw Him. So can I submit to you, looking at the types, the two stories, can I submit to you? Adam and Eve partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What they didn't partake is the tree of life. Can I submit to you? Communion is the tree of life. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. 
Are you blessed? Yes. Are you blessed? Yes. You know, this is the restoration part. And then you know what happened? He disappeared. By the way, he disappeared. That doesn't mean he left them. He vanished out of their sight. He was still there. He'll never leave them. They walked back seven miles. They just walked seven miles. But after communion, they can walk seven miles again. They went back to find the other disciples and say, Hey, hey, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. Let's follow the story there. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He told the rest. Now watch this. Now as they said these things about the breaking of bread, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Shalom! When they were talking about the breaking of bread, the Lord loves it. That's why he's showing up even now. Amen. As they spoke about the breaking of bread. Jesus appeared. Do you think he just came from heaven at the time? No, he was there all the time. He never left them. In other words, from bread to bread. He disappeared, he reappeared. Take this to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Primarily till he comes means when he comes in the clouds to get all of us in the rapture. But till he comes, keep on taking till he comes can also mean till he comes to manifest himself to you. I don't know about you. I'm blessed. I think you are, you are really ready right now to take the communion. Are you ready? All right, pass the communion elements. You have it, right? In your hands? Are you ready, people? Now remember, it's not about being conscious of your own disease. It's being conscious of Jesus. Amen. Being conscious of Him. I'm going to say this again. Surely. Are you going to say it? Right. Don't. When you come to church, uh, I want to tell the pastors also. It, it's as if the pastors must lead you word for word. I think we have to stop doing that. You are big enough. All right. And old enough. It's your own prayer to God. Once in a while, we'll lead you, okay? But make it your own prayer. Don't let Pastor Lawrence kiss the girl for you. Amen. You know, the word worship is kiss, to kiss the Lord. You got to kiss the Lord yourself. Amen. You know what to say. But the principle is this, be conscious of the Lord. He says, do this in remembrance of me, not yourself, not your problems, not your disease. Stop thinking about yourself. It's about Him. Look at Him, how beautiful He is. Like the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Look at how majestic He is, how full of mercy, kindness, tender mercy, goodness. How loving He is, how compassionate. He didn't have to, but He chose to come down, to die on the cross for our sins. But before He hung on the cross, He chose to go to the whipping post, the scourging, and they beat Him, and they beat Him again. And they beat him again. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his wound, by his stripe, the back was so lacerated. See that right now in the spirit. See that. When that stripe fell on his back, your cancer died. Your tumor disappeared. When that stripe fell on his back, your blood pressure was normalized. When that stripe fell on his back, your sleeplessness, and insomnia disappeared. By that stripe, whatever your condition is, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. By your stripe, I am healed of 
tell him right now, by your stripe, I'm healed of. It might be more than one thing, but just tell him, by your stripe, I thank you, Lord. It's a time of thanksgiving, not pleading. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe. It has been done. You're not going to ask him to do it again. You are thanking him. It's a time of, you low here, thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe, I am healed. In my heart, by your stripe, I am healed from forgetfulness. By your stripe, I am healed in my brain. By your stripe, I am healed in my memory faculties. By your stripe, I am healed in my ankle joints. By your stripe, I am healed in my knees, whatever it is. But see it. Don't just repeat like a parrot. See it. See it. See Him bearing the stripes. When you're ready, partake. lift up the cup in the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of all your sins you are not partaking remember this to be forgiven you are drinking because you are forgiven if you're not safe you haven't believed in Christ yet this is not for you put down the elements it's only for believers and you are forgiven of all your sins because his blood was shed now when you drink, drink in the consciousness that all your sins have been forgiven. There's no unforgiven sin in your life because of the blood of Jesus. And know that through the blood of Jesus, there is no curse in your life, no curse in your family. Christ has redeemed you through His blood from every curse. Me drink. Amen. If you are here, friend, and you've never put your trust in Christ, God will not force salvation into your life. He waits to be invited. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. If that is you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead as my shepherd, as my savior, as my high priest. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. If you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God. From this day forth, you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Look at you. I don't know about you, but there's a glory cloud like all over this place. You know, throughout the entire preaching, there's been like a glory cloud. He shows up. He, so, he shows up. Lift your hands. The Lord bless you this coming week. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord keep you and your loved ones throughout this week from all infection, from all terror, from all fear, from dangers, accidents, from tragedies. The Lord keep you and your loved ones in your families from all the harmful effects of the haze. The Lord keep you and your loved ones from all danger, from all evil. The Lord favors you. He smiles on you. This coming week, see the favor of God all over you. 
See God smiling on you. Amen. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. He's pleased with you. You are in Jesus' place. Amen. He treats you like Jesus. Amen. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you great well-being. Shalom. Because the punishment for that shalom has been paid. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But don't go just yet. If you'd like to receive prayer, share your testimony, or find out more about Gospel Partner, just click the link on this screen. If not, I'll see you in the next episode. And they drank the same spiritual drink, and they drank from the rock that followed them, who was Christ. And drinking again. Church, do you know that everything that happened to man is because man ate his way into all this mess? Ah, did you hear what I said? Adam opened his big mouth. Number one. All right. And he ate everything God said not to eat. So you can say any curse you mentioned, any evil in this world, anything that our, the governments of the nations are, are, are worried about, are concerned for, uh, uh, economic shortage, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, trials, and God never made this earth to be like that. If God even counts death as an enemy. God hates death. God hates sin. You know what God did with sin? He put it on Jesus. God loves sinners. How much does God hate sin? As much as God loves the sinner. Ah, let me explain. You got somebody you love very much who has cancer. Do you love the cancer? No, of course not but the cancer is in your loved one. Now, question, how much do you hate the cancer? Must be answered with another question. How much do you love your loved one? Because the more you love your loved one, to the degree you love your loved one, to the degree you hate the cancer. So God loves you, but God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is because God loves you. And sin is destroying everything that God has that's good that is harmonious, that is peaceful, that is health, that is life for you and for your families. God is not a, a joy killer. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Pleasures forevermore. When Jesus in the upper room, in a few hours, He knew He'll be betrayed. In fact, He just sent Judas out. Night. When Judas went out, what a poetic way of saying, it was night. Just look at his disciples and say, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you. Can you imagine a, 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 a man looking like he's baptized in lemonade juice, looking at you, these things I speak to you. <sighs> that my joy remain in you. Peter will say, Lord, uh, I think you need it more than us. <laughs> Alright? You need every little joy you need. Alright? I think we have our own problems. So, the thing is this. It must not be a picture like that. It must be a person who is strong, smiling. Even though in a few hours' time, he knew he would lay down his life for our sins. Looking at them. Hey guys, these things I tell you. 
peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Amen. These things I speak to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. A pastor prays. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows. Brother, do that. Since you brought that up, can you tell me where's the verse taken from? I don't know. I'll tell you. It's taken in Isaiah 53. All right. He became a man of sorrows because of his suffering. The only time he was a man of sorrows was when he, he went through the cross, the surging, the beating. He took, because it was a transaction. He took our sins. We take his righteousness. He took, he took our sorrows. And we take his joy. Amen. He became a curse that we might be blessed. Amen. That curse part, I've still not, not recovered from it. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that reading Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The Son of God became a curse for us to redeem us from the... It's not just, you know, he took, he took some curse. He became a curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on all of us. Don't let it go to waste, people. Come on. You're listening, people? So, he wants a joyful church. So they... Well, so much just from that, that side. All right. I want to show you the background of the same chapter to show you it's about eating and drinking. And by the way, if you look at the rest of the remaining chapter of chapter 10, it talks about eating, whatever you eat, do all to the glory of God. It's about eating and drinking. And that's why the very next chapter, okay, it talks about... The Apostle Paul saying, now it's 1 Corinthians 11. Guys, I received from the Lord Jesus what I, I delivered to you. That the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. The Apostle Paul in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, he gave thanks and he says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Why was it that in chapter 11, Paul had to say, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Gone to Peter. He could have gone to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper. Yet, the Lord Jesus, the present day, glorified, ascended Christ, thought that communion is so important that he would give a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul. And Paul himself said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you the same night he was betrayed. In other words, he didn't get it from Matthew. He didn't get it from Mark, Luke, or John. He got it from the Lord. Do you think the present day Lord in heaven at the Father's right hand deem it is important that you have a revelation of it? I know all depending on their churches, their denominations today that, that don't even have communion anymore. There are those who have it once in two months. There are those who have it once a month. There are those who only have the bread. But let me tell you this. I believe the devil is trying to minimize the way out. He's trying to negate. He's trying to cover your eyes from the way out. Are you listening, people? Hmm? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the context. All right, verse 13. 
Okay, now the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the context is very, very clear, people. All right, it's talking, because all of a sudden it talks about communion. Does it make sense? And knowing the Apostle Paul, he is a very systematic right, a teacher. Okay, he's very intelligent. But when it comes to the Bible, God orchestrates everything. No verse is taken out of context. I've shown you the verses before. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Now, let's go to verse 16 on the screen. Have a blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This word communion is the word koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. All right? Association. It's not just fellowship. You can have fellowship with me, but I just met you yesterday. All right? In other words, it's, it's a fellowship, but it's a fellowship over tea, all right? Kind of association. But, but the word down there is actually intimate. It's intimate participation. Intimate participation. This word would be used also um, in the idea of a husband and a wife being intimate. They say things to each other, all right? There are things that they say and do that no one else is privy to. They are intimately participating. The thoughts, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's the idea of communion. Are you with me so far? Are you blessed? Amen? Amen? Now, keep that in mind, okay? What is that? Communion. Then the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Now, it's not saying that we are all partaking of each other. There are those who teach when you, when you take the bread, remember this, the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus never said, this is the mystical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But I mean, when you took the bread, when the bread is with the cup of wine, it's always his physical body. This is my body. He's not referring to the mystical body that was to come. Are you listening? And he is very precise. We though many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. In other words, we are one bread, one body now because we all partake of Jesus' body. You got it? Okay. Observe Israel after the flesh. We go back to ancient Israel. Look at Israel after the flesh. When they offer an offering, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? I want to tell you something. It is in your interest today. If your body is suffering, if there has been a prognosis, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have told you, let me just tell you this. It is in your interest to partake of the benefits of the cross. Your question is, how can I do it? Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? The altar is the cross. The altar back then in Israel's temples, there are four corners. It's a picture of the cross. That's where the the lambs are placed. That's where the, 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 the body of the bullock is placed. That's where the sacrifice is laid. The burnt offering is laid there. It's four corners because one day, this antitype will be Jesus on the cross with the four corners to the north, south, east, and west for God so loved the world. The benefit is efficacious to the four corners of the earth. Can I have a good amen? All right? So don't forget, the altar is, the altar is the place of the cross. Now, how do we partake the million-dollar question that church, the Church of Jesus Christ have is that I know He bore my diseases, not just my sins, but how do I partake that? How do I have access to it? How do I become a koinonia, an intimate participation, a participator, a, a, a sharer of what happened? How can I be a sharer 
of the benefits of the blood and the benefits of the bread. Observe Israel are not those who eat. In other words, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, a partaker of what Jesus did at the cross. Are you listening, people? I'm going to read to you some testimonies. If I have time, maybe just one testimony, but it's going to bless you. This guy's Joshua from Kingdom. I was safe when I was nine. However, my experience of church was more about living a good Christian life rather than receiving the grace of Christ. I felt like a hypocrite trying to deal unsuccessfully with my feelings of guilt and shame. As a result, I spent my teen and much of my adult years away from God. Four years ago, I began to attend church once again. I met someone in a life group who introduced me to Joseph Prince Ministries. I began watching Pastor Prince's messages whenever I could. Slowly, the message of grace in Christ began its healing in my heart. The more I listened, the more my wrong beliefs were replaced with the gospel. For six months, I would tear up uncontrollably every time I heard of the grace and truth that Jesus died to give us. Even though I was safe as a child, I would rarely ever share my beliefs with anyone because I felt like a hypocrite. Now I share the grace of Christ with anyone who is willing to listen. One Sunday, I even shared a testimony with my church. For 26 years, I suffered from having painful warts on the soles of my feet. I tried every medical means, including painful laser surgery to get rid of them, but nothing helped. When I was invited to a barbecue a while ago, I asked if we could partake of the Holy Communion together. As I had watched Pastor Prince's messages on the healing power of the Holy Communion and read his book on the Holy Communion, I shared my newfound beliefs about the significance of discerning the Lord's body and the communion elements with the group. After taking the communion together, we prayed and sang hymns about our Lord's sacrifice and His love. In my prayer, I cursed the words on my feet that had also spread to my hands. Weeks later, don't forget, he's been suffering for 26 years from this condition. A laser and everything else, nothing helped. Weeks later, the warts on my hands were gone. In the weeks that followed, my feet were also healed and are now completely free from warts. All glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't come because you say that, oh, I'm going to try the communion. All right? It's not a matter of trying. It's faith. It's not, it's not a matter of that, okay, I go through it. The whole thing is empty. Empty of meaning, empty of... And, 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 and if you don't watch it, you're partaking unworthily. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, singular reason, singular reason, when the body of Christ says that, you know, we need to lay hands on each other and command this, command that, and all that, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But the norm for a believer, usually they command devils to come out and people to be healed for sinners out there. Believers seems in the first century church seems to be walking in divine health. It's better to have health than healing. I said it's better to have health than healing. But if you're sick, go for healing. But don't stay there. Don't leave from healing to healing. Start to walk in health. So the believers would break bread house daily. I repeat, you didn't get that. They'll break bread from house to house daily. 
And we think we are, you know, some people think we are extreme. We have it once a week. Well, the early church in the book of Acts, upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Who was the guest speaker for that one? The Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul was a speaker. Doesn't say upon the first day of the week, they came together to hear Paul. They came together to break bread. Acts 20. You have time, you read it. And while Paul was long preaching, <laughs> while Paul was long preaching, a young man was sitting on a window. All right, there were three floors. Everything is symbolic as well. Three floors, the third heaven. All believers are seated with Christ in the third heaven. So the young boy's name is given. Why? There is a meaning for the church. His name is Eutychus. Any EU means good in, in, in Greek. Eutychus means good fortune. He fell asleep. He didn't listen to Paul's preaching. And he fell three floors and died. Now, why is the church... Come, the church has been robbed of good fortune. Eutychus. Paul's preaching. Just like the sh another, another story in Acts, the ship of Christendom had Paul on it, but they refused to listen to Paul. When they, had, they faced shipwreck, Paul said, you should have listened to me. We need to listen to Paul in Revelation, especially of grace. God gave it to Paul. Amen. All scriptures are inspired. All scriptures are important. But not everything is written to us for the church. Some are written to the Jew, and some are written to us. And Paul is the one that said, I received from the Lord about the communion. Come on. Are you listening, people? All right? So here we go. All right? After he fell, by the way, it's good news. They came together to what? Break bread. Not to hear Paul preach. So the guy fell. And Paul went down. And Paul hugged him. You know, we're going to embrace this young generation with the Pauline revelation of grace, the gospel of grace. Are you listening? We need to embrace them. Amen. Even they are dead. We're going to embrace them. We're going to make them feel warm with the gospel of grace. And guess what? Paul says, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. His life is in him. He raised him from the dead. Now, if something like this happened in church, we'll say, hallelujah, praise God, amen? Have a time of praise and then send everybody back. Not, not Paul. Paul went back up, brought everybody, plus the guy who raised from the dead, brought good fortune back to the third heavens, amen? Where the church is. And guess what? They broke bread. Priorities. First things first. Even though someone raised from the dead, still go back, break bread. Don't forget where the power comes from. That's the early church. Look it up when you have time, when you're sitting on your own white throne, all right? Read Acts 20. It's always good to have a Bible near your white throne or pink throne or green throne, whatever it is. Okay, there are different colors nowadays. What are you talking about, Pastor Prince? He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. For this reason, singular reason, only one reason in the church, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep, sleep there, die. Behold, I, pick, I speak plainly. In those days, they sleep. For a believer, death holds no more terror. There's no more sting. Jesus conquered death. So for a believer, they say they fall asleep. A sinner dies. A believer sleeps. Until Jesus raised his body from the dead. All right? But look at this. One reason, for one reason, not reasons. I check it out in the Greek. The word reason is singular. Many, kind of wish he said few. Many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. What's the reason? What's the reason? There. 
He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the he is unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if I tell you and you're suffering from malaria and I say, I got quinine tablets, take this quinine tablets. You say, I, I refuse to. I'll put it in the water, all right? Okay, now drink it, drink it. And you say, I, I don't need a quinine business. And all. You are drinking damnation to yourself by not drinking the solution. The world as it is, is dying. As if, oh, you have sinned, you take the Lord's Supper, then you die. No, no, no. The world is dying. That's why the same chapter says that God doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. There's a condemnation in this world that was released, a divine sentence that was released ever since Adam sinned. Divine sentence includes sickness. Communion is the way out. It's the ekbasis. Are you listening, people? Amen. So not discerning the Lord's body. So the promise that they knew the cup, majority of denominations that practice church denomination, and I speak this with a heavy heart, they have communion. But many a times, they lump the bread and the cup as one. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. You died for our sins. Hardly mentioned disease. They're not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning, diacrino, to make a separation between the bread and the cup. Why was he scourged? Why, why didn't God just, God, God arrange everything? Why didn't God just send him straight to the cross? Why didn't Pilate just send him to the cross? Why must he go via the scourging and then the cross? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Are you listening? God loves you. God wants you well. Say, God wants you well. Amen. Pastor Prince, I took communion before. I tell you, take again. The disciples took it from house to house in one day. You know how many times that is? You know how many houses there were? Every time they come to a new house, there's somebody sick. So they take again and they got the benefit. They broke bread daily, not only daily, from house to house. And knowing these disciples, they can cross miles like Jesus. They, they, Jesus would, would walk without any, uh, uh, any uh, transportation. Walk with feet. Across rough terrains. That's his exercise. Running is an animal that's invented later on. Walking is, is Jesus' style of exercise. Long distance. Amen. Don't write to me again. All right. For this reason, many. So if you reverse the thing, if you discern the Lord's body, yes, his body was broken that my body might be put together. Amen. I see my, my high blood pressure carried away by Jesus' body. I see his body judged. His healthy body was judged that my body might be healed. You are discerning. Now you are eating worthily. God is not saying an unworthy person cannot eat. It's not an unworthy man. It's an unworthy manner. The adverb, okay? An adverb means an action that modifies, is the way modifies the verb. It's how you eat. You're not eating with discernment. In fact, those people were partying. In the First Corinthians church, they were, they were drinking and they were gluttons. There's gluttony going on at the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, it's very hard for gluttony to happen <laughs> and, and drunkenness because this is our elements. It's hard to partake unworthily. So our promise, we partake without revelation. And that's why I'm preaching this. So that people who are going through something, they can listen to this again and again and again and again. And those of you who are well off, you might not think, right, there's no need for me and all that. Trust me, you will need this. Amen? So for this reason, we can reverse it. If you discern the Lord's body, for this reason, many are strong 
many are healthy, and many live long. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. Isaiah 53 is the Magna Carta of the entire Old Testament. It's the culmination. Everything is, this is the greatest chapter of the, of the book of Isaiah. It talks about our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. Aren't you glad He loves you? In, look up here. I want to address this because this is very important. Jesus did not, wasn't murdered. Jesus says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. No man takes this power from me. And that's why more than one time they tried to stone him. They could not. He walked right in their midst. More than one time they tried to kill Jesus. They could not. My hour is not yet come. He has power. When they came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane, soldiers brandishing staves and swords, strong soldiers, they came, a legion of them came to arrest him. And, and he asked, whom do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he stepped forward and spoke the awesome, the august name of God that God revealed to Moses. I am. When they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, he stepped forward. I am. Moses asked God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am that I am. And now the I am said, I am. You know what happened to all those soldiers? They fell backwards. That's power, okay? He was not arrested because he can't help it. He allowed himself. Then he says, you have found me. Let these disciples go. Are you listening, people? Amen? He laid down. I believe he laid down on the cross. That's one of the things that convinced one of the thieves that this is a different man. That's what caused even the hardcore, hardened uh, centurion, Roman centurion at the cross said when he died, certainly this is the Son of God. I'm telling you, church, he didn't have to die. He loved you. I say he loved you. You know, he cares for your, your pain right now. It's not just for the, you know, for the eternal and, and while the sweet and by, by, you know, it's like uh, uh, one day, you know, all these sufferings will stop, you know. Uh, no, he wants you to be healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Are you there, Pastor Prince? I don't see Christians there and all that. Let me explain to you, okay, but something about God. We've received so many testimonies of people who begin to discover. One of the biggest testimonies we receive is that people are delivered from drug addictions, pornography, addiction, all right, by confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it became a revelation that Jesus took their sin and they take Jesus as their righteousness, the divine exchange. So the more they confess that, how many know that many of times your feeling says, no, you're, you're a porn addict. But who you are before God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your thoughts will say, no, you, 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 you need this drink. You need this drink. All right? You can never break it. All right? But God looks at you and God says, you are my righteousness in Christ. Now, what happened is that even though while we have received so many testimonies, go to josephprince.com. And go to the testimonial section. You can read for yourself. The, peop the number of people that confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Even while they are in their sin. And how one day, the desire for porn, the desire for drinking, the desire for drugs just fell off. Depression just leaves. Are you listening? So what I'm saying is that, even though you still have symptoms of sin in your life, 
do not identify yourself with sin. That's not who you are. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the more you identify with who you are, it does not mean you don't sin anymore. You may sin, all right? But you will sin less and less. Are you listening, people? All right? The more you identify yourself uh, with the truth, and this is the truth, we're not trying to pretend you are... Pastor Prince, you know, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. I feel I want this wrong thing. How can you say I'm the righteousness of God? Are you born again? Yes. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That one guy told the pastor just after he got married, the pastor pronounced them husband and wife and he brought the pastor one side and said, Pastor, I don't feel married. The pastor shook him. You are married! If I'm that pastor, I won't be shaking him. I'll be shaking him! Exclamation point. Amen? So, same thing as in sin, the more you identify, even though there's sin in you, the more you identify the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't mean you don't sin. You sin less and less and less. Now watch this. The more you identify with the fact that Jesus took your diseases and start to do that, it's the truth. The more you do that, the more you take communion, doesn't mean you won't fall sick but you'll fall sick less and less and less. My advice, start now. Start to identify with the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth. Why? If you believe a lie, like for example, the devil says, you are you're dirty, you are unclean, and you go to God. Oh God, I, I just sinned again when I promised you last time I will not. I, I'm so unclean, I, I'm useless and all that. The Holy Spirit is just in abeyance. It's like He folds His, his hands. There's nothing for Him to bear witness. You're, t- you're telling lies. Telling lies, you're telling lies. <laughs> nothing but lies. You're just telling lies, Nacho. <laughs> it's all lies. And you know who's the father of lies, right? So, the more you utter lies, but I feel it! Go ahead. Say what you feel. What God said viewpoint, the paradigm for all of us to look through is the eyes of the one who is the truth. Many a child have died looking at a swimming pool with their eyes thinking it's shallow. It looks shallow. It feels shallow. It's killed many. It'll go by God's word. A famous man, very famous, a few years ago, famous family, but all the family sort of experienced one tragedy after another. Many of the people in the family and uh, finally, uh, he was with his wife and a friend on his, one of his first flights. But because he went through a storm, it was dark. And I watched this on, on Net Geo. They were trying to find the root cause for the, the crash. His plane crash. Very handsome man. And they said that they, the conclusion was this, right? That because he didn't have much experience, when you fly in the dark, you can't tell you're going up, you're going down. You feel like you're going straight when actually you're going down. In other words, the feeling, they call it fly by the seat of your pants. You go by your feeling instead of trusting your instrument. But your instrument is saying you're going down, but your feeling is saying you're going straight. Friend, this is God's instrument. This is God's instrument. God says He bore our diseases. With His stripes, we are healed. But your body says, no, I don't feel it. Start taking. I, don't, I didn't say the more you identify 
all right, you have no more sickness from now on, but start somewhere and you'll find as you sin less and less when you identify with your new identity in Christ, the more you identify yourself with the, with the fact that you are healed by His stripes, you will be sick, but less and less. Okay? All right. So Isaiah says, Surely He has borne our grace and carried our sorrows. Now, this is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Grace and sorrows are the Hebrew word Koli and Makov, all right? Koli is diseases, Makov is pains. I remember sharing with one of the uh, Messianic Jewish men who is a, a pastor in Jerusalem, a very dignified man. Today, he's with the Lord. Many years ago, I sat down with him and I shared with him, and, and you know, he's from the persuasion. He don't believe that uh, uh, healing is for today, all right? And I shared with him Isaiah 53. And I said, is this, uh, Ma, is this uh, Koli and Makov? He, re he read it. Yeah, mm, mm, mm. Very dignified elderly man. And I said, is Koli diseases? Or is it spiritual diseases like some scholars try to tell us? He said, no, it's always physical diseases. What about pains? Physical pains. Then he read the whole thing. Mm, he said, hmm. He was very interested. All right, look at Young's, who is a Young's translation of the Bible. Or Young is an amazing scholar. Young's concordance, strong and Young's. You must have three concordance in your life. Strong concordance, young concordance, and crudence. So you become young, strong, and crude. All right? So look at Young's translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. Is there another quotation of this? Yes. Thank God for Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8. Matthew 8. That it might be fulfilled, this New Testament, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And here refers to physical infirmities and weaknesses and infirmities and diseases and pains. Very, very clear. Uh, Pastor Prince, uh, are you sure? Okay, since you're not convinced, uh, you little voice of unbelief. Let me show you verse 16, the context. Don't take the verse out of context. The context, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with a word. So there's deliverance from demons and heal all. I'm so glad he healed all. Amen. I wonder if people read their Bibles. I say, I wonder if people read their Bibles. He didn't heal everybody in Israel. He healed all who came to him. Keep that in mind. Heal all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself took our infirmities. So it's very clear the context refers to physical diseases, physical healing. Bible, interpret Bible. Amen. Okay, go back to Isaiah 53. Go to verse 5 now. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed, by the way. Crushed is the correct word. Not bruised. It's not as if you got a bruise, blue and black. All right? He was crushed for our wickedness. Jesus was crushed for our wickedness. The, now watch this, watch this. The punishment required for our well-being fell on Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. The punishment required in the Hebrew, the well-being is the word shalom. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. The punishment 
with a view to your well-being. When Jesus took the punishment, he got up again and again. I believe he fell, then he got up again. So that all those of you with late troubles, you will stand. Hallelujah. Amen. So those of you who cannot walk, he fell down as he carried the cross so that you will walk. Amen. The lacerations cut off all the important nerves for you to walk. And yet he walked again. No wonder he fell and fell until they had called Simon to help him. Because he bore all this for you and I. And by his stripe, and by the, by the way, the word stripe in the Greek, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripe, we are healed. It's singular, singular, stripe. T.J. Macrosson, a Greek scholar, said this many years ago. Crossan is an amazing Greek scholar. And T.J. Macrosson says, if Jesus was beaten, the stripes on his back, left sleevers of flesh, the word in the Greek should be plural, stripes. But if they beat Jesus until there's no more skin left, which the Bible says in Psalms, I look and I can see my bones. What happened to Jesus? There's no more skin left. Then the singular should be used by his entire stripe. We are healed. Amen. I told you he loves you. He didn't have to go through that. He loved you. With the first strike, pow, your cancer died. Pow, your blood pressure is gone. Your disease in your heart cleared out. Every if artery softened and cleared out. Thank God for science. Thank, thank God for medicine. But they cannot do what the stripes can. Sometimes they, they, they give you this medicine, but then they tell you you, got, you have another problem because of this medicine. So you must take this medicine to counter this problem that this medicine does. Now you got to have this medicine to counter this problem that's medicine. And then they tell about all the contraindications. Are you listening, people? The punishment for our well-being fell on him. The punishment for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, go back to uh, our New King James. By his stripes, we are healed. Let me just tell you this. The word stripes is kavura. Kavura. Say kavura. Kavura. Okay? Now, kavura means stripe and wound. Of years, I found out, because I love Hebrew, I've been studying Hebrew as much as I can, make some tea and coffee. So my wife can say, he knows Hebrew. Oh, Pastor Prince, that's so corny. I know. I know. When I was studying Hebrew, I found out that the word stripes, kavura, not only mean the stripes on his back, but also is a word for fellowship, association. Which kavura are you from? So I check it out with those in Israel. Until today, they will tell you, which kavura are you from? Which association? Which fellowship are you from? Until today, kavura. Kavura has two meanings. Why did God who invented, created Hebrew, all right? Why did God put kavura as stripe as well as fellowship? Go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the intimate participation? 
This is the Greek koinonia. In Hebrew, it is, now I found. But so for years, now, since I know, go back to, uh, go back to, uh, yeah, Isaiah. Since I know by his stripes we are healed, please understand, his stripes were real. The stripes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, that's the primary interpretation. But hidden in it, God tells us how to partake of it. God says, it's by fellowship with those stripes. For years, my part is I went home from Israel, scratched my head and said, Kavura, by his association. What do I do? I worship and just fellowship with him. What, what, what? Can God just give me a verse in the Bible that says this is fellowship with him? Guess what? I found it in 1 Corinthians, all right? Where it says, last thing is communion with the blood of Christ. You take the bread, it is communion with the body of Christ. Wow! This is how I fellowship with the body of Christ. There was strike for my healing. Mm. I tell you, if you're sick, you should have a big piece of bread at home. You should have a, a glass of, uh, I don't even recommend wine if you take a lot in, in a day. You know, darling, I'm sorry, but Pastor Prince says, you know, I got to take a lot in one day. So I bought this wine. You must understand, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. And I don't, don't give me that nonsense, okay? It's a bad testimony to be drunk, okay? It's a bad testimony. So let me just tell you this. Have a piece of bread. You don't need our cups, okay? You don't need our cups. Uh, but Pastor Prince, your, your, why, why are you all designed that way? Must it be that way? Forget the cups. It's for convenience purpose. But even a crumb can drive the devil out of that woman's daughter. So it, it's not how big, how small, okay? It is, it is your revelation of it. So it's not a matter of like, and by the way, if you're not safe, do not partake of the Lord's Supper. In a while's time, we'll have the Lord's Supper. I thought that today we'll have it at the end. Because your faith, your revelation, when you take it with revelation, something happens. It's not an empty heart, an empty mind partaking. The whole thing becomes empty. It's just a ritual. Okay? I'm bringing this to a close. Are you blessed? Yes. We're coming to a close right now. Then I want to read to you another testimony. I suffered severe postal depression after giving birth to a wonderful baby, Margaret from United Kingdom said. I felt as if the whole world was upon my shoulders and the depression got so bad that I wanted to end my life. How many know there are people with depression who want to end their life? However, the glorious smile of my baby kept me going. One day, my brother introduced me to Pastor Joseph Prince's television program. Even though I was a Christian, I had never heard anyone preach the gospel like Pastor Prince. His messages helped me understand my wonderful identity in Christ and how much God loves me. Wow, this turned my life around. I started to watch his programs daily and recorded all of them. I also began confessing my righteousness in Christ and partaking of the Holy Communion, remembering whose I am. Since then, my life has never been the same. I no longer suffer from postnatal depression. Light in my marriage, my children's lives, and in my family. My household is now blessed daily with God's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Prince, what about for those loved ones in the hospital? Can you take communion for them? The next one I'm going to read to you. All right, listen to the story because one day you, you'll find this might really help with some relative or whatever, okay? This is Colin from India. In October 2015, Rama, the mother-in-law of my wife's sister, was admitted to the hospital after suffering a stroke that paralyzed the right side of her body. She also had an extremely high blood sugar level. 
which can aggravate strokes. Her attending doctor also found that her esophagus was twisted and inserted a feeding tube to pre prevent her from choking on her food or drink. My wife and I had shared Pastor Prince's DVD sermons on the Holy Communion and anointing oil with Depeche, Rama's son. When he arrived at the hospital, he prayed for Rama with the anointing oil. Within five minutes, she moved her right hand. The family also partook of the Holy Communion. Despite being another city, we partook in faith with them. You can do that. All right, the Lord can heal from a distance, no problem. Amen. That, that, that night, Rama regained full mobility in her right arm. That night. But could not stand as the balance was off. The next day, she walked around the ward twice on her own without any loss of balance. Stroke, you know, with uh, high blood sugar. However, she started coughing out the milk given to her. The doctor wanted to reins reinsert the feeding tube, which was a painful procedure. But Rama managed to avoid it as she was able to eat normally after the tube was removed. Her esophagus was also no longer twisted. On the fourth day, Rama was discharged. Another patient with the same condition as Rama and admitted on the same day and had not even opened his eyes. Admitted the same day, the person on the fourth day, the eyes are still closed. My wife's brother, who is a doctor, told us that Rama's recovery was medically impossible. Blood sugar level was unstable for the week that followed. We shared with her what we had learned from Pastor Prince about letting go and letting God take care of her. That night, Rama and her daughter partook. Now Rama herself partook, all right? What, when your, your loved one is unconscious or in the hospital, what you can partake on behalf of your loved one. But once the person is awake, now she's participating. That night, Rama and her daughter partook of the Holy Communion and told the Lord that they cannot, but He can. Her blood sugar level stabilized after that. Rama is now a committed believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. Amen. The final part is something that I think uh, will be very interesting, interesting for those of you who feel that, like uh, your age is advancing, all right? When I was 12 years old, I thought 30 was very old. <laughs> and then I hit 30. Then I thought being 40 was very, very old. I remember when, when my mom was 40, when my mom was 30s, you know, I thought she was very old, you know? Y'all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> all right? But whatever age you put down there as the age of growing old, I just want to let you know something, okay? The Bible says this in Psalms 92. Look up here. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon is a very famous cedar. By the way, let me show you cedar, a picture of a cedar. It's a majestic tree. Beautiful tree. And the cedars of Lebanon is the cedars that's used for the Temple of Solomon, the most expensive building ever built as a house of God. It's majestic. All right? Now, Psalms 92 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree, even 100 years old, can still produce oil. Isn't it amazing? A palm tree is so fruitful, you see all kinds of seeds everywhere. Yeah, oh, come on, come on, come on. Old age, still fruitful. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen. The cedar uh, wood, by the way, the seed, I learned this when I was in the Rockies uh, 
many years ago with Wendy for a holiday. We passed by Cedars and I stopped because it's interesting in the Bible, you know, I'm going to learn as much as I can. And the little, uh, uh, all the cedars that were there, there was, there's a write-up and they said that the cedar wood is practically incorruptible. No insect can successfully destroy it. In fact, the beautiful perfume smell of the cedar drives away all these parasites. That's why they have cedar blocks that you can put in among your clothes. Amen? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Don't just come to church. Be planted. Don't just come to church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, you know where? Outside in your workplace. Outside in your family. Amen? Those who are planted here will flourish in the courts. The courts is outside, okay? Next verse. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Old age, the age is old, but the person is not because the person is still bearing fruit. Grandpa, grandma, this is for you. Your age can be an old age. You tell people your age and they say, what? All right, but you are still bearing fruit. They say that when you come to a certain age, they use the word dry up, right? Abraham considered not his own body now dead, dried up. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We don't consider the natural things. Consider God's word. So, so far, has Pastor Prince taken pains to show you scripture? Have I? Yeah. Okay, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Wow, fresh and flourishing. I wish I can show you the Hebrew. Fresh there is the word dashen, which is the word for stalwart, vigorous. This man in his old age is vigorous. You know what's vigorous or not? Solid, la brother. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says that even the youth shall faint. Youth shall faint. And the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the secret? They that wait upon the Lord. Write this down somewhere. The word for, listen, the word for they that wait upon the Lord is the word joined together, fellowship. Kava. The word is kava in Hebrew. Kava means like a rope intertwined. You and the Lord intertwine and you will run and not be weary. You will mount up with wings as eagles. God will renew your youth like Caleb at the age of 85. He told, Moses, he told Joshua, give me this mountain. Like Moses at the age of 120 when he died, the Bible says his eyesight was not deemed, neither his natural force abated. God did it for them. And Moses was under law. Caleb was under law. How much more? We have a better covenant. Their law was based, their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Our covenant is based on the imperishable, beautiful, precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Are you listening, people? So what's the key, Pastor Prince? What's the key? They shall be fresh, is vigorous. Flourishing is 
Rahanan in Hebrew, which means green. Literally, today, when they say green, they use this word Rahanan. You will be vigorous and evergreen. Are you like that? When you look at a tree, the tree is 100 over years old, but it's all green. That's 30, 40, already brown. Evergreen. You can be evergreen. Why does God want this? Why does God want this in his people? All right? It's not just for you, you know, to declare, to testify that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. So the people around will, will see God is being declared. God is a good God. He's an upright God. When he sees, when they look at God's people and they see this, whoa, amen. But it doesn't tell you how, right? The first part, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So a key there is cedar in Lebanon, okay? So these people, in their old age, they're still bare fruit. They are still green. They are still vigorous. It doesn't tell you what they did, right? Yeah, for that, you must come back next week. <laughs> Would you like to know now? Yes. But it's about time. Yes. Huh? You want it now? Yes. Only one verse, okay? Look at this. Look at this. Say Cedar in Lebanon. Lebanon. When God gave me this, I know this passage for a long time already. When God gave me this in my room, I nearly went to the rooftop. Because for years, I, I, I salivate over this. <laughs> Did a breaststroke in my saliva. It was like, it's like, man, bring fruit in old age, evergreen, vigorous, bearing fruit flourishing out there in the courts. Man, ah, like the cedar of Lebanon, like a palm tree, I salivate. And then, bang, in, during one, one of my studies, God says, the, see the key? He'll grow like, not just a palm tree, but a cedar in Lebanon. Interpret Bible. Let me show you this verse in Psalms 104. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. When you are, just now that, that, that passage also full of sap, right? Evergreen, full of sap. Bring forth fruit in old age, full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. Aha, that's our key. If you think he's referring just to trees, think again. Like God says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, do you think God cares for oxen? Of course, God cares for animals. But do you think when God says, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the wheat, let him eat. Don't cover his mouth. Don't be like a Singaporean. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. All right? And uh, so God says, let, let, let him eat. And then he's like, do you think God cares for the oxen? No. Paul says, God is caring for the minister who trash out the word of God. Let him be blessed. Amen. Let him be blessed. It is his Amen. job. Amen. Let him get paid. Amen. It's his job. Amen. All right? Paul talked about that in Corinthians. You can read about it. That's not my message today. Okay? What I'm trying to say, when God gives an illustration about not muzzling the ox, God is thinking of full-time ministers. Yeah. Ministers that depend on the people's free will giving. Yeah. All right? God says, don't forget, allow him to eat. Yeah. Watch this. When God talks about the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, he's talking about cedars of Lebanon, his people, they shall still bring forth fruit. 
is illustration. How you can be incorruptible, how you can be full of sap, how you can be green, how you can be, be uh, strong. Would you like that? Context. Bible, interpret Bible, and context is important. Look at the verse before this. God gives wine that makes glad the heart of man. God gives oil, the Holy Spirit, to make his face shine. And God gives bread, which strengthens man's heart. And I'm telling you, the only bread that can strengthen man's physical heart is the bread of communion. Because by his stripes, we are healed. I'm here to tell you, church, the wine, the bread, is the communion that makes you like the cedars of Lebanon, full of sap. And when I saw this, I tell you, I said, whoa! Like, wow! Wow, do you know why I'm preaching this? I'm preaching this so that when your loved one or someone has been given a bad diagnosis, don't just run and take communion with an empty heart, an empty revelation, empty mind. Wait, listen to the sermon. Partake. Something. Some, something will happen because everything about God's things right, must work with faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. Are you listening, people? Amen? You know, everything happened because of man's sin. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Everything happened because of man's sin. Man ate from the tree he shouldn't. Guess what? God says, eat your way back into the blessings. Eat your way back into the blessings. Are you listening? By the body of Jesus. It must be the body of Jesus. Remember the, the disciples in Luke 24? I told you, right? Did I give you Luke 24? I did? I didn't give you Luke 24? Real fast, okay? Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead. Same day, real fast, okay? I cannot afford to give you this and then give another service. All right? Yo, come back. Look, Luke 24, real quick. Now it came to pass that Jesus sat at the table with them. He took bread. Now this is after he rose from the dead. The same evening, the same evening after he rose from the dead. He's at the place called Emmaus with the two disciples. I believe husband and wife. All right. And he, he took the place of the divine host. He played host. He took the bread. He blessed, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. When did they, their eyes open? When did they know him? When the whole seven miles, they didn't see him until he broke bread. There's something here, people. There's something here. I believe I have a whole message on Emmaus Road. I have a whole message on it where God showed me it is actually a replica or rather a picture of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden when man fell, man ate. It's a picture. There are two men and women. There's a couple there. So here there's a couple walking back to Emmaus. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. And then you have, you have uh, the Lord walking with them in the cool of the day. Then you have the Lord Jesus coming here. It's a restoration. Understand, what was lost here was restored here. And then the Bible says, now, because of time, their eyes were close to see Jesus. They didn't know it's Jesus. Their eyes were restrained. He wanted them to see Him in the Word, not physically. But then, right at the end, over here, what happened? Seduced the woman who seduced the husband to eat the fruit. The eyes were open, but to the wrong place. Not to God, to themselves. How sinful, how dirty, how, un how naked you are. But over here, the restoration. The eyes were open. They didn't see themselves, they saw him. So can I submit to you, looking at the types, the two stories, can I submit to you, 
Adam and Eve partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What they didn't partake is the tree of life. Can I submit to you? Communion is the tree of life. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? You know, this is the restoration part. And then you know what happened? He disappeared. By the way, he disappeared. That doesn't mean he left them. He vanished out of their sight. He was still there. He'll never leave them. They walked back seven miles. They just walked seven miles. But after communion, they can walk seven miles again. They went back to find the other disciples and say, Hey, hey, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. Let's follow the story there. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He told the rest. Now watch this. Now, as they said these things about the breaking of bread, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Shalom! When they were talking about the breaking of bread, the Lord loves it. That's why he's showing up even now. Amen. As they spoke about the breaking of bread, Jesus appeared. Do you think he just came from heaven at the time? No, he was there all the time. He never left them. In other words, from bread to bread. He disappeared, he reappeared. Take this to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Primarily till he comes means when he comes in the clouds to get all of us in the rapture. But till he comes, keep on taking till he comes can also mean till he comes to manifest himself to you. I don't know about you. I'm blessed. I think you are, you are really ready right now to take the communion. Are you ready? All right, pass the communion elements. You have it, right, in your hands? Are you ready, people? Now remember, it's not about being conscious of your own disease. It's being conscious of Jesus. Amen? Being conscious of Him. I'm going to say this again. Surely. Are you going to say it? Right? Don't. When you come to church, uh, I want to tell the pastors also. It, it, it's as, as if the pastors must lead you word for word. I think we're going to stop doing that. You're big enough, all right? And old enough. It's your own prayer to God. Once in a while, we'll lead you, okay? But make it your own prayer. Don't let Pastor Lawrence kiss the girl for you. Amen? You know, the word worship is kiss, to kiss the Lord. You got to kiss the Lord yourself. Amen? You know what to say. But the principles is this. Be conscious of the Lord. He says, do this in remembrance of me, not yourself, not your problems, not your disease. Stop thinking about yourself. It's about Him. Look at Him, how beautiful He is. Like the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Look at how majestic He is, how full of mercy, kindness, tender mercy, goodness. How loving He is. How compassionate. He didn't have to, but He chose to come down to die on the cross for our sins. But before He hung on the cross, He chose to go to the whipping post, the scourging, and they beat Him, and they beat Him again, and they beat Him again. And by His stripes, we are healed. By His wound, by His stripe, the back was so lacerated. See that right now. In the spirit, see that? When that stripe fell on his back, your cancer died. Your tumor disappeared. When that stripe fell on his back, your blood pressure was normalized. 
when that stripe fell on his back, your sleeplessness and insomnia disappeared. By that stripe, whatever your condition is, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. By your stripe, I am healed of. Tell him right now, by your stripe, I'm healed of. It might be more than one thing, but just tell him, by your stripe, I thank you, Lord. It's a time of thanksgiving, not pleading. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe. It has been done. You're not going to ask him to do it again. You are thanking him. It's a time of you low here, thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe, I am healed. In my heart, by your stripe, I am healed from forgetfulness. By your stripe, I am healed in my brain. By your stripe, I am healed in my memory faculties. By your stripe, I am healed in my ankle joints. By your stripe, I am healed in my knees, whatever it is. But see it. Don't just repeat like a parrot. See it. See it. See him bearing the stripes. When you're ready, partake. Lift up the cup. In the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of all your sins. You are not partaking, remember this, to be forgiven. You are drinking because you are forgiven. If you're not safe, you haven't believed in Christ yet, this is not for you. Put down the elements. It's only for believers. And you are forgiven of all your sins because His blood was shed. Now when you drink, drink in the consciousness that all your sins have been forgiven. There's no unforgiven sin in your life because of the blood of Jesus. And know that through the blood of Jesus, there is no curse in your life, no curse in your family. Christ has redeemed you through His blood from every curse. Me drink. Amen. If you are here, friend, and you've never put your trust in Christ, God will not force salvation into your life. He waits to be invited. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. If that is you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say this from your heart, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead as my shepherd, as my savior, as my high priest. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, stand to your feet. If you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God. From this day forth, you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Look at you. I don't know about you, but there's a glory cloud like all over this place. You know, throughout the entire preaching, there's been like a glory cloud. He shows up. He, so, he shows up. Lift your hands. The Lord bless you this coming week. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord keep you and your loved ones throughout this week from all infection, from all terror, from all fear, from dangers, accidents, from tragedies, 
the Lord keep you and your loved ones and your families from all the harmful effects of the haze. The Lord keep you and your loved ones from all danger, from all evil. The Lord favors you. He smiles on you. This coming week, see the favor of God all over you. See God smiling on you. Amen. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. He's pleased with you. You are in Jesus' place. Amen. He treats you like Jesus. Amen. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you great well-being. Shalom. Because the punishment for that shalom has been paid. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But don't go just yet. If you'd like to receive prayer, share your testimony, or find out more about Gospel Partner, just click the link on this screen. If not, I'll see you in the next episode. And they drank the same spiritual drink, and they drank from the rock that followed them, who was Christ. And drinking again. Church, do you know that everything that happened to man is because man ate his way into all this mess? Ah, did you hear what I said? Adam opened his big mouth. Number one. All right. And he ate everything God said not to eat. So you can say any curse you mentioned, any evil in this world, anything that our, the governments of the nations are, are, are worried about, are concerned for, uh, uh, economic shortage, uh, uh, earthquakes, uh, trials, and God never made this earth to be like that. If God even counts death as an enemy. God hates death. God hates sin. You know what God did with sin? He put it on Jesus. God loves sinners. How much does God hate sin? As much as God loves the sinner. Ah, let me explain. You got somebody you love very much who has cancer. Do you love the cancer? No, of course not. But the cancer is in your loved one. Now, question. How much do you hate the cancer? Must be answered with another question. How much do you love your loved one? Because the more you love your loved one, to the degree you love your loved one, to the degree you hate the cancer. So God loves you, but God hates sin. And the reason God hates sin is because God loves you. And sin is destroying everything that God has that's good that is harmonious, that is peaceful, that is health, that is life for you and for your families. God is not a, a joy killer. In His presence is fullness of joy. Amen. Pleasures forevermore. When Jesus in the upper room, in a few hours, He knew He'll be betrayed. In fact, He just sent Judas out. Night. When Judas went out, what a poetic way of saying, it was night. Just look at his disciples and say, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy remain in you. Can you imagine a, 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 a man looking like he's baptized in lemonade juice, looking at you, these things I speak to you. <sighs> that my joy remain in you. Peter will say, Lord, uh, I think you need it more than us. <laughs> Alright? You need every little joy you need. 
All right, I think we have our own problems. So the thing is this, it must not be a picture like that. It must be a person who is strong, smiling, even though in a few hours time, he knew he would lay down his life for our sins. Looking at them, hey guys, these things I tell you, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Amen. These things I speak to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Uh, Pastor Prince, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. Brother, do that. Since you brought that up, can you tell me where's the verse taken from? I don't know. I'll tell you. It's taken in Isaiah 53. All right, he became a man of sorrows because of his suffering. The only time he was a man of sorrows was when he he went through the cross, the surging, the beating. He took, because it was a transaction. He took our sins, we take his righteousness. He took, he took our sorrows and we take his joy. He became a curse that we might be blessed. That curse part, I've still not, not recovered from it. A few weeks ago, I told you guys that reading Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The Son of God became a curse for us to redeem us from the... It's not just, you know, he took, he took some curse. He became a curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on all of us. Don't let it go to waste, people. Come on. You listening, people? So he wants a joyful church. So they, well, so much just from that, that side. All right, I'm gonna show you the background of the same chapter to show you it's about eating and drinking. And by the way, if you look at the rest of the remaining chapter of chapter 10, it talks about eating, whatever you eat, do all to the glory of God, about eating and drinking. And that's why the very next chapter, okay, it talks about the Apostle Paul saying, now it's 1 Corinthians 11, guys, I receive from the Lord Jesus what I, I deliver to you. That the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. The Apostle Paul, in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The same night he was betrayed, he took bread and said, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Why was it that in chapter 11, Paul had to say, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Gone to Peter. He could have gone to Matthew. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus instituted the communion, the Lord's Supper. Yet, the Lord Jesus, the present day, glorified, ascended Christ, thought that communion is so important that he would give a personal revelation to the Apostle Paul. And Paul himself said, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you the same night he was betrayed. In other words, he didn't get it from Matthew. He didn't get it from Mark, Luke, or John. He got it from the Lord. Do you think the present day Lord in heaven at the Father's right hand deem it is important that you have a revelation of it? I know, all, depending, there are churches, there are denominations today that, that don't even have communion anymore. There are those who have it once in two months. There are those who have it once a month. There are those who only have the bread. But let me tell you this. I believe the devil is trying to minimize 
the way out. He's trying to negate. He's trying to cover your eyes from the way out. Are you listening, people? Hmm? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10, the context. All right, verse 13. Okay, now the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So the context is very, very clear, people. All right, it's talking, because all of a sudden it talks about communion. Doesn't make sense. And knowing the Apostle Paul, he's a very systematic right, a teacher. Okay, he's very intelligent. But when it comes to the Bible, God orchestrates everything. No verse is taken out of context. I've shown you the verses before. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Now, let's go to verse 16 on the screen. Have a blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This word communion is the word koinonia, which is the word for fellowship. All right? Association. It's not just fellowship. You can have fellowship with me, but I just met you yesterday. All right? In other words, it's, it's a fellowship, but it's a fellowship over tea, all right, kind of association. But, but the word down there is actually intimate. It's intimate participation. Intimate participation. This word would be used also um, in the idea of a husband and a wife being intimate. They say things to each other, all right? There are things that they say and do that no one else is privy to. They're intimately participating. The thoughts, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's the idea of communion. Are you with me so far? Are you blessed? Amen? Amen? Now, keep that in mind, okay? What is that? Communion. Then the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Now, it's not saying that we are all partaking of each other. There are those who teach when you, when you take the bread... Remember, this is the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus never said, this is the mystical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But when he took the bread, when the bread is with the cup of wine, it's always his physical body. This is my body. He's not referring to the mystical body that was to come. Are you listening? And he is very precise. We though many are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. In other words, we are one bread, one body now because we all partake of Jesus' body. You got it? Okay, observe Israel after the flesh. We go back to ancient Israel. Look at Israel after the flesh. When they offer an offering, are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? I want to tell you something. It is in your interest today. If your body is suffering, if there has been a prognosis, whatever it is, whatever the doctors have told you, let me just tell you this. It is in your interest to partake of the benefits of the cross. Your question is, how can I do it? Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? The altar is the cross. The altar back then in Israel's temples, there are four corners. It's a picture of the cross. That's where the, the lambs are placed. That's where the, 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 the body of the bullock is placed. That's where the sacrifice is laid. The burnt offering is laid there. It's four corners because one day, this antitype will be Jesus on the cross with the four corners to the north, south, east, and west, for God so loved the world. The benefit is efficacious to the four corners of the earth. Can I have a good amen? All right, so don't forget, the altar is, the altar is the place of the cross. Now, how do we partake? 
the million dollar question that church, the church of Jesus Christ have is that I know he bore my diseases, not just my sins, but how do I partake that? How do I have access to it? How do I become a koinonia, an intimate participation, a participator, a, a, a sharer of what happened? How can I be a sharer of the benefits of the blood and the benefits of the bread? Observe Israel are not those who eat. In other words, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, a partaker of what Jesus did at the cross. And you're listening, people. I'm going to read to you some testimonies. If I have time, maybe just one testimony, but it's going to bless you. This guy's Joshua from Kingdom. I was safe when I was nine. However, my experience of church was more about living a good Christian life rather than receiving the grace of Christ. I felt like a hypocrite trying to deal unsuccessfully with my feelings of guilt and shame. As a result, I spent my teen and much of my adult years away from God. Four years ago, I began to attend church once again. I met someone in a life group who introduced me to Joseph Prince Ministries. I began watching Pastor Prince's messages whenever I could. Slowly, the message of grace in Christ began its healing in my heart. The more I listened, the more my wrong beliefs were replaced with the gospel. For six months, I would tear up uncontrollably every time I heard of the grace and truth that Jesus died to give us. Even though I was safe as a child, I would rarely ever share my beliefs with anyone because I felt like a hypocrite. Now I share the grace of Christ with anyone who is willing to listen. One Sunday, I even shared a testimony with my church. For 26 years, I suffered from having painful warts on the soles of my feet. I tried every medical means, including painful laser surgery to get rid of them, but nothing helped. When I was invited to a barbecue a while ago, I asked if we could partake of the Holy Communion together. As I had watched Pastor Prince's messages on the healing power of the Holy Communion and read his book on the Holy Communion, I shared my newfound beliefs about the significance of discerning the Lord's body and the communion elements with the group. After taking the communion together, we prayed and sang hymns about our Lord's sacrifice and His love. In my prayer, I cursed the words on my feet that had also spread to my hands. Weeks later, don't forget, he's been suffering for 26 years from this condition, a laser and everything else, nothing helped. Weeks later, the warts on my hands were gone. In the weeks that followed, my feet were also healed and are now completely free from warts. All glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't come because you say that, oh, I'm going to try the communion. All right? It's not a matter of trying. It's faith. It's not, it's not a matter of that, okay, I go through it. The whole thing is empty. Empty of meaning, empty of... And, 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 and you don't watch it you are partaking unworthily. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 11. For this reason, singular reason, singular reason, when the body of Christ says that, you know, we need to lay hands on each other and command this, command that, and all that, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But the norm for a believer, usually they command devils to come out and people to be healed for sinners out there. Believers seems in the first century church seems to be walking in divine health. It's better to have health than healing. I said it's better to have health than healing. 
But if you're sick, go for healing. But don't stay there. Don't leave from healing to healing. Start to walk in health. So the believers will break bread. House. Daily. I repeat, you didn't get that. They'll break bread from house to house daily. And we think we are, you know, some people think we're extreme. We have it once a week. Well, the early church in the book of Acts, upon the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. Who was the guest speaker for that one? The Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul was a speaker. doesn't say upon the first day of the week, they came together to hear Paul. They came together to break bread. Acts 20. You have time, you read it. And while Paul was long preaching, <laughs> while Paul was long preaching, a young man was sitting on a window. All right? There were three floors. Everything is symbolic as well. Three floors, the third heaven. All believers are seated with Christ in the third heaven. So the young boy's name is given. Why? There is a meaning for the church. His name is Eutychus. Any E-U means good in, in, in Greek. Eutychus means good fortune. He fell asleep. He didn't listen to Paul's preaching. And he fell three floors and died. Now, why is the church... How come the church has been robbed of good fortune? Eutychus. Paul's preaching. Just like the sh another, another story in Acts, the ship of Christendom had Paul on it, but they refused to listen to Paul. When they, had, they faced shipwreck, Paul said, you should have listened to me. We need to listen to Paul in Revelation, especially of grace. God gave it to Paul. Yeah. All scriptures are inspired. All scriptures are important. But not everything is written to us for the church. Some are written to the Jew and some are written to us. And Paul is the one that said, I received from the Lord about the communion. Come on. Are you listening, people? All right. So here we go. All right. After he fell, by the way, it's good news. They came together to what? Break bread. Not to hear Paul preach. So the guy fell. And Paul went down. And Paul hugged him. You know, we're going to embrace this young generation with the Pauline revelation of grace, the gospel of grace. Are you listening? We need to embrace them. Amen. Even they are dead. We're going to embrace them. We're going to make them feel warm with the gospel of grace. And guess what? Paul says, don't, don't, be, don't be troubled. His life is in him. He raised him from the dead. Now, if something like this happened in church, we'll say, hallelujah, praise God, amen? Have a time of praise and then send everybody back. Not, not Paul. Paul went back up, brought everybody, plus the guy who raised from the dead, brought good fortune back to the third heavens, amen? Where the church is. And guess what? They broke bread. Priorities. First things first. Even though someone raised from the dead, still go back, break bread. Don't forget where the power comes from. That's the early church. Look it up when you have time, when you're sitting on your own white throne, all right? Read Acts 20. It's always good to have a Bible near your white throne or pink throne or green throne, whatever it is. <laughs> okay, there are different colors nowadays. What are you talking about, Pastor Prince? He that have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. For this reason, singular reason, only one reason in the church, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Sleep death, die. Behold, I, pick, I speak plainly. In those days, they sleep. For a believer, death holds no more terror. There's no more sting. Jesus conquered death. So for a believer, they say they fall asleep. A sinner dies. A believer sleeps. Until Jesus raised his body from the dead. All right? But look at this. One reason, for one reason, not reasons. 
I check it out in the Greek, the word reason is singular. Many, kind of wish he said few, many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. What's the reason? What's the reason? He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, the he's unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So if I tell you and you're suffering from malaria and I say, I got quinine tablets, take this quinine tablets. You say, I, I refuse to. I'll put it in the water, all right? Okay, now drink it, drink it. I say, I don't need a quinine business. And all right. You are drinking damnation to yourself by not drinking the solution. The world as it is, is dying as if, oh, you have sinned, you take the Lord's Supper, then you die. No, no, no. The world is dying. That's why the same chapter says that God doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. There's a condemnation in, in this world that was released, a divine sentence that was released ever since Adam sinned. Divine sentence includes sickness. Communion is the way out. It's the ekbasis. Are you listening, people? Amen? So, not discerning the Lord's body. So the promise that they knew the cup, majority of denominations that practice church denomination, and I speak this with a heavy heart, they have communion. But many a times, they lump the bread and the cup as one. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. You died for our sins. Hardly mention disease. They're not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning, diacrino, to make a separation between the bread and the cup. Why was he scourged? Why, why didn't God just, God, God arrange everything? Why didn't God just send him straight to the cross? Why didn't Pilate just send him to the cross? Why must he go via the scourging and then the cross? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Are you listening? God loves you. God wants you well. Amen. God wants you well. Amen. Pastor Prince, I took communion before. I thought, take again. The disciples took it from house to house in one day. You know how many times that is? You know how many houses there were? Every time they come to a new house, there's somebody sick. So they take again and they got the benefit. They broke bread daily, not only daily, from house to house. And knowing these disciples, they can cross miles like Jesus. They, they, Jesus would, would walk without any, uh, uh, any uh, transportation. Walk with feet. Across rough terrains. That's his exercise. Running is an animal that's invented later on. Walking is, is Jesus' style of exercise. Long distance. Amen. Don't write to me again. All right. For this reason, many. So if you reverse the thing, if you discern the Lord's body, yes, his body was broken that my body might be put together. Amen. I see my, my high blood pressure carried away by Jesus' body. I see his body judged. His healthy body was judged that my body might be healed. You are discerning. Now you are eating worthily. God is not saying an unworthy person cannot eat. It's not an unworthy man. It's an unworthy manner. The adverb, okay? An adverb means an action that modifies, is the way, modifies the verb. It's how you eat. You're not eating with discernment. In fact, those people were partying. In the First Corinthians church, they were, they were drinking and they were gluttons. There's gluttony going on at the Lord's Supper. Now, in our church, it's very hard for gluttony to happen <laughs> and, and drunkenness because this is our elements. It's hard to partake unworthily. So our promise, we partake without revelation. And that's why I'm preaching this. So that people who are going through something, they can listen to this again and again and again and again. 
And those of you who are well off, you might not think, right, there's no need for me and all that. Trust me, you will need this. Amen? So, for this reason, we can reverse it. If you discern the Lord's body, for this reason, many are strong, many are healthy, and many live long. Amen? Praise God. Let's go to Isaiah 53 real quick. Isaiah 53 is the Magna Carta of the entire Old Testament. It's the culmination. Everything is, this is the greatest chapter of the, of the book of Isaiah. It talks about our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. Aren't you glad He loves you? you look up here. I want to address this because this is very important. Jesus did not, wasn't murdered. Jesus says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. No man takes this power from me. And that's why more than one time they tried to stone him. They could not. He walked right in their midst. More than one time they tried to kill Jesus. They could not. My hour is not yet come. He has power. When they came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane, Soldiers, brandishing staves and swords, strong soldiers. They came, a legion of them came to arrest him. And, and he asked, whom do you seek? And they say, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he stepped forward and spoke the awesome, the august name of God that God revealed to Moses. I am. When they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, he stepped forward. I am. Moses asked God, who shall I say send me? God says, I am that I am. And now the I am said, I am. You know what happened to all those soldiers? They fell backwards. That's power, okay? He was not arrested because he can't help it. He allowed himself. Then he says, you have found me. Let these disciples go. Are you listening, people? Amen? He laid down. I believe he laid down on the cross. That's one of the things that convinced one of the thieves that this is a different man. That's what caused even the hardcore, hardened uh, centurion, Roman centurion at the cross said when he died, certainly this is the Son of God. I'm telling you, church, he didn't have to die. He loved you. I say he loved you. You know, he cares for your, your pain right now. It's not just for the, you know, for the eternal and, and while the sweet and by, by you know, it's like uh, uh, one day, you know, all these sufferings will stop, you know. Uh, no, he wants you to be healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you strong. Are you there, Pastor Prince? I don't see Christians there and all that. Let me explain to you, okay, about something about God. We've received so many testimonies of people who begin to discover. One of the biggest testimonies we receive is that people are delivered from drug addictions, pornography, addiction, all right, by confessing, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, it became a revelation that Jesus took their sin and they take Jesus as their righteousness, the divine exchange. So the more they confess that, how many know that many a times your feeling says, no, you're, you're a porn addict. But who you are before God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your thoughts will say, no, you, 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 you need this drink. You need this drink. All right? You can never break it. All right? But God looks at you and God says, you are my righteousness in Christ. Now, what happened is that even though while we have received so many testimonies, go to josephprince.com. And go to the testimonial section. You can read for yourself. The, peop the number of people that confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Even while they are in their sin. And how one day, the desire for 
porn, the desire for drinking, the desire for drugs just fell off. Depression just leaves. Are you listening? So what I'm saying is that even though you still have symptoms of sin in your life, do not identify yourself with sin. That's not who you are. If you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the more you identify with who you are, it does not mean you don't sin anymore. You may sin, all right? But you will sin less and less. Are you listening, people? All right? The more you identify yourself uh, with the truth, and this is the truth. We're not trying, pretend you are, Pastor Prince, you know, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. I feel I want this wrong thing. How can you say I'm the righteousness of God? Are you born again? Yes. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Like one guy told the pastor just after he got married, the pastor pronounced them husband and wife and he brought the pastor one side and said, Pastor, I don't feel married. The pastor shook him. You are married! <laughs> if I'm that pastor, I won't be shaking him. I'll be shaking him! Exclamation point. Amen? So, same thing as in sin, the more you identify, even though there's sin in you, the more you identify the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, doesn't mean you don't sin. You sin less and less and less. Now watch this. The more you identify with the fact that Jesus took your diseases and start to do that, it's the truth. The more you do that, the more you take communion, doesn't mean you won't fall sick. But you'll fall sick less and less and less. My advice Start now. Start to identify with the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Truth. Why? If you believe a lie, like for example, the devil says, you are you're dirty, you are unclean, and you go to God. Oh God, I, I just sinned again when I promised you last time I will not. I, I'm so unclean, I, I'm useless and all that. The Holy Spirit is just in abeyance. It's like he folds his, his hands. There's nothing for him to bear witness. You're, you're telling lies. Telling lies, you're telling lies. Nothing but lies. You're just telling lies, Nacho. It's all lies. And you know who's the father of lies, right? So, the more you utter lies, but I feel it! Go ahead. Say what you feel. What God said. Viewpoint, the paradigm for all of us to look through is the eyes of the one who is the truth. Many a child have died looking at a swimming pool with their eyes, thinking it's shallow. It looks shallow, it feels shallow, it's killed many. It'll go by God's word. A famous man, very famous, a few years ago, famous family, but all the family sort of experienced one tragedy after another, many of the people in the family. And uh, finally, uh, he was with his wife and a friend on his, one of his first flights. But because he went through a storm, it was dark. And I watched this on, on Net Geo. They were trying to find the root cause for the, the crash. His plane crash. Very handsome man. And they said that they, the conclusion was this, right? That because he didn't have much experience, when you fly in the dark, you can't tell you're going up, you're going down. You feel like you're going straight when actually you're going down. In other words, the feeling, they call it fly by the seat of your pants. You go by your feeling instead of trusting your instrument. But your instrument is saying you're going down. But your feeling is saying you're going straight. Friend, this is God's instrument. This is God's instrument. God says, He bore our diseases. 
with his stripes, we are healed. But your body says, no, I don't feel it. Start taking. I, don't, I didn't say, the more you identify, all right, you have no more sickness from now on, but start somewhere and you'll find as you sin less and less, when you identify with your new identity in Christ, the more you identify yourself with the, with the fact that you are healed by his stripes, you will be sick, but less and less. Okay? All right. So Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our grace and carried our sorrows. Now, this is very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Grace and sorrows are the Hebrew word koli and makov. All right? Koli is diseases. Makov is pains. I remember sharing with one of the uh, uh, Messianic Jewish men who is a, a pastor in Jerusalem, a very dignified man. Today, he's with the Lord. Many years ago, I sat down with him and I shared with him, and, and you know he's from the persuasion, he don't believe that uh, uh, healing is for today. All right? And I shared with him Isaiah 53. And I said, is this, uh, Ma, is this uh, Koli and Markov? He read, he read it. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Very dignified el elderly man. And I said, is Koli diseases? Or is it spiritual diseases like some scholars try to tell us? He said, no, it's always physical diseases. What about pains? Physical pains. Then he read the whole thing. Mm, he said, mm. He was very interested. All right? Look at Young's, who is a Young's translation of the Bible. Or Young is an amazing scholar. Young's concordance, strong and Young's. You must have three concordance in your life. Strong concordance, Young's concordance, and crudence. So you become Young, strong, and crude. All right? So look at Young's translation. Surely our sicknesses he has borne. And our pains, he has carried them. Is there another quotation of this? Yes. Thank God for Jesus' ministry. Matthew 8. Matthew 8. That it might be fulfilled, this New Testament, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And here refers to physical infirmities and weaknesses and infirmities and diseases and pains. Very, very clear. Uh, Pastor Prince, uh, are you sure? Okay, since you're not convinced, uh, you little voice of unbelief. Let me show you verse 16, the context. Don't take the verse out of context. The context, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. So there's deliverance from demons. And healed all. I'm so glad he healed all. I wonder if people read their Bibles. I say, I wonder if people read their Bibles. He didn't heal everybody in Israel. He healed all who came to him. Keep that in mind. Heal all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, took our infirmities. So it's very clear the context refers to physical diseases, physical healing. Bible, interpret Bible. Amen. Okay, go back to Isaiah 53. Go to verse 5 now. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at this in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed, by the way. Crushed is the correct word. Not bruised. It's not as if you got a bruise, blue and black. All right? He was crushed for our wickedness. Jesus was crushed for our weakness. The, now watch this, watch this. The punishment required for our well-being fell on Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. The punishment 
required in the Hebrew, the well-being is the word shalom. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The punishment with a view to your well-being. When Jesus took the punishment, he got up again and again. I believe he fell. Then he got up again. So that all those of you with late troubles, you will stand. Hallelujah. Amen. So those of you who cannot walk, he fell down as he carried the cross so that you will walk. Amen. The lacerations cut off all the important nerves for you to walk. And yet he walked again. No wonder he fell and fell until they had called Simon to help him. Because he bore all this for you and I. And by his stripe, and by the, by the way, the word stripe in the Greek, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripe, we are healed. It's singular, singular, stripe. T.J. Macrosson, a Greek scholar, said this many years ago. Crossan is an amazing Greek scholar. And T.J. Macrosson says, if Jesus was beaten, the stripes on his back left sleevers of flesh. The word in the Greek should be plural, stripes. But if they beat Jesus until there's no more skin left, which the Bible says in Psalms, I look and I can see my bones. What happened to Jesus? There's no more skin left. Then the singular should be used by his entire stripe. We are healed. I told you he loves you. He didn't have to go through that. He loved you. With the first strike, your cancer died. Your blood pressure is gone. Your disease in your heart cleared out. Every artery softened and cleared out. Thank God for science. Thank thank God for medicine. But they cannot do what the stripes can. Sometimes they they, they give you this medicine, but then they tell you 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 have another problem because of this medicine. So you must take this medicine to counter this problem that this medicine does. Now you got to have this medicine to counter this problem that's medicine. And then they tell about all the contraindications. Are you listening, people? The punishment for our well-being fell on him. The punishment for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, go back to uh, our New King James. By his stripes, we are healed. Let me just tell you this. The word stripes is kavura. Kavura. Say kavura. Kavura. Okay. Now, kavura means stripe and wound. Of years, I found out because I love Hebrew. I've been studying Hebrew as much as I can. Make some tea and coffee. <laughs> so my wife can say, he knows Hebrew. Oh, Pastor Brain, that's so corny. I know. I know. But when I was studying Hebrew, I found out that the word stripes, kavura, not only means the stripes on his back, but also is a word for fellowship. Association. Which kavura are you from? So I check it out with those in Israel. Until today, they will tell you, which kavura are you from? Which association? Which fellowship are you from? Until today, kavura. Kavura has two meanings. Why did God, who invented, created Hebrew? All right? Why did God put kavura as stripe as well as fellowship? 
Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the intimate participation? This is the Greek koinonia. In Hebrew, it is, now I've found. But so for years, now, since I know, go back to, uh, go back to uh, yeah, Isaiah. Since I know by his stripes we are healed. Please understand, his stripes were real. The stripes on his back, by his stripes we are healed. Yes, that's the primary interpretation. But hidden in it, God tells us how to partake of it. God says, it's by fellowship with those stripes. For years, my part is I went home from Israel, scratched my head and said, Kavura, by his association. What do I do? I worship and just fellowship with him. What, what, what? Can God just give me a verse in the Bible that says this is fellowship with him? Guess what? I found it in 1 Corinthians, all right? Where it says, last thing is communion with the blood of Christ. You take the bread, it is communion with the body of Christ. Wow! This is how I fellowship with the body of Christ. There was stripe for my healing. Mm. I tell you, if you're sick, you should have a big piece of bread at home. You should have a, a glass of, uh, I don't even recommend wine if you take a lot in, in a day. You know, darling, I'm sorry, but Pastor Prince says, you know, I got to take a lot in one day. So, I bought this wine. You must understand, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. And I don't, don't give me that nonsense, okay? It's a bad testimony to be drunk, okay? It's a bad testimony. So, let me just tell you this. Have a piece of bread. You don't need our cups, okay? You don't need our cups. Uh, but Pastor Prince, your, your, why, why you all designed that way? Must it be that way? Forget the cups. It's for convenience purpose. But even a crumb can drive the devil out of that woman's daughter. So, it, it's not how big, how small, okay? It is, it is your revelation of it. So, it's not a matter of like, and by the way, if you're not safe, do not partake of the Lord's Supper. In a while's time, we'll have the Lord's Supper. I thought that today we'll have it at the end. Because your faith, your revelation, when you take it with revelation, something happens. It's not an empty heart, an empty mind partaking. The whole thing becomes empty. It's just a ritual. Okay? I'm bringing this to a close. Are you blessed? Yes. We're coming to a close right now. Then I want to read to, to you another testimony. I suffered severe postal depression after giving birth to a wonderful baby, Margaret from United Kingdom said. I felt as if the whole world was upon my shoulders and the depression got so bad that I wanted to end my life. How many know there are people with depression who want to end their life? However, the glorious smile of my baby kept me going. One day, my brother introduced me to Pastor Joseph Prince's television program. Even though I was a Christian, I had never heard anyone preach the gospel like Pastor Prince. His messages helped me understand my wonderful identity in Christ and how much God loves me. Wow, this turned my life around. I started to watch his programs daily and recorded all of them. I also began confessing my righteousness in Christ and partaking of the Holy Communion, remembering whose I am. Since then, my life has never been the same. I no longer suffer from postnatal depression. Light in my marriage, my children's lives, and in my family. My household is now blessed daily with God's presence. Amen. Well, Pastor Prince, what about for those loved ones in the hospital? Can you take communion for them? The next one I'm going to read to you. All right, listen to the story because one day you, you'll find this might really help with some relative or whatever, okay? This is Colin from India. In October 2015, 
Rama, the mother-in-law of my wife's sister, was admitted to the hospital after suffering a stroke that paralyzed the right side of her body. She also had an extremely high blood sugar level, which can aggravate strokes. Her attending doctor also found that her esophagus was twisted and inserted a feeding tube to pre prevent her from choking on her food or drink. My wife and I had shared Pastor Prince's DVD sermons on the Holy Communion and anointing oil with Depeche, Rama's son. When he arrived at the hospital, he prayed for Rama with the anointing oil. Within five minutes, she moved her right hand. The family also partook of the Holy Communion. Despite being another city, we partook in faith with them. You can do that. All right, the Lord can heal from a distance, no problem. Amen. That, that, that night, Rama regained full mobility in her right arm. That night. But could not stand as her balance was off. The next day, she walked around the ward twice on her own without any loss of balance. Stroke, you know, with uh, high blood sugar. However, she started coughing out the milk given to her. The doctor wanted to reins reinsert the feeding tube, which was a painful procedure. But Rama managed to avoid it as she was able to eat normally after the tube was removed. Her esophagus was also no longer twisted. On the fourth day, Rama was discharged. Another patient with the same condition as Rama and admitted on the same day and had not even opened his eyes. Patient admitted the same day, the person on the fourth day, the eyes is still closed. My wife's brother, who is a doctor, told us that Rama's recovery was medically impossible. Blood sugar level was unstable for the week that followed. We shared with her what we had learned from Pastor Prince about letting go and letting God take care of her. That night, Rama and her daughter partook. Now Rama herself partook, all right? What, when your, your loved one is unconscious or in the hospital, what you can partake on behalf of your loved one. But once the person is awake, now she's participating. That night, Rama and her daughter partook of the Holy Communion and told the Lord that they cannot, but He can. Her blood sugar level stabilized after that. Rama is now a committed believer. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. Amen. The final part is something that I think uh, will be very interesting, interesting for those of you who feel that, like uh, your age is advancing. All right? When I was 12 years old, I thought 30 was very old. <laughs> and then I hit 30. Then I thought being 40 was very, very old. I remember when, when my mom was 40, when my mom was 30s, you know, I thought she was very old. You know? Y'all look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right? But whatever age you put down there as the age of growing old, I just want to let you know something, okay? The Bible says this in Psalms 92. Look up here. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon is a very famous cedar. By the way, let me show you cedar, a picture of a cedar. It's a majestic tree. Beautiful tree. And the cedars of Lebanon is the cedars that's used for the Temple of Solomon, the most expensive building ever built as a house of God. It's majestic. All right? Now, Psalms 92 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree, even 100 years old, can still produce oil. Isn't it amazing? A palm tree is so fruitful, you see all kinds of seeds everywhere. Yeah, oh, come on, come on. 
Come on. Old age, still fruitful. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Amen. The cedar uh, wood, by the way, the cedar, I learned this when I was in the Rockies uh, uh, many years ago in Wendy for a holiday. We passed by cedars and I stopped because it's interesting in the Bible and I want to learn as much as I can. And the little, uh, uh, all the cedars that were there, there was, there was a write-up and they said that the cedar wood is practically incorruptible. No insect can successfully destroy it. In fact, the beautiful perfume smell of the cedar drives away all these parasites. That's why they have cedar blocks that you can put in among your clothes. Amen? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the cause of our God. Don't just come to church. Be planted. Don't just come to church. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, you know where? Outside in your workplace. Outside in your family. Amen? Those who are planted here will flourish in the courts. The courts is outside. Okay, next verse. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Old age, the age is old, but the person is not because the person is still bearing fruit. Grandpa, grandma, this is for you. Your age can be an old age. You tell people your age and they say, what? All right, but you are still bearing fruit. They say that when you come to a certain age, they use the word dry up, right? <laughs> Abraham considered not his own body now dead, dried up. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We don't consider the natural things. Consider God's word. So, so far, has Pastor Prince taken pains to show you scripture? Have I? Yeah. Okay, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Wow, fresh and flourishing. I wish I can show you the Hebrew. Fresh there is the word dashen, which is the word for stalwart, vigorous. This man in his old age is vigorous. You know what's vigorous or not? Solid, lah, brother. <laughs> You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says that even the youth shall faint. Youth shall faint. And the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the secret? They that wait upon the Lord. Write this down somewhere. The word for, listen, the word for they that wait upon the Lord is the word joined together, fellowship. Kava. The word is kava in Hebrew. Kava means like a rope intertwined. You and the Lord intertwine and you will run and not be weary. You will mount up with wings as eagles. God will renew your youth like Caleb at the age of 85. He told, Moses, he told Joshua, give me this mountain. Like Moses at the age of 120 when he died, the Bible says his eyesight was not dim, neither his natural force abated. God did it for them. And Moses was under law. Caleb was under law. How much more? We have a better covenant. Their law was based, their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Our covenant is based on the imperishable, beautiful, precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Are you listening, people? So, what's the key, Pastor Prince? What's the key? They shall be fresh, is vigorous. Flourishing is rahanan in Hebrew, which means green. Literally, today, when they say green, they use this word rahanan. You will be vigorous and evergreen. Are you like that? When you look at a tree, the tree is 100 over years old, but it's all green. Yes, 30, 40, already brown. Evergreen. You can be evergreen. Why does God want this? Why does God want this in His people? All right? It's not just for you, you know, to declare, to testify that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in Him. So the people around will, will see God is being declared. God is a good God. He's an upright God. When He sees, when they look at God's people and they see this, whoa, amen. But it doesn't tell you how, right? The first part, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So the, a key there is cedar in Lebanon, okay? So these people, in their old age, they're still bare fruit. They are still green. They are still vigorous. Doesn't tell you what they did, right? Yeah, for that, you must come back next week. <laughs> Would you like to know now? Yes. But it's about time. Yes. Huh? You want it now? Yes. Only one verse, okay? Look at this. Look at this. Say cedar in Lebanon. When God gave me this, I know this passage for a long time already. When God gave me this in my room, I nearly went to the rooftop. Because for years, I, I, I salivate over this. <sighs> Did a breaststroke in my saliva. It was like, it's like, man, bring fruit in old age, evergreen, vigorous, bearing fruit flourishing out there in the courts. Man, ah, like the cedar of Lebanon. Like a palm tree, I salive it. Oh. And then, bang! In, during one, one of my studies, God says, the, see the key? He will grow like, not just a palm tree, but a cedar in Lebanon. Interpret Bible. Let me show you this verse in Psalms 104. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. When you are, just now that, that, that passage also full of sap, right? Evergreen, full of sap. Bring forth fruit in old age, full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. Aha, that's our key. If you think he's referring just to trees, think again. Like God says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And then he says, do you think God cares for oxen? Of course, God cares for animals. But do you think when God says, don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the wheat, let him eat. Don't cover his mouth. Don't be like a Singaporean. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. All right? And uh, so God says, let, let, let him eat. And then he's like, do you think God cares for the oxen? No. Paul says, God is caring for the minister who trash out the word of God. Let him be blessed. Let him be blessed. It is his job. Let him get paid. It's his job. All right? Paul talked about that in Corinthians. You can read about it. That's not my message today. Okay? What I'm trying to say, when God gives an illustration about not muzzling the ox, God is thinking of full-time ministers. Ministers that depend on the people's free will giving. All right? God says, don't forget. Allow him to eat. Watch this. When God talked about 
the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon. It's talking about cedars of Lebanon. It's people. They shall still bring forth fruit. It's illustration. How you can be incorruptible. How you can be full of sap. How you can be green. How you can be, be uh, strong. Would you like that? Context. Bible, interpret Bible, and context is important. Look at the verse before this. God gives wine that makes glad the heart of man. God gives oil, the Holy Spirit, to make his face shine. And God gives bread, which strengthens man's heart. And I'm telling you, the only bread that can strengthen man's physical heart is the bread of communion. Because by his stripes, we are healed. I'm here to tell you, church, the wine, the bread, is the communion that makes you like the cedars of Lebanon, full of sap. And when I saw this, I'll tell you, I said, whoa! Like, wow! Wow, do you know why I'm preaching this? I'm preaching this so that when your loved one or someone has been given a bad diagnosis, don't just run and take communion with an empty heart, an empty revelation, empty mind. Wait, listen to the sermon. Partake. Something. Some, something will happen because everything about God's things right, must work with faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Are you listening, people? Amen? You know, everything happened because of man's sin. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close. Everything happened because of man's sin. Man ate from the tree he shouldn't. Guess what? God says, eat your way back into the blessings. Eat your way back into the blessings. Are you listening? By the body of Jesus. It might be the body of Jesus. Remember the, the disciples in Luke 24? I told you, right? Did I give you Luke 24? I did? I didn't give you Luke 24? Real fast, okay? Luke 24, when Jesus rose from the dead, same day, real fast, okay? I cannot afford to give you this and then give another service. All right, y'all will come back. Luke, Luke 24, real quick. Now it came to pass that Jesus sat at the table with them. He took bread. Now this is after he rose from the dead. The same evening, the same evening after he rose from the dead. He's at the place called Emmaus with the two disciples, I believe husband and wife, all right? And he, he took the place of the divine host. He played host. He took the bread. He blessed, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. When did they, their eyes open? When did they know him? When? The whole seven miles, they didn't see him. Until he broke bread. There's something here, people. There's something here. I believe, I have a whole message on Emmaus Road. I have a whole message on it. Where God showed me, it is actually a replica, or rather a picture of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden when man fell, man ate. It's a picture. There are two men and women. There's a couple there. So here there's a couple walking back to Emmaus. Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. And then you have, you have uh, the Lord walking with them in the cool of the day. Then you have the Lord Jesus coming here. It's a restoration. Understand, what was lost here was restored here. And then the Bible says, now, because of time, their eyes were close to see Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. Their eyes were restrained. He wanted them to see Him in the Word, not physically. But then, right at the end, over here, what happened? Seduce the woman who seduced the husband to eat the fruit. Their eyes were open, but to the wrong place. Not to God, to themselves. How sinful, how dirty, how, un how naked you are. But over here, the restoration. Their eyes were open. 
They didn't see themselves. They saw him. So can I submit to you, looking at the types, the two stories, can I submit to you, Adam and Eve partook from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What they didn't partake is the tree of life. Can I submit to you, communion is the tree of life. He is your righteousness. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. Are you blessed? Yes. Are you blessed? Yes. You know, this is the restoration part. And then you know what happened? He disappeared. By the way, he disappeared. That doesn't mean he left them. He vanished out of their sight. He was still there. He'll never leave them. They walked back seven miles. They just walked seven miles. But after communion, they can walk seven miles again. They went back to find the other disciples and say, Hey, hey, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. Let's follow the story there. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. He told the rest. Now, watch this. Now, as they said these things about the breaking of bread, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Shalom! When they were talking about the breaking of bread, the Lord loves it. That's why he's showing up even now. Amen. As they spoke about the breaking of bread. Jesus appeared. Do you think he just came from heaven at the time? No, he was there all the time. He never left them. In other words, from bread to bread. He disappeared, he reappeared. Take this to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Primarily till he comes means when he comes in the clouds to get all of us in the rapture. But till he comes, keep on taking till he comes can also mean till he comes to manifest himself to you. I don't know about you. I'm blessed. I think you are, you are really ready right now to take the communion. Are you ready? All right, pass the communion elements. You have it, right? In your hands? Are you ready, people? Now remember, it's not about being conscious of your own disease. It's being conscious of Jesus. Amen. Being conscious of Him. I'm going to say this again. Surely. Like you're going to say, right? Don't. When you come to church, uh, I want to tell the pastors also. It, it's as if the pastors must lead you word for word. I think we have to stop doing that. You are big enough. All right? And old enough. It's your own prayer to God. Once in a while, we'll lead you, okay? But make it your own prayer. Don't let Pastor Lawrence kiss the girl for you. Amen. You know, the word worship is kiss, to kiss the Lord. You got to kiss the Lord yourself. Amen? You know what to say. But the principle is this, be conscious of the Lord. He says, do this in remembrance of me, not yourself, not your problems, not your disease. Stop thinking about yourself. It's about Him. Look at Him, how beautiful He is. Like the cedars of Lebanon. Amen. Look at how majestic He is, how full of mercy, kindness, tender mercy, goodness. How loving He is, how compassionate. He didn't have to, but He chose to come down, to die on that cross for our sins. But before He hung on the cross, He chose to go to the whipping post, the scourging, and they beat Him, and they beat Him again. And they beat him again. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his wound, by his stripe, the back was so lacerated. See that right now in the spirit. See that? When that stripe fell on his back, your cancer died. 
your tumor disappeared. When that stripe fell on his back, your blood pressure was normalized. When that stripe fell on his back, your sleeplessness and insomnia disappeared. By that stripe, whatever your condition is, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. By your stripe, I am healed of. Tell him right now, by your stripe, I'm healed of. It might be more than one thing, but just tell him, by your stripe, I thank you, Lord. It's a time of thanksgiving, not pleading. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe. It has been done. You're not going to ask him to do it again. You are thanking him. It's a time of you low here, thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, by your stripe, I am healed. In my heart, by your stripe, I am healed from forgetfulness. By your stripe, I am healed in my brain. By your stripe, I am healed in my memory faculties. By your stripe, I am healed in my ankle joints. By your stripe, I am healed in my knees, whatever it is. But see it. Don't just repeat like a parrot. See it. See it. See him. Bearing the stripes. When you're ready, partake. up the cup in the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of all your sins you are not partaking remember this to be forgiven you are drinking because you are forgiven if you're not safe you haven't believed in Christ yet this is not for you put down the elements it's only for believers and you are forgiven of all your sins because his blood was shed now when you drink, drink in the consciousness that all your sins have been forgiven. There's no unforgiven sin in your life because of the blood of Jesus. And know that through the blood of Jesus, there is no curse in your life, no curse in your family. Christ has redeemed you through His blood from every curse. Me drink. Amen. If you're here, friend, and you've never put your trust in Christ, God will not force salvation into your life. He waits to be invited. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. If that is you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead as my shepherd, as my savior, as my high priest. All my sins are forgiven. I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. If you pray that prayer, you are now a child of God. From this day forth, you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came? Look at you. I don't know about you, but there's a glory cloud like all over this place. You know, throughout the entire preaching, there's been like a glory cloud. He shows up. He, so, he shows up. Lift your hands. The Lord bless you this coming week. The Lord bless you with the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And the Lord keep you and your loved ones throughout this week. 
from all infection, from all terror, from all fear, from dangers, accidents, from tragedies. The Lord keep you and your loved ones and your families from all the harmful effects of the haze. The Lord keep you and your loved ones from all danger, from all evil. The Lord favors you. He smiles on you. This coming week, see the favor of God all over you. See God smiling on you. Amen. He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done. He's pleased with you. You are in Jesus' place. Amen. He treats you like Jesus. Amen. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you great well-being. Shalom. Because the punishment for that shalom has been paid. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. God bless you. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. But don't go just yet. If you'd like to receive prayer, share your testimony, or find out more about Gospel Partner, just click the link on this screen. If not, I'll see you in the next episode.